Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. So, I've been conditioning myself. My DVR has been stretching and doing DVR Pilates to get ready for this day. We've made it, and already, just a few days into the college football season, uh, guys are moving up and down the boards, Jim. Things are happening. Guys are falling in and out of love already. How are you doing, sir? Uh, pretty good. Uh, not surprising. Um it's uh, I mean, again, as, as a draft Twitter, a lot to quote Eddie Murphy. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately. So, yes. uh, yes. if you haven't done much lately, then uh, you're probably not going to go very far. And if you've done a lot, then you're the best player ever. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, as a person who has long had a man crush on Corey Davis, I'm glad to see sort of the rest of of draft Twitter and even outside of draft Twitter. Well, you know, others, uh, I don't count. Well, I guess, I guess the guys at PFF are kind of draft Twitter. I don't know how to, how to really classify them, but I see the love is, is popping up all over the place for, for Corey. Yeah, PFF nope. is PFF. You know, yes, I, I don't right. really, I'll consider them a part of draft Twitter because they right. associate themselves with PFF. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. If you actually went and looked and just, looked at all the Twitter accounts of PFF at the front, it's like a ridiculous amount. PFF Steve, PFF George, PFF James, PFF... Yeah, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, you know, I mean, sure, PFF likes them because of statistics, which I, I don't agree. Yep. I, I I agree with that. I mean, statistically speaking, Corey Davis has been a really good market share by receiver in the MAC, which changes yeah. things a little bit. Um, not a ton, just a little bit, tiny bit. Uh, but he is a talented receiver, and he has all the stuff that DeAndre Smelter has. So, yeah, he's people should pay attention to him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's the real freaking business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, he's the deal. He's the real thing. At least in my opinion, yeah. he's the real business. Yeah, you know, if he had less contested catches and you know improved his you know routes a little more, I'd, I'd be really excited. Uh, so I don't know. I I didn't get a chance to actually see him as lately as most other people. But those were just my two big sort of things I wanted to see him improve this year uh, was uh, just his. Uh, uh, route consistency and uh, and get separation consistently. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, there's a few sort of, you know, news and notes kind of things. Uh, Boise won the Peterson Bowl, uh, which is a game that I was sort of very interested in seeing. And Boise is a school that somehow manages, despite having a 90-something percent winning percentage over the past 10 years, to still somehow be, I won't say under the radar, because they're not under the radar. People know Boise, but people never put Boise in their top 10 preseason, ever, no matter what Boise did the year before. <laughs> it's sort of, it's sort of, they don't... I mean, right. you have to prove. Uh, it's it's guilt by association. The Mountain West Conference is not a very good conference uh, anymore. Uh, sure. Despite, sure. Despite what cool Which is sad. And, uh, and because of that, you have to prove that you have to prove it. You got to prove. You have to put people people on your schedule and beat them. Beating Washington doesn't really prove that because Washington is not mm-hmm. necessarily a juggernaut Pac-12. No championship sort of team, I guess. It's, you know, it's like, not the Mark Brunel, Steve Entman, Washington Huskies that were right. one of the best football teams in the past 30 years. No, it's not those guys. All right, it's a team that's been struggling. It's a team that had its quarterback retire early due to uh, health issues. It's a team that has had you know struggles uh, overall and also lost ridiculous amounts of talent to the draft last year. Uh, it, well, not really to the draft, but just to seniors retiring, you know. I mean, you know, Dave Shelton was a senior, so he couldn't keep playing. And, um, same thing with Kika. And same thing with Andrew Hudson. Same thing with, you know, all of the other guys. So, um, it's not, and of course, Marcus Peters, you know, which didn't really matter. He was gone halfway through the season, but still, you know, and Marcus Peters is gone So, <clears throat> yeah, they lost a lot of talent. And uh, Boise State did it. So that's what happens, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they don't they don't get top ten recognition because, again, they're not – I mean, well, you know, first of all, they're – that's to prove that they're a top ten team. And, two, they're, pro- they're probably not a top ten team. They're probably no, they're close. Not. Not, this, not this version of them, no. But, I mean, even when they were probably one of the top ten teams in the country, no one seemed to want to. Admit as much, I guess, is what I'm saying. Probably. Or gr- grudging. Grudgingly, I maybe admitted to that. Probably. You know. I don't know. They just, you know, there's, there's a. See, back then, everybody was SEC. Well, it's the same thing. same thing, you know. It's just that everybody's Power 5 conference, Power 3 conference, honestly, if you think about it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're not gonna make friends if you keep saying things like power three. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna start to lose some friends. On oh that. well, I mean, when you have the Big Sixteen or Seventeen, I don't know how many teams are in the Big Ten now, uh, and you have <laughs> the SEC, which has about a ton of teams, and then you have Pac-12, which has you know a pretty decent amount of teams. You look at the Big 12, which doesn't even have 12 teams, you go, huh, one, one of these things not like the other. You know, that, like that sort of thing. In the ACC, you know, you, it, it has Florida State and Miami, but 
it also has a lot of parts of the division that are well. If they if they if they got rid of Pittsburgh, would anybody care? You know, if they got rid of Wake Forest. Would anybody shed a tear? Well, the the people of Wake Forest and the people of the people I know of Wake Forest at, yeah. would not be happy. But I'm just saying, if if Wake Forest tomorrow was moved to say Conference USA or the AAC. Or yeah, or AAC, yeah, Big Big East or AAC American Athletic Conference. Would people be sad other than Wake Forest fans? I, once again, I, I do see where you can drive it at there. Um, Wake Forest, Vanderbilt. There are certainly schools in every conference where, as you said, outside of the people who went to or root for or live near that particular school if they were to be removed, you wouldn't necessarily hear that much about it. I think it's where you're, where you're going with that. And I, I, it's hard to disagree with that. Right. I mean, sure there's, you know, and yeah, there's historical stuff, but as we've seen so far, none of that stuff matters. So it's, um, you know, Although you're always going to have geographic data, that's the thing. I still believe that you're always going to have geographic sort of, despite the fact you may not play them every year, you're still going to have geographic sort of things happening. And that's just because of just the nature of that. So, um, you're not fighting every single year, you know. But, yeah. I I only say Power 3 because it seems to be the the main conferences that people really care about. (laughs) Okay. And usually that that third conference, whether it's the ACC or the Pac-12, depends on where you live. Probably if you live on the East Coast, it's the ACC, and if you live on the West Coast, it's the Pac-12. So it's kind of like that. So if you are breaking down, and I guess to some extent we are, the um, the teams in question, right? And as you said, we're looking at the the guys that line up, you know, on one side of the ball versus the guys that line up the other side of the ball. You've got, I mean, Washington's had a pretty large number of guys drafted. People sort of look back and say, you know, what the heck? What happened to that? that team's defense, that all these guys got drafted off of their defense, and yet their defense wasn't, you know, some dominant juggernaut of a defense. And it was not, you know, a dominant juggernaut of a defense. It was quite quite the opposite, actually, I guess, in terms of the the actual play that you saw on the field. But the term you like to use, meh, uh, I guess it was a – considering how many guys off that team ended up playing, and somebody mentioned – uh, when I talked about that Georgia defense that Kellen Moore basically dissected, they said it was one of the worst defenses that seven guys drafted off of it. I, I don't remember exactly how many Washington guys got drafted, but that Georgia defense was better than that Washington close. defense last year. <laughs> it was, I know it was close. Um, I think a lot a lot of the issues with, with Washington that year were secondary-based, um, despite the fact that Shaq Thompson gets rave reviews for his you know, coverage ability. 
He's not very good in zone coverage. I'll say that much. He's a little better I'm in man. I'm going to agree with you when you say that. Yeah, um, we agree. And he tends to not always take the best angle angles at times. And, and I'm also kind of talking about it as a safety, but that's really what it is. I mean, he would get into sort of a nickel linebacker role where he was honestly sort of like a nickel DB. And he was not always in the right place at the right time. And their safeties there have, you know, again, you know, every team has safety issues. That's really what it is. Safety sort of issue thing. <clears throat> the defensive line played well in the first half and then kind of tapered off of it in the second half of the season. You know, so like Kika, Day Shelton, and Andrew Hudson were like, you know, high five and slapping each other like, yeah, we're really good. And then in the second half, they kind of, you know, they started playing a few tougher opponents, you know, and not having as big of an impact as they were having at the beginning of the season. And then you add in the fact that their secondary was like that, and that's what you get. You know. So it it was never a great team. It's like, kind of like the Raiders. You think about it, it's like the Raiders defense, you know. Yeah, we have, you know, there's defensive linemen here and there that are good. And linebacker, there's a few of those guys that are solid. But then you have a bunch of guys. And um, and and also, they they didn't have a lot of youth guys that were really contributing too. So, which isn't a terrible thing if your senior guys are really good, but it is just sort of a concern. It's kind of like what happened with Stanford when all their senior defensive players, you know, left, uh, you know, graduated, and. Uh, all the young guys are pretty much unproven. So, um, because you don't have a lot of youth, you don't have a lot of people coming in that prove that they could be really good players, you have that sort of issue too. Um, which I think kind of possibly makes it a little difficult to uh, evaluate how a defense is going to do when you, when you don't have a few young players that are uh, coming back that show some stuff showed some interesting things. Washington didn't have a ton of those guys on defense. Yeah. So did you chance to check out any of the, the prospects or the guys that you were interested in seeing in the, the like I said, the the, uh, Chris, the uh, Chris Peterson Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one guy that I actually saw a good bit uh, focusing on is Marcus Henry at center for Boise State. Um, he, man, he's a guy, he's a guy, you know, he, he's a small, he's a little center, but he's tough, um, he's aggressive, uh, he moves pretty well um, and has enough power to anchor. He's a guy that I think might have issues at the next level because just because of his height um, at times, just because he's about six foot three ish, and if he, you know, when you have a six foot six guy that can bend, which doesn't happen often, by the way, 
No. But if there's like a six foot six, six foot five guy that could bid, um, he he do have leverage issues with that guy. But I think overall, uh he's a smart player, a tough player, and I, I felt like he showed a lot of uh uh that sort of tenacity that you that you kinda want um in a interior uh center. And he was the guy that caught by last year and he continued to show that kind of play this year. Uh, the other, the other players, uh, I mean, Thomas Spurlock kind of showed some stuff. I mean, you know, William Rhodes, um, there's another guy that kind of had speed that was interesting. I was a little, Ryan Finley, I felt, wasn't that bad, you know? And that's the best way to describe it, I would say. Not that bad. That's what my t-shirt, my family t-shirt is probably going to say. <laughs> I mean, you know, cause it, it's just because, you know, hey, I, I don't know. I've never seen him until that night, so I, I couldn't really say, I mean, you know, Donovan's seen him, you know, because he's played high school uh, stuff, but I was just kind of like, okay, I'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, that, those, I would say Marcus Henry kind of, I was impressed with them. The wide receivers for Boise State were good. I felt like uh, Correa or Korea or Cal of, I think it's Correa. But uh, it's their main pass rusher guy, number eight. Uh, I felt like he really got to a rhythm late in the game and got some good pressures. And uh, showed why he was, because he, I mean, uh, in terms of everything I do, he was graded out as the best statistical pass rusher in the Mount West Conference. And uh, went up against the Washington team and kind of proved it. Yeah, yeah, I am, you know, repeat performance sort of thing. So I felt like he played well. Um, I didn't get a chance to see a ton of Darren Thompson. I mean, I saw him pop up a few times, but I actually focused in on him uh, throughout the game. But he's uh, but he's a safety that I, I know that there's a bunch of uh, fanfare for, uh, which is interesting. Because um, I kind of see Jeremy Cash as kind of better than Darian Thompson, but there's a lot of people that kind of have, like, you know, Jeremy Cash, I guess, is not a cool enough name. I guess Darian Thompson is a better. <laughs> Jeremy Cash is one of the coolest names I've run across. <laughs> How could that not be cool I, enough? I, yeah, but you don't hear people talk about Jeremy Cash. I'll just say that much. Um, which is odd, but. Which is odd, because he's a really, really, really good football player, yes. <laughs> if he's not a top five safety, I don't know who the heck you've got in your top five. I'll put it that way. Well, top five safety. Yeah, that's that's interesting. <sighs> that that that's an interesting sort of thing. Um, but I mean, Thompson is 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 an interesting guy. I think he's a little overhyped. That's just me. Um, I think he's a tall, long guy. But uh, that's about it. Um, Washington overall. I mean. 
the reason why I've not really mentioned many Washington players is because the offense couldn't do jack squat. Yes, it was not good. It was not a good offensive, well, anything. It, I mean, yeah. It was just bad all around. I mean, they couldn't run the football. Uh, we couldn't pass the ball. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't do diddly poo. <laughs> so, uh, which was kind of surprising because, you know, well, it's not that surprising, but I mean, you know, this is Chris Peterson. This is the guy that recruited some of these guys. Um, he, I mean, he has to. No, I mean, of course, he doesn't have inside information anymore, but still, should know what he's getting into and kind of, you know, it's pretty bad. I mean, when you leave a football team and you hurt people's feelings, which maybe their feelings weren't hurt, but I mean, come on, the guy leaves the program and you're like, okay, we understand you're trying to get, you know, higher aspirations, all that kind of stuff, but you know, whatever. Um, And then you come back, and then you come in there, and then you have that kind of performance on display. It was very, uh, I don't know, it was very come up at come up at type of thing, you know, um, where you're like, wow, you know, uh, where the score probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, you know, even though Boise no. State won. I felt like it probably should have been a lot more. They definitely uh, left points on the table. Yeah. um, Happy, at least to that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, you know, but that's all I can really say. I think in this particular game, Marcus Henry and uh, and Correa, the main pass rusher guy, number eight, and Thompson. I mean, Thompson had an interception. It was okay. It was good at interception, but it was sort of, you know, the offense was struggling a lot. But um, I don't know. It was kind of uh, – because it, 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 it was Boise State, because of the bluegrass, mm-hmm. it's uh, – I don't know. I, I don't know if they should keep the bluegrass. I'll just say that much. I, I think – Maybe the bluegrass has had its final day of the sun, I guess. Wow. Not very aesthetically pleasing to the eyes, is all I'm to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, it sounds like you were more impressed with, in case of both teams, defense over offense, and then obviously very much unimpressed with the, the Huskies' offense as a whole. Would that be fair to say? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Dwayne Washington, he had, I mean, he had a couple plays here and there, but not much to get excited about. 100%. Caught the football a little bit. Gives you some hope. But uh, if you're struggling against a Boise State team, 
But what's it going to look like against Pac-12? Yeah, that's. It's hard to disagree with you. Uh, there are some highly rated running back prospects at Washington, but whether it's a function of their offensive line, whether it's a function of those guys being maybe a little bit over, you know, over overhyped or whatever, I didn't see a lot to get super excited in their running game. And you know, as you said, the passing game is there's a lot of work to be done. There's there's going to be some some unpleasant things said uh, to most of the offensive players probably during um, during film study. There's not too many guys who will be walking in there holding their heads high about how they play on the offensive side of the ball, really for either team. But as, as you noted, especially, you know, Washington is a school that gets the occasional three-star, but most of it, they're signing a lot of four-stars, and they get even the occasional five-star on both sides of the ball. And in the past, you know, people blamed all kinds of things from Sarkeesian and his staff not being great at developing guys to whatever we're going to blame to these guys not always looking like studs week in and week out, despite the fact that, you know, many of these guys came in with incredible reputations coming out of high school. And now, you know, there's a new sheriff in town, as they say. But it's going to take a while. Uh, clearly, they want to be... I mean, I'm assuming. I, I'm, I haven't had any actual conversations with Gus Peterson, but I'm assuming they want to be like Boise, but more talented. I mean, I'm guessing that's what he wants. He wants his team to play like the team he had before, but with better athletes. Well, you can't always do that, though. Yes. It's not only that easy, right? <laughs> and you have to you have to do with your guys what you can do with your guys. And uh, and you know, and it's not to say that he. I mean, obviously he was making you know good stuff out of less good stuff at Boise State, but uh, he doesn't seem to be. I guess with the guys that he has, he doesn't seem to have. He, he doesn't seem to be using his personnel or getting to his personnel the same way that he was at Boise State. In terms of getting them yeah. to understand what they're doing and executing that at a at least a decent level. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. He seems, and I'm not trying to say the guys have a lower football IQ than the guys he was used to working with. That's sort of a unfair thing to say. But they haven't been in this system as long. They don't understand certain things as well. He had built a pretty darn good machine. And obviously Dan Hawkins had some success at Boise as well, but he clearly took that to a you know a whole other level. And now he's in a different situation with guys with different expectations. Let's, let's also factor that in a little bit. The guys who decide to go play football at Washington, and many of them who decided to play for Coach Sarkeesian, let's you know, also acknowledge that. It, he doesn't have his own guys there yet. He's, these are obviously Sarkeesian guys, the guys that the previous coaching staff brought in. And, you know, you're not allowed to make trades and cut people. I mean, not you can't literally make trades and cut people. Uh, well, <laughs> at the collegiate level. But <laughs> you have to have a plan in place. And it, you, right. you can't have right. it overnight. No. So no. you 
basically have them go through the competition. They lose a death chart battle, and then you know, and he kind of you can drop the, you can drop little hints that you'll help a guy if he decides to transfer and that kind of thing. You know, hey, but, uh, <laughs> no, we want you to we want you to go someplace else. <laughs> and we'll support uh, you. We'll fully support right. you. Fully support you, yes. Well, I know. have I know uh, some friends who are looking for. Okay. Yes. And if they do it quickly, they do it fast enough, they'll, they'll support it fully. If they don't do it fast enough, see what I'm saying? Yeah, they may yeah I do. <laughs> well, from what I understand, Coach Peterson is, is, as they say, a stand-up guy. I get the feeling he doesn't sort of put the arm on kids that way. But you can make it clear to a guy that, hey, we see you aren't as happy here as you were, or the scheme doesn't seem to fit you as well. I mean, it's a legitimate way to handle those situations when a guy, just for whatever reason, isn't as good fit for what you're doing as he was for what was going on previously. And that does happen. It happens all the time. And it's, it's a challenge to handle that. And some guys are happy where they are no matter what happens. Hey, I really like it here. I love my teammates. I love whatever. I love Washington. I love whatever. And I'm, you know, maybe it's going to change. <laughs> I mean, those guys exist. Guys that really are happy with where they are, even if it's not working out football-wise for them. Oh, sure. Um, I'm just, as a, as, a, as a coach person, you would say those guys <laughs> are the Why yeah, can I get uh, this guy? I get everything in the world. He still doesn't jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Admittedly, like I said, it is a challenge to deal with that when you come in as a staff because you're going to have guys, even guys who sometimes are very talented, who just aren't a good fit for what you do or the way you do it. And yeah, like I said, exactly. you're not That's literally allowed to make roster moves. <laughs> The way of well, yeah. That's why when you when you pick the team that you're going to, you have you have that in mind that can I turn this team into a winning franchise fast enough or a winning team fast enough so that I don't get fired? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I I hope I think you know again. I I still think Chris Peterson probably has the expectation of, hey, you don't have to win it all right away. Put your team in place. But by year three, this year doesn't turn out too well, and next year doesn't turn out too well, you might see some stuff. Oh, oh, I agree. I agree. I think he will turn this program around. I think, you know, they might not be winning national championships, but I think within three years they'll be a contender to win the conference. I can see that. Yeah. But not based on what I saw last night. That's the thing. Well, that I mean, was that's, that that's a lot to fix in a year. A lot to fix. So I would give them a couple years. I, I, I think not this year and not next year, but the year after that, I see them being able to be able to contend for the for the Pac-12. And as you said, if not, you know, there'll be some heat applied. 
And if you've given a guy three years, I feel like that's probably fair to do, especially when you've got the resources. It's, you know, he's not having to scratch and claw and, and fight for every little thing because they, this is a program where they have a decent investment uh, put into player development and <coughs> recruiting and training and health and all that good stuff. I mean, it's not quite what Oregon has going, obviously, but it'll do. Yeah. Okay, so obviously the game that a lot of people found the most fun to watch was probably SMU and Baylor. Fun because there's some guys that people think are going to go in the first round. Fun because, you know, people like to watch big plays. And as we mentioned, our Bryles makes football fun. Uh, you know, our Bryles will give you some fun if you like to see lots of running and throwing and catching. It certainly makes you, after watching something like Boise and, and watching Washington, you certainly, if you, if you were starved for big plays on offense, that game was a good game to balance that out for you. Obviously, there are some fairly well-known prospects in that game. People who hadn't who hadn't discovered Mr. Billings, and I think most people have, but I think some people maybe fully discovered him uh, last night. And of course, on offense, Baylor, as always, has fascinating skill position prospects as they have for the past five or six years. Who are some of the guys that you were interested in seeing in that game, the SNU uh, Baylor game, on on both sides of the ball, both teams? Oh, um, well. You know, Sean Oakman uh, disappeared because he wasn't there. He was suspended, uh, didn't play, um, which was kind of uh, disappointing, uh, considering that that was a game that kind of helped him last year to get on the national radar, and now he's not there. Um, Andrew Billings definitely showed a lot of stuff, was able to beat a couple double teams. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I think. I mean, again, I think he's one of the better defensive tackles coming into this year and uh, kind of showed that. In terms of everything else, though, um, I mean, the offense of Baylor is still, I mean, come on, Baylor. So they score pretty easily. I'm surprised they put didn't put more. <laughs> surprised they didn't put like 70 on them because uh, that this is their type of offense. Um, Seth Russell played really well. Um, made a couple really cool bucket throws too, uh, which kind of showing off the sort of thing, uh, you know, arm strength and uh, deep ball accuracy um, was shown off in full effect. I think the interesting thing is a lot of people criticize, uh, and from what I saw too, the, you know, 
there would be times where a guy, they would have a play, and the guys that aren't on the play side would just not barely, you know, run their route, if that makes any sense. So, like, you'd have a guy running a fade um, on the uh, on the right side, uh, on the left side, and uh, on the right side, you'd have, like, two wide receivers doing go routes, too, but then they just pull up a little bit because the ball's not going to them, you know. The one read, one one man route. A lot of people were criticizing that because they felt like they should have gave more effort, stuff like that. But um, I don't know. As a person who watches Baylor a lot, uh, that's what Baylor does. Yeah, that's not anything new. <laughs> when when Baylor scores 56, 63 points with ease, they don't go full go on every route. They don't have to. Um, there's no stakes. <laughs> the, you know, there's, there's no there's no reason to. Um, there's no reason to finish a block. Why finish a block? We're up by four touchdowns, coach. Uh, it's like someone like, saying, you know, the killing blow could have been delivered with more force. I mean, you cracked the guy's skull, but you didn't explode it. Yeah, yeah. But you already, you know, he's beat up. You hit him a hundred times, and uh, you know, and I'm not gonna say they're tired. They're really because they're not really tired because they barely, but whatever. I don't know. I, I felt like that criticism was odd because it's something that it's, Baylor's always been that way with every yeah. single play. And yeah. I just thought that that criticism was like a little. The basic way to put it is like, did they score 56 points? You know, did they win the game? <laughs> yeah. Then stop criticizing it, you know, because that's just what they do, you know. And they've been in really tough games, too, where they had to match points with an opponent, and they didn't give up in those games. And a lot of times they won those games. But a lot of times they didn't win those games. So, um, you know, you win some, you lose some. That's just their style of play. That's just what they do. So I felt like that was sort of a <coughs> uh, whatever type of thing. Um, but, yeah, Corey Coleman, Kenny Cannon definitely had big nights uh, for them. But, again, I don't know. All they're doing is running go routes for the most part. Mostly. Mostly, yes. I would say about 70-some-odd percent of the routes. Basically, yeah. like, Fade right. goes. Run. Yes. Straight this way. Catch ball. Go. That's and that's what it is. And uh, if they can, and, and it's really just about keeping yourself clean. That way you don't slow down, so that the timing is right on the on the uh, throw. So. Yeah. Um, right. And that's, once again, a criticism we've been hearing about their receivers since the Kimball Wright. The Don of Brown. The Don of Brown. That criticism has existed, I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, they had a good game. Um, Tion Wright, I felt, also kind of made some plays um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um SMU, I like Matt Davis, the running back for them. Yeah, he's not bad. I like he, 
he played pretty well for what he was asked to do. Um, obviously, couldn't do as much as he needed to, but uh, the, the quarterback situation is, uh, you know, he, he had to run a lot more um, than, you know, I don't know. He was the offense, so it was just sort of that sort of situation with him. Um, uh, I think it was, I think it was Sutton that had a couple really big plays down the field. Um, yeah, Cortland Sutton, that wide receiver, that kind of did some stuff. So SMU's better. They're better than they were last year. So I, I, I'll say that much. Um, the offense was uh, – they did a lot more than they did last year. I'll say that much uh, in terms of the matchup. So they were able to uh, get 21 on them, which is something that's not as easy to do as people think against the Baylor defense because Baylor defense is actually a little bit better. Uh, it's a it's a bend-don't-break type of defense to a certain extent. Um, well, bend and break a little, little bit, you know, little holes type thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's kind of interesting. Um, I didn't get a chance to key on Spencer Drango. Of Baylor, but it's the win. It's sort of the win and how you break. Break selectively. How are you break? But don't break all at once at the wrong time. Kind of defense. Right, right, right. Um, The the wall's leaking, but it hasn't fallen down. You know, Um, sort of that. That's what, and that, and that's most Big Twelve defenses. So, you know. I mean, they're they're gonna let people. They're gonna have people score on them. It's just making sure you can turn the ball over a few times or force a field goal. You know, right. stuff like that. You get, get yourself you get yourself a strip sack once a game. You get one interception per game. You you force a couple of three and outs, and you've done your job as a Big Twelve defense. Yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, the only other guy I was, yeah, it was pretty much Spencer Drango. Uh, was the guy I was going to uh, take another look at. Uh, well, I'm not a big, I'm not the biggest Spencer Drago fan, um, but he's a guy no, that you are not. got sort of a <laughs> hype and adoration and stuff like that. When he's really more of a guard prospect. Do you, do you see sort of a David DeCastro type in him when you look at him? Uh a little bit. Um, I mean, I see a little bit of that. But at the same, I don't know. I, I just see a guard prospect playing tackle. Yes. And, and knowing what I know doesn't help. The situation doesn't help, uh, especially because he is kind of a shorter guy. Um, he is a guy that when he gets his hands on you and, you know, locks out, he's great. But when he goes up against certain guys that have athletic advantages or leverage advantages, he struggles with those guys. Um, pretty, pretty well, pretty mightily. So, um, I, I just, uh, he's just one of those guys that I never really understood. Uh, cause going into the season, he's gotten like top five offensive 
tackle sort of stuff. And I just kind of go, eh, you know, more of a guard, but okay. Um, but I, I didn't actually get a chance to uh, to key on him in the game so far. But uh, he was one another guy that I would suggest people go check out. Uh, give us some news. See how he did. Right. I mean, I think he could hold up at right tackle for for certain certain teams. And you're right; he'd probably be a better fit at guard for a lot of teams. But if he tests well. He looks good at the Senior Bowl. He uh, he has a shot to go amongst the first 50 players taken. I don't think he's going to go in the top 20 or 30. But I think after 30, his name's going to start to be on some people's lips. Once again, if he tests poorly or gets hurt or things like that. Tests poorly is a traitor. Draft him in the second round. <laughs> and uh, he'll be like, I'll get this one right. So. He'll either be a Raider or a Packer. So it's very much like a Packer offensive tackle. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, they do seem to have a type, and he does seem to fit it. Yeah, where they get beat, Aaron Rodgers gets hit really hard at some point in the game. And you go, I held up 99% of the time. That's true, but that 1% is all a defender needs. Yes, that is also the case. So, who would you say you learned the most about? Like, is there anyone of all the guys you watched yesterday who, you said some guys you didn't learn much about, you, you know, either you knew which, you already knew everything and, you know, you didn't learn much or you didn't get to see much. Who are the guys you feel like you did learn something about? Who opened your eyes or, or maybe made you feel like you have to question now what you thought you knew about about that guy? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, I think Bug Howard is definitely a guy yeah. that I it kind of changed my mind about him to a certain extent. Because again, I, I know I know all the North Carolina um Players are talented. I know they are um, physically talented, all that kind of stuff. Right. But they're not producing at the level they need to be producing. And, you oh, know, sure. it's kind of like, why is this happening? <laughs> you know? Uh, and at least last night, Buck Howard showed, hey, he's much better in terms of uh, – Getting in the right, you know, getting the right alignment, uh, beating his man off the line, um, showing a little extra something, something after the catch too. Uh, yeah. Just kind of integrating a little bit of that because you know, again, when you catch the football and you go, there's a little bit of trying to catch the football and then set up your next move going forward. I saw a lot more of that out of him than I had not seen. Um, in terms of him after the catch. And uh, he has a big body right receiver. Quinshot Davis, and don't take this the wrong way. I mean, he's he's another big wide receiver guy. But, but. <laughs> not as exciting, you know. No, kind of, I agree. Comes off Brandon LaFell-ish 
you know. Um, we're like, he's a possession guy. He might stick on a team, but just doesn't have that extra little ump of stuff, which is what I saw last year. I, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of people go goo goo gaga over Davis, and I was just kind of like, really? Yeah. He, he's not bad, but it's just sort of like, okay, all right. I'm excited over that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I learned a lot about him. Um, the the white guy, I didn't learn much new from him. Um, they kind of right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to be his nickname for the season, the white guy, because you know, is there any other white guy uh, that's a wide receiver at North Carolina? No. So uh, there you go. Um, he's that's just what he's going to be known as from now on, at least to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, I learned a little bit of him. Uh, Sky Moore, South Carolina, definitely. Um, he caught my. I, learned, I, I mean, he showed stuff last year, but it's just this year he seems to be being more, uh, taking more of a leadership approach to what he does. Um, and he's going to be the only good defensive player. So. Um, on that team that is anything, so uh, at least so far. So uh, that's that's just that's what they. The North Carolina defense. Um, I felt like the cornerback position of North Carolina. There was a couple corners they had that that were doing some interesting uh, things. Um, I didn't see a lot of that last year, uh, but yeah, they 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 played a lot this year. Um, and Michigan number fifty three. Showed a lot of stuff. Um, the other situation was uh, I didn't learn anything new at Boise State, unfortunately. But um, that's about it so far. And again, it's early, but th- that's yeah. about it. Everything else, I mean, learning that Connor Mitch is really not that good at a, as a quarterback. Is that really that nice to know? I don't know. They're really like, oh, Connor is not good at quarterback. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, good, good to know. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, Jake Ruddick was something I kind of already knew coming in. Um, but um, when I actually went back and broke down some more stuff on it, uh, he was a lot worse. This <laughs> I previously saw. Um, I, I don't know what Harbaugh's going to do, but yeah. Um, so that, that's what I learned, too. Jake Reddick is a lot worse than I thought he was. So there you go. Um, another sort of thing in terms of everything. Um, yeah, pretty bad. Uh, yeah. So that that's really about it so far early-wise. I would just say Bug Howard. Bug Howard especially is probably the guy who's kind of changed my eyes a bit on him. Um, now, it could have been just because he went up against a good South Carolina or bad South Carolina secondary. That's, pro- that's kind of true. It could be true. But I hope... But some of the things I did, saw, yeah, I think will translate even against better defenses. Exactly. I, I just hope that what I saw, just in terms of his 
uh, just in terms of him improving his routes and suddenness and uh, just those sorts of things. I just hope that that kind of continues to translate, especially his ability to uh, to set up uh, yards after the catch, uh, which is another sort of thing I saw. So I, I hope that continues. But, again, it's North Carolina, so I'm prepared to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's okay. It's okay to be disappointed. It's North Carolina. Um, yeah, Elijah wasn't really that surprising because again, I I already I already was expecting Elijah to do stuff like that last year. Didn't do it, but I also felt like, well, he's a rookie, so you know, a freshman. So, um, then also was injured a bit too. So. Yeah, he battled um, right. He was battling a, a bit of a knee, but if he stays healthy. I'm expecting. Big things from him this year. Yeah, and Baylor. I mean, <laughs> what, what do we learn from Baylor? Uh, Yo, we know. Well, they are who we thought they were. I know who they are. Uh, guys taking off plays, right? Um, Andrew Billings beating a double team and making yep. a play in the backfield. Is that surprising? Not really, though. No. We learn anything new from doing that against SMU. So, although I will say Sean Oakman missing a game being suspended, which kind of, I hate to say furthers the immaturity concerns, but kind of does. Kind of, yeah. You know, and... Doesn't help. I mean, the guy, the guy's 23 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he's not, now, I know he's a kid. He's, he's a young man, but... But... He's not like 21. Or eighteen. He's had some right. time. He's seen some stuff. He's, this is the second he's, program where he's, you know, had a little bit of an issue. Yeah. So it's just a little more stuff concerning that, you know, the fact you get to spend it um, for a game. It's just a little bit, you know, type stuff. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm still in the back of my mind. There's two. There's two parts of me. There's one part of me that goes. There's no way he doesn't end up being a top 15 pick um, because of what happened last year with Armstead. Then there's another part of him that goes, but NFL teams should be smart enough to not do dumb stuff like that. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but there's just two parts of me where I'm like, there's a scenario where that could happen. There's also another scenario where, you know, there's there's sanity in the NFL world. But if he shows up at six seven and five, let's say at two hundred and ninety four pounds, right. runs four seven four, has a thirty five well, inch vert. Four eight three. Right. He, he might four, he seven, might. Four, eight, yeah, I mean somewhere between those two. You know. Well at least anywhere in that range. You know, and with shows up with the long arms and still does twenty six bench reps and you know, has a, a nine four broad and you know a seven twelve uh, uh, three cone and a That's short well, subtle well, in the, better than Armstead. Well, well those numbers better than Armstead, so um, right. I'm, yeah, I'm with, with, with I think he's, I think he's a better athlete than Armstead. I mean, I'll be I'll be somewhat well, surprised if he isn't. Everybody's a better athlete than Armstead. So. <laughs> no. I, I, Ow. I, I, he's get Armstead's good at bench pressing is all I'm saying. 
um, pushing people off of his chest, uh, which he shouldn't mm-hmm. have on his chest, but he can't bend. So, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Oakland is definitely a better athlete. But that, because that's the thing. It, it, we're in the potential business, and that's all Oakland is, is potential. Yes. What he could be. What he can and that's, be. That's what's going to get somebody to draft it. Yeah, that, really the whole... and the long arms too. You just sold a, a GM out there. It's like, yeah, long arms, you know, uh, <laughs> type thing. Um, I love those long arms. It's like Alan on Smith, and I would say again, poor man's Mario Williams. You know, that's actually so a really good comparison, it. Joe. Yeah, it, it, I know, because uh, yeah, because I, I kind of coined that last year, and, and some of yeah, you like, did. poor man, what's that supposed to mean? I'm like, well, did you not see Mario Williams in North Carolina State? Apparently, they, <laughs> once again, some of these guys are really young, and maybe they don't know how ridiculous Mario Williams was at one point. And he's pretty darn good now in the NFL against NFL players. Exactly, exactly. Um, underrated, I would say. Well, maybe not underrated, but, I mean, he well, doesn't. That's what you mean. Like, people don't mention him as quickly as they might for a guy that, has done some of the things he's done. Right. And and I guess it's because, you know, he went to Houston and struggled his rookie year, but really didn't struggle, but whatever, you know, and then finally caught on, and then he left for Buffalo for a really big paycheck, which you can't blame him. I mean, come on, you know, they're going to pay you $100 million. More. It's more money. Most of us would do it. Just someone exactly. said, I'm going to give you way more money than this other place. How many people will say, no, I want I want less money? <laughs> right, right, right. And he could always do a Julius Peppers, you know, at the end of his career, you know, where he's like 36 or 37 or whatever and goes to like the Packers or whatever team is good at that point, next, you know, in a couple of years. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I've ever seen with Oakman is just Mario Williams, but – without as much power and without as much just, you know, motor and football intelligence and everything right. else. You know. Yes. A little less of everything. A little, like you said, um, you called Pharaoh Sanders a less, a less Percy Harvin-y Percy Harvin. You have a less Mario Edwards-y Mario Edwards. Oh, you mean Mario Williams, yeah. I mean, sorry, that's what I meant. Oh, God, yes. Thank you for... Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I got to correct yes. you here. Sir, Mario Edwards is not, not long, <laughs> and he's not... You know, it's not any of that. He's, he's uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, there's a long list of knots you could throw out there. He's not tall, he's not long, he's not... Even as productive as Oakland. Nope. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. He's young, though. But He's young, so the light, the, the light might still come on. Is what I've heard. I said it. Hey, he's got he's got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's not to get the chip. Win one for the chip. Burr. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was a little just. To, now, of course, Oakland supporters will go, it's SMU. Who gives a crap? You know, who cares? 
who's going to dominate well, Scouts. <laughs> I mean, that would be the answer to that one. But uh, as you pointed out, the main concern that you have is that the guy was, was suspended. And there's a guy where you already had, you know, something sort of in the back of your mind making you a little bit uneasy about dependability, right? Dependability. Is what's the, most, the most important ability you'll ever have as a player is dependability. Yeah, dependability. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you're getting suspended for a game, for whatever reason, I forgot what the reason was, um, but, you know, he was suspended. And... uh you just can't have that happen, you know. I mean, JJ Watt was never suspended for a game. No. You know? No. 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 You're correct. That would never. I, no, I tell most you know, again, they, oh, we suspended again. I go, yeah, we never suspended for a game. And sure, there are a few. Whatever. We're not going to get into this because I don't know nothing because I haven't finished my character thing. But bottom line is, is that there's just stuff with Oakland that is, you know you get more confirmation of stuff. But it's kind of like, eh, I don't want to confirm that stuff. I want that stuff to go away. You right. know, I don't want to have that stuff come up again um, in its final year where you should be learning from his mistakes and stuff like that. Right. And especially when he's the old, he's the old, uh, he's, he's old, old man Oakman, you know, um, at least the defensive end years as a prospect. He's he's, he's a little up there in age um, compared to his peers that came out. So, um, which is not a bad thing. It's just, it's uh, it's another sort of little thing, right. you know. Well, I, I have some good news for all the ladies who listen to the show. Don and James has joined us. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, so Donovan, um, as our as our West Coast, right? <laughs> yes, right. We'll talk later about the tattoo. But uh, as our as our West Coast correspondent, uh, what did what kind of things, impressions, or things did you hear about the the Chris Peterson Bowl? What kind of things impressed me? Is that what you said? What are your impressions? What kind of things did you hear? Oh. What, did you, what are your takeaways from the Chris Peterson Bowl? Um, gosh, I mean that both offenses are they lost a lot, you know, last mm-hmm. year. Um, Ryan Finley is a guy I like a lot, but you know he's not. He's young. He's a young guy on his first start. Um, you know, Mr. Checkdown last night. <laughs> a lot of checkdowns. <laughs> um, he threw that bad pick, but. He's tough as nails, I'll say that. We all do he's tough. Um and, you know, the stage wasn't too big, but it's just they lost a lot. Um, they lost like ninety one percent of their offense last year. So, you know, they're going through some things, but their defense is really good. Um, especially Darian Thompson, a guy, you know, I've been liking since his freshman year. Um it's a solid team. That's a team that can probably you know, that's a two win team obviously. And Boise usually wins in any anyway. Um they could they could run the table though. Uh, I think they're going to get better and better each game. Um, towards the end of the season, you're going to see this team was a lot better. But that was a good win um, early on in the season versus the Pac-12 opponent. As far as Washington, it's a you know I've been saying all year, all offseason they're going to struggle. Um, 
patience, patience, patience. <laughs> Let Peterson get his his guys in. Um, totally different than the Sarks guys that he had him and Justin Wilcox. So just be patient. Um, be patient with Jake Browning. Um, obviously, you know Jake Browning. He looked like a deer. You know, the headlights last night sometimes <laughs> at first. Um, it's a big stage for Jake Browning. Though. I mean, I know, you know, Boise's defense isn't like Alabama or whatever, SEC defense, but, you know. It's a good defense, Bulls, though. It's a good defense, and, you know, that he was doing some stuff that he hadn't seen at all last night. Um, under center is one of them. He never took a snap under center in high school at all. So, right. I mean, that's for one. <laughs> that's one thing. Um, I thought he was okay. I mean, towards the end of the game, he made some he made some mistakes in the beginning, but um, he looked promising. He's a true freshman. Like I said, a kid running all plays out of shotgun. Um, he's on the road. It's a tough environment. Um, first game of the season over there. The wind blowing pretty good. But, no, I mean, he, he was okay at times. I mean, towards the end of the game, like I said, um, you know, could have maybe cost him a game towards the end, could have spiked it or something like that. But, you know, it was just a growing pain for both teams. Um, but Brian Harrison's got got it a little bit easier, <laughs> of course, because uh, the conference they're playing and the team's just better right now. The defense is, is really solid. I like, this is a, one of the better Boise defenses um, over the past mm-hmm. 10 years, I believe, especially in the secondary. So, um, all in all, you know, it's kind of a sloppy-ish game, but <laughs> – you know, it wasn't that fun to watch, but it was well. It was as game. Out, there's no there's no preseason in in college football, exactly. so that first game often you'll see some warts. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm not too worried about um, Boise. You know, I, like I said with Washington, I, I just don't think that team's that good this year. Uh, I think that's a team that's going to struggle to make a bowl game in that conference. But um, all in all, you know, I trust Chris Peterson to get the job done. I think I think he'll make a bowl game. Um, just X's and O's wise, you know, who coached. He's worth a game or two. Some coaches are just worth a game or two. He's one of those guys. Um, but like I said, young, young team. Um, they boot a Baker. I thought he played pretty mm-hmm. good last night, too. Um, might have to use him on offense, get a couple touches here and there. Hmm. Um, hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. He could fly. But, yeah, I mean, it was worthy. I mean, you know, it was okay. <laughs> it was an average game, I guess. I, I'm really happy to see a true freshman start, of course, just because I'm a high school guy. So <laughs> um, anytime I get to see guys I just covered for the past couple of years play, it's pretty fun. I didn't think he would start. Um, like, I kind of did. I kind of didn't. I thought they would play two quarterbacks. I thought Jeff Lundquist would play. I guess that shows you a lot about Lundquist. He's a fifth-year senior. Yep. You know, and, you know, Jake Browning got the start over him. That's just – I think it's a good move, though, for Peterson. That kind of shows you what he wants to do. Like, he's going to struggle a little bit this year. They know they're going to be not, you know, a Pac-12 or national championship contender yet. But give him a couple of years, and they'll probably be back to to win up there. So, yeah, okay game. Pretty big for recruiting, I'll say that. There was that Pacific <laughs> Northwest area. Yeah, it was pretty big, mostly for Boise. You know, yeah. just just to make sure their name's still in the, in the circle. You know, um, kids forget stuff easily. So all that stuff with Kellen Moore and Austin Pettis and stuff, like, and Austin Pettis' brothers on the other team. So, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, yeah, I mean, kids forget easily. 
so most kids don't really remember that stuff that much, to be honest. <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, so just to keep their name in the hat, Boise, it was a big win on national TV Friday night. Big game. Got it. Uh, in terms of prospects, guys, that might be able to play at the next level, who stood out to you from the Peterson Bowl? Um, Darian Thompson, first and foremost. Um, big safety, you know, 6'2", 211 guy, you know, pick. Um, can play in the box really well. This safety class is really, really good. Um, probably one of the better ones. I've seen in the past few years, so but he's up there. You know, he's one of them. Um, some people want to make him just a box safety type of guy. I think he he can do a little bit of both. Um, he's a. I mean, I, I think he's probably a guy that probably find himself in the second round. I would say. Um, but as far as this like process, I just I love from that game. He's probably just the, the one. There's a lot of young guys on that field, so <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with him for the one guy. That I like a lot. The Buddha Baker is ineligible. I mean, he can't. He's only a sophomore. Well, so. yeah, he's just scared, yeah. I wish he could come out, kind of, but <laughs> <laughs> he can't. So, um, I mean, it's probably best for him to stay anyway, even if he could come out. But uh, he's he's just a kid. He's 19, but he's really good, too. I like, I like him, but uh, that's a couple of years from now, I guess. Okay. Um. Are there any other guys that you checked out that that sort of grabbed your attention? Um, yeah, um, Pettis, Pettis, yeah, um, gosh, was it Dante? Pettis? Yeah, um, yeah, Dante Pettis. I mean, that punt return was electric, you know, and you know, obviously he's going up against uh, his brother's old team. Um, he got under recruited a little bit. I feel like. Um, Austin did too. I mean, they both did, but he really did. Um, he didn't get a lot of a lot of love. He's one of the best kick returners in high school. Um, pretty solid receiver. So, I mean, that that play call. I mean, that punt return was was huge. He always got them back in the game single handedly. So I have to give him a little love. And I mean, like I said, with the, with the quarterbacks, sticking with Ryan Finley. I mean, didn't get his. Like you said, there's no preseason game. Well, he didn't have many reps at all anyway in fall camp because of the rest he had. Um, they kind of like suspended him for a little bit. But um, I still believe in Ryan. I know, you know, he didn't play the best game last night. It was the first game of the season. He missed reps. Um, I think he's a guy with a lot of promise. I think he's going to be a guy who gets better and better every single game. And towards the end of the year, you're going to be like, okay, Ryan Finley, you know, that's the guy I looking for in a few years that uh, could be a top quarterback in the draft. He's a quarterback they haven't really had before. Um, like I mentioned before, I know they've had Joe Southwick and Nebraska and Kevin Moore, kind of all the same mold, smaller quarterbacks. So this guy's different, 6'4", 211. Yeah. big, strong yeah. dude who looks like he should be trying to convince Harbaugh to let him be a preferred walkout at Michigan or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I know he struggled, like I said, last night. But, you know, they, I think Brian Harrison kind of called a good game for him. He, he didn't let him do too much. He didn't let him blow it. Because Ryan Finley is a gunslinger. <laughs> um, he put him in a box last night. Like, if, if Ryan Finley had his way, you know, that game would have been probably totally different. 
they would have blown them out or they would have lost by a few touchdowns to the him throwing picks. Because, so, um, I mean, seeing him play so you're high school. Saying if, if we had let him play it like he would have played it on Madden. Right. <laughs> yeah, he would have thrown the ball a lot more than he did. Um, hey, and so so, I have some screen grabs when I was playing Madden. Why don't we try this? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, putting them in the box is fine. You know, it's not like a bad term, I guess. It sounds like it is, but that's okay. You know, he's a, like I say, he's a young guy, you know, and he is a gunslinger um, type, of, type of kid. Um, but, you know, that's not what their offense is right now, you know. No, uh, maybe eventually, eventually, you know, once he maybe gets into his uh, couple years down the road, He'll be able to do some things he wants to do, but right now it's just a redshirt freshman. You know, they gotta put him in that box and make sure he's, you know, do things. He did what twenty-one times last night. Was that the <laughs> number? So, yeah, I mean, he was he would have thrown probably forty passes if he, you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, he's pretty good though. I mean, I, I thought he was solid um, for his first game to not have much really time to mesh with the first team offense. Okay. Um, what, what other games did you check out, and were there any other prospects that grabbed your attention? From last night, um, honestly, I mean, I I saw some some clips of the Michigan State game, um, a little bit. I know that game was played last night. I mean, they struggled a little bit on defense more than I thought they would. Um, Connor Cook was made some. He got better towards the end of the game. He made some kind of a few bad throws here and there, but uh, it looked good. It looked like Michigan State, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I was too impressed by it. It looked okay. Um, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I thought, you know, today's the day really I'm looking at. I mean, last night was just kind of a little appetizer, <laughs> so to speak. I know, like, Thursday night was pretty good, you know, as far as games go, but uh, – Last night was just okay. I mean, yeah, Michigan State looks good. I don't know which other games were last night. But Michigan State, and um, I was watching the Bishop Gorman game. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. they they played Bishop. Bingham. Yeah, so I was kind of watching that a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yes, no, you were watching you were watching the future of college football instead of the present of college football. Yeah, yeah, I guess you said. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was watching a little bit of that. Um, I think, there was a, I think there was a Gorman player on board this year, actually. But, um, yeah, I was watching a little bit of that. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan State is just a team, like I said, that they're just going to kind of – well, they can't really cruise through anything if they play Oregon next week. But after that game, <laughs> I think, you know, that that's – I think all their attention is on that game. That's why they kind of struggled a little bit last night. Like, they're looking ahead, you know. Coaches hate players. that. That's not what they coaches do. like. They don't like the – don't like that. That's kind of going to get you a lot of up-downs and running and stuff. Oh, okay, you want to play next week's games this week? Well, let's run you into next week. They're going to have – I mean, they're going to have to do a lot of up-downs because I could definitely see that they didn't <laughs> play that game with full – not intensity or anything, but, I mean, you know, they're looking forward. To, they're they're going to host college game day if Oregon can hold their stuff up versus Eastern Washington. You know, and I get upset. Um, that's going to be college game day. They're going to host it. Jenny Lansing. It's going to be a huge, huge, huge game um, for everybody um, as far as just college football goes and then prospect-wise, um, Heisman stuff. Excuse right. me. So, and, you know. Right. If Vernon Adams is going to launch a Heisman campaign, he needs to have a big game in that game. 
it's gonna be that night, and Connor Cook wants to get into or keep his name in the discussion. I guess so. It's gonna be that night, and he's gonna. No, he says it's an elimination game for one of those guys in terms of the Heisman Trophy. Um, oh, uh, kind of. I mean, there's a lot of football left. I won't say elimination, but <laughs> um, yeah, somewhat, somewhat. <laughs> I think Vernon has better chances. Um in a way, but Connor Cook has a big chance. I mean, even if he does lose this game, as long as he doesn't play horrible, I mean, he still has to play Ohio State at Ohio State, and if he goes in there and plays good, I mean, that kind of, no one's going to remember about the Oregon. Well, okay, let me rephrase. After the showing that Connor <laughs> Cook just had, if he has another clunker, for him, it's an elimination game. I don't see how he recovers from, from that. No, no, you're right, you're right, yeah. I mean, he probably can get to New York still, but um, as far as winning the thing, no. Yeah, you're right. Can't have two clunkers. I don't think he will, though. Um, he usually doesn't put up two games like that, back-to-back. So, no. I mean, if they lose, they lose. I mean, the best part about that is he didn't throw a pick. I kind of went on – I kind of had, like, a little thing where I said Connor was only going to have two picks this year. What? Big by that. Two picks. For the season? For the season. Not for that particular game. Not for the Oregon game. You mean for the season. The season. Whoa, that is the boldest of bold predictions I've heard in a very long time. It's bold. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, somebody asked me about bold predictions. I didn't really have any bold predictions. Yeah, you do. I thought about it. I write my stuff down. I, I write everything down, and I was like, I don't think Hunter Tess is going to throw any picks this year. You know, somebody's like, how many picks do you think? Maybe, maybe two or three. That's it. Huh. <laughs> but right. three, two sounds better than three. So I'll go with two. It sure does. does. <laughs> two picks. That's, I mean, all that's, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Two picks. No, you, you, not you have a bold prediction. You have the boldest of predictions. <laughs> wow. That's all I got, though. I don't have, like, multiple bold. That's just one. So... <laughs> I guess that works. You know, you got to go big, right? But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Connor Cook, you know, I mean, I need to, like, you know, message him on Instagram or something, make sure he's, you know, keep, hold his end up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think the line will do a really good job um, protecting him um, in the pocket. Um, he can move out of the pocket a little bit, too. But, you know, he's a pocket quarterback for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just Mr. Efficient. This year he's going to be that efficient quarterback that kind of, even if he doesn't get to New York, he'll be on the ballot, you know, um, just because his efficiency is so high. And, they, you know, they will probably win at least at least nine or ten games, I would say. Michigan State will win nine or ten games. That's the least. You know, I know there's a national championship buzz. I'm not sure if they – they don't impress me that much yet. We'll see. Um, next week? Hollywood. Yeah. Really didn't even really matter how they looked last night. <laughs> at the end of the day, because I mean, they beat Oregon. That's all that matters for the beginning of the season. You know, they've kind of – that's a big game, the non-conference one that they want. A national headline game, recruiting game, huge. Um, st- they can dip into the West Coast, which they haven't really done, um, I should say. Even though they're starting to be a power here in, year in, year out, regional regional um, recruiting still – they're kind of in a box, I feel like. They get their guys from that area, of course. Um, they always have. Michigan, Ohio, you know, the Great Lakes, even dipping to Jersey a little bit. 
But um, it's a tough recruiting battle in that Jersey, Pennsylvania. You know that area really well, Bill. I mean, that whole New York and, and metro area is tough to recruit, especially with Penn State getting back up. Um, Rutgers is going through some stuff right now, obviously, with the guys that got kicked <laughs> off the team. But, I mean, yeah, um, yeah they are. But uh, <laughs> it's a tough recruiting And battle. trying to adapt to life without Gary Nova. And, yeah, well, I, Hayden Reddick's getting the start today. Um, I like Hayden Reddick. I wish he was a quarterback yep. at another team maybe in the South. But, oh, LSU, yeah, he was there, but he left. So, <laughs> you know, I love, you know, I'm happy for him to get the transfer, but sometimes I wish kids would stay maybe just that one extra year. Yeah. So he can... Little brothers <laughs> of, of other quarterback prospects don't seem to ever pan down, though. Pan out for LSU. Steven Rivers didn't cut yeah. it down there. Hayden Reddick. Yeah. Something about the little brothers of other quarterback prospects. I guess they have to go for older brothers and see if that works better for them. I guess so. Yeah, and, and the Reddick brothers, you know, they travel far, man. They're they're from they're Orange <laughs> County kids. Um, they're Orange County guys. They travel far to go. They go wherever <laughs> football takes them. Apparently, wherever football takes them. Yeah, in Rutgers or wherever Boston College, wherever Boston that College. <laughs> but yeah, um, you can't get much farther from Orange County than Boston. No. Unless Nova Scotia starts a football program. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's a, that's a far, far travel for, for, for that family, <laughs> um, being from, you know, Orange County, LA area. But, yeah, um, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think uh, that that game, like I said, the Michigan State-Oregon game is just going to be pretty much everything. Oregon can't look ahead too much either, you know. <laughs> um, I don't think they will. Um, I think they're just better. But I mean, you know, they can't look ahead. It's a big game. I'm more excited for that game, probably, than any other game this week. Because that game last year was great. Yep. You know, I mean, it really was. It was a great game, and I think this year will be even better. I mean, night game, East Lansing. I like Michigan State. I like what they do. And like I said, as far as recruiting goes, when I was talking about dipping into the West Coast, I mean, yeah, they can do that. I mean, why not? Michigan State. You know, who who's the big West Coast recruit they've gotten? You know, I don't know. Maybe you guys do, but I don't. <laughs> um, hmm. I, I just I just think winning that game on national TV uh, would be huge for recruiting. And they need to get – if they can start dipping into the West Coast, I mean, Michigan State, man, as long as they keep that coach there, <laughs> you know, that, that's a good coach. It's a solid staff. I know they lost, lost in their doozy. Um, but it's still a really solid staff. And they can start dipping in the West Coast. We can see a, a power shift in the conference. There might not just be, you know, um, Ohio State, and we're just going to skip Michigan State is what people are saying. I guess Penn State and Michigan are just going to just jump Michigan State all of a sudden. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I think Michigan State's all right um, because of the brand of football they play, power eye, you know, um, smash mouth you know, post-style quarterback. You know, um, they always have a solid quarterback. You know, look at the guys that have been, they've gone to the NFL over the past few years. So that's a good formula. Yeah. It looks like it's working. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, pretty big for those guys. But, yeah, last night uh, they looked okay. Didn't touch me too much, but solid team. Anybody else that stood out in any of the other games for you? Uh, either maybe a guy that changed your opinion of him, 
you know, you think uh, you learned something about him or you appreciate him more than you used to or less. Maybe a guy went the other direction. Um, no, not that I can think of right now. As far as guys went the other direction, no. Uh, now, I don't know, you may have already been, like many of us, on the Corey Davis and Andrew Billings bandwagon, but it seemed like a lot of people jumped on last night. Oh, those two guys. yeah, I, I'm so sorry I forgot the Baylor game. I knew there was a game I was forgetting that I watched last night. Because I, I stayed up late, man. I, I, I rewatched that. Shocking. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course I stayed up late, right? Yeah, I'm always up. Um, <laughs> up to like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Seth Russell was great. Jared Stidham, man. Well, you remember, that remember, I, remember that was my dark horse guy to be a Heisman finalist. That was good numbers last night. Um, impressive. Baylor. I know they struggled a little bit. They had suspensions with uh, Oakland, but I mean. Looked good, pulled away, but you know what? As good as Baylor looked, um, it was that's how they're supposed to win. They won with a fifty-five twenty-one, fifty-six twenty-one, something like that. Yep, fifty-six um, twenty-one. Yes. Okay, I mean that's fine. Good job, Baylor. Right, <laughs> they, they but, Michi- but Michigan State but, didn't handle their business that same way. You know what I'm saying? Like that's they didn't. I mean, didn't. Connor Cook looked. Well, we talked about how Connor Cook. I mean, that's if that's your number one senior quarterback. I mean, he can bounce back. It's early, but yee. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, no turnovers. I'll just say that. <laughs> no turnovers. Yeah, so that's all you care about. You read your two interception predictions. That's all you care about. You don't care if he's completing 48% of his passes. Just no picks. No interceptions. No picks. No picks. Great, man. You saw everything from the kids last night. The run, even though it got called back or whatever. That, I mean, everything. But you saw it. It's on tape. You saw it. Scary, Teams have to scary. prepare for it. They don't care if they call back. No, scary. He can run, man. I mean, he's, he's a 4'6". I told you he he's a 4'6 yeah. something guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, they all look good, man. I mean, that Corey Davis kid that you've been talking about for a while. Um, I've been in love with him for a while, yes. <laughs> I love the, the, the um, guy, the sophomore, um, Katie Cannon. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him and Speedy Noel went to high school together? Yep. Think like, about that. Think about that. Fair. Think about that. You're, that's not you're 16 fair. years old. You're getting your first start. You played the university a little bit, but now your first start, those two guys trot onto the field. Yeah, that's not. Drop that's, it up, youngster. <laughs> I, would, I might start crying if I was a corner at 16. <laughs> but, oh, all right. Okay, I guess. I guess yeah. I'll try my best. Try my best. But, uh, at least I'll be eating a lot of YouTube clips. A lot of, yeah, you will be. You will be. You'll be known for something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those receivers are nasty, man. They might have the best group of receivers from top to bottom. I mean, they probably, they got guys that won't even really play that much this year. You know, they'll play, nope, the chump change. You're, you're hearing about whatever. them in 2017 or 16 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're loaded at receivers, explosive receivers, on powerful receivers. You know, I know they lost Goodley, another, another guy we both played last year, but. Um, they're better at receivers still this year than me. Because um, Katie Cannon and, and those guys, they run routes better. No, they all were really good running routes last night. Um, excuse me. I mean, I was impressed by SMU, too. I mean, they held their own. You could see that it's a cha- culture change. Chad Moore is what he's doing. Um, and that another thing with recruiting, I mean, two Texas teams, obviously SMU's not going to really steal any players from Baylor. Per se. I mean, but <laughs> they're going to do a really good job because of Chad Moore. You know, he has a lot of 
power, basically, in that state. Um, coming from Lake Travis High School, um, always a top 25 team in Texas. Always. Right, and he has a chance to turn SMU into one of those transferred destinations. Say it didn't work out at Texas or Baylor or the LSU or whatever, and especially mm-hmm. if you're a wide receiver or a quarterback and you want to be in a fun offense, hey, buried on the depth chart for you before at Texas A&M, come visit us at SMU and see what we've got. Yeah. That, I mean, you're definitely right. I mean, I, we're going to be talking about his transfers next year. You know, I can already see it. He's going to get, you know, some quarterback from one of those programs you just mentioned. And <laughs> so similar to what Tom Herman is going to be doing at uh, Houston. He's going to yep. get the same kind of deal. Um, all these Texas programs <laughs> are going to just, you know, be able to get their quarterbacks usually, I feel like, because they all have the coaches now. They're all offensive guys, you know in that state. I mean, except Charlie Strong. I guess he's the only one that's... You know, he's the one. He's, he's the guy. He's and the that's, one. And, and that's why you got to give Charlie Strong more than, you know, two years. But, oh, oh, you didn't ask me about that, though, so I won't talk about it. But, uh, you know, you got to be patient. He's doing something different. You know, if he, get, if he can get time to do what he's doing, he might end up, you know, bringing Texas back to being the best because he's going to be doing something different. You know what I mean? There's another guy. All the other schools are offenses, uh, powered, high-powered offenses. But, uh, Yes, yeah, slinging the ball everywhere. Yes, right. Everywhere, yeah. And, you know, he probably won't do that. And then Sean no, Watson's great. He probably will not. Probably won't. Probably won't. But uh, SMU is definitely going to do it um, a lot. So, I mean, they run the football, and they can, you know, um, just spacing, you know, but he's he's about the quarterback. Chad Moore, he's the quarterback. You know, so, um, yeah, I thought they looked pretty good in the beginning of the game. Um a lot happened with that June Jones era. I mean, there's players, a lot of players left. I know um, uh, a good, um, good good guy. I know Miles Crosby, you know, he, he's gone now. He, he's transferred out. He's a safety. Um, but he, he has nothing but love for Chad Moore. It just was kind of a coaching change. and want to be there. Um, a couple other guys got in trouble during that era. I know they're really strict, obviously, program <laughs> SMU. Um, don't really play. Jad Morris doesn't play around, though, so the grades and also field stuff. You know, he wants his yep. guys to be in class and not getting any trouble and stuff like that. So, yep. Um, yeah, that's a program I'm looking forward to going ahead. That looks good. I mean, will it make a bowl game this year? Probably not. You know, probably not. But um, looked okay last night in the first half. Looked pretty looked good. Uh, I think it was more of just Baylor kind of not looking as good as they can be because <laughs> we saw them turn that on. Um, and yep. do what they're supposed to do. And they decided by... to be Baylor. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, they did. You know, even though they had to deal with those bros from the SMU. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. You know, the, all, the guys in all white with the sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, heckling their fans. But, um, <laughs> no, it looked great. It looked great. Um, that's how it was supposed to look, like, like you said, so. Impressed by those guys. But, yeah, the receivers, I mean, maybe I, – I, are they the best group in the country? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, find me one that's better. I mean, they're definitely on par with anybody. You know, I would say, um, going off the top of my head, they have the best group of receivers in the country. Could be wrong, but I'll stick with them. <laughs> and then that quarterback, like I said, he he's going to make some plays that uh, other quarterbacks can't make outside the pocket, 
in the pocket with his arm strength and everything. That zip, man. He's got it. I was happy to see, you know, that's what I want to see this whole week. It's just like the guys that we've kind of been patiently waiting to see um, take the helm. Well, it doesn't have to be at quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of new quarterbacks this year, though. So I am putting a lot of interest in quarterbacks just because some teams, you keep seeing those oars on the dead charts. You don't know who's going to start. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the big teams, small teams. So a lot of teams go, I mean, all, you know, Texas Tech named their starter officially this morning, Patrick Mahomes, but um, there's still some teams that haven't, you know, <laughs> named their starter yet. Which is so. crazy. This <laughs> is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I know there was – I forgot. I think Rain of Troy, whoever runs their side, made a joke about USC not having named their starter yet. Obviously <laughs> <laughs> a joke, but – Yes, obviously. They're one of the, actually a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe Jalen Green, Max Brown might start. You know. They might play, though. They def, Max Brown will definitely get playing time. Uh, if you're a backup with USC, besides Max Brown, you're probably not going to be able to play because they want Max Brown to play all the rest. So he'll be ready for next year. <laughs> but uh, and Jared Stidham, like a Baylor. I mean, he threw that touchdown pass, his first one for a touchdown. That was kind of cool. To yep. See. <laughs> well, they're they're making happening? sure they're ready to go in case something happens. Oh yeah, Jared Stidham's gonna get a lot of playing time. Just like doesn't also get a lot of playing time. Just like yep. Nick Ford's got playing time, or whoever the backup <laughs> was. They, they they tend to blow people out there. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. So Jared Stidham's got to be ready, you know. <laughs> He's the future. You know, Seth only got two years. So, you know, they didn't redshirt him. He's a backup quarterback. And that's how – I mean, that's how good this recruiting class was at quarterback. But these, none of these guys even got redshirted, really. Kyle Kearns didn't get redshirted. Blake Barnett's not redshirted. Um, Stidham got to play last night. Um, Browning played. Rosen's playing today. So, I mean, the quarterback class – now, I mean, Colin Murray's going to play. Yeah. Some of these guys aren't going to but they're going to go. <laughs> they'll either way. Say that one more time? I was saying some of these guys probably aren't quite ready, but they're going to go with no. them anyway. Yeah, they're going to go with them anyway. I mean, yeah, obviously, Jay Bryan wasn't ready. You know, <laughs> definitely not ready. You can see that. Um, that guy has a baby face, too. I mean, he looks like he's still in high school. I mean, I know, you know, he's 18 years old. I mean, but. Some guys look a little older, you know, than some, but he looks like he still can go back to Fulton right now. He probably will want to after the game last night, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, some of them are ready, but they're ready. They, you know, they're ready to put on, strap them up and play their best. I mean, Colin Murray, you know, he's a backup, but I think he's going to get some playing time. Not today. They're not going to blow it on the state out. But um, he'll get a chance to um, do some things. Um, they might use him in the other little formations. Might use them in some wildcat formations, maybe. I don't think I don't know if someone wants to mess around with that this game, but we'll see. Okay. I believe we've been joined by a couple of our prospect guests. I'm going to double check. Who just joined us? Greg Milhouse. Greg Milhouse. Ah, and Jamel Major. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Jamel briefly, and then Greg, I'll, I'll have some questions for you. Uh, uh, Jamel. Uh, indeed. Now, Jamel, Jamel, you had a sort of uh, unusual path, I guess, in terms of how your recruiting played out. Uh, you had some things that sort of looked like they might have been in place and then changed at the last minute. Uh, for those who don't know your story, sort of explain your high school career and then your recruitment process. 
well, in high school, you know, uh, I only played one year of high school football my senior mm-hmm. season. So since I was only limited to one season, a lot of schools didn't take notice of me, and I didn't go to any camps. So that also hurt me. So big schools didn't really know my name. So what I did was after the season, was I just started sending my film through YouTube, hoping to get some acknowledgement from some big schools or even some small schools. And the schools that ended up showing interest were Bethune-Cookman, Georgia Southern, Minnesota Duluth, and Oklahoma Panda State, which is where I'm at right now. Okay. And I chose OPSU because of the fact that, uh, you know, I built a great relationship with the DB coach, you know. He told me that I wasn't going to red shirt and I was going to play as a true freshman, so they needed DBs at the time. And I thought it was only right since we we built such a great bond. Okay. And that's the story. Okay. And what was it that you said that obviously you only had a one-year career as a as a high school player. What contributed to that? What contributed me to have one year? Right. What was it that contributed to that? Oh, well, you know, I've been playing football all my life. You know, I've been playing football since I was five years old. Right. You know, but, you know, my parents are very strict with grades, you know, and mm-hmm. grades come first come first in the household, so, you know, I didn't hold a level of entitlement to the grades, then she wasn't going to allow me to play. So I had to make sure my grades was, you know, on point and up to her standards before I could step on the field. And she finally let me step on the field my senior year. Okay. And so since then, I assume you've done a better job in the classroom. Yes, sir. I've been, I've been upholding a 3.0. There we go. Got it. So I'm going to have a, a couple questions for Greg as well. Now, you are not a guy that uh, that had a one-year high school career. You had a, a pretty, I want to say storied, but certainly a very solid high school career. Tell people a little bit about your, your high school career and, and how you got first introduced to playing football altogether. You still with us, Greg? Yes, sir. I started playing football uh, my seventh grade year. Um, in high school, I um, in high school I was pretty good, but I played offensive line. Mm-hmm. So my um, my senior year, I was playing offensive line, and it wasn't about till sixth game of the season that I ended up playing defensive line. Uh, I was being recruited by pretty much all the big North Carolina schools. Um, my film was really good, but it came down to my, I didn't have a lot of film on the defense line. Um, I, pre, I had pretty much all from all the uh, CAA schools, the SOCON. Um, I had the Navy, the Air Force. Um, I originally committed to Elon. Mhm. And then I uh I ended up taking an official visit to UCLA and and when I came back and they didn't offer me, I seen what it was like to be at a big school or whatever and being around a lot of people. So I ended up choosing Appalachian State and that's where I went for two years. Then at App State, after my sophomore year the head coach um retired. Yeah. A, re- no. a legend 
<laughs> Coach yes, Richardson, Coach a legend. <laughs> Coach, Coach Jerry Moore. I mean Moore, sorry. Coach Jerry Moore, good Lord. Jerry Richardson's the owner of the campus. Uh, Jerry, Jerry, I met Jerry Moore, a legend. 220-some-odd victories, if memory shows you correctly. Yes, sir. Um, well, I, I, I won a uh, so-called championship my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And my sophomore year, we uh, we had a pretty rough season. But after that, Coach Moore retired, um, and my defensive line coach was fo- let go. So my um, my sophomore year didn't go like my freshman year, and um, I felt like it was best for me to leave. So I ended up um, choosing Campbell to go play with Coach Mitt because um, his experience in the NFL. And I, I just um, developed a relationship with him, and I felt like this was the best place for me. And that's how I ended up here. So you've obviously been in a lot of different situations and a lot of different systems. What were the things that you noticed that were different as you made it sort of from situation and team to team? And what things do you think stuck with you that were stayed pretty much the same no matter where you played? Um, well, f- football is football, but the way, the way it's taught could be different. Um, mm-hmm. when App State, my, um, my sophomore year, we were running a 3-4 defense. And then switching back over to the 4-3 at Campbell, um, the footwork, the footwork is definitely different. That's one thing. I mean, I'm, st- I'm still getting just to the footwork. Um, the actual scheme that you're running, um, the way you move, the way you move on the line, and um, and the th- and the thirty-four defense, you're always moving, and the forty-three, you're um, you're playing a lot more straight up, and um, things like that. Okay. And Jamel, what's your your current actual factuals in terms of height, weight, and any testing numbers you might have, Jamel Major? Uh, right now I'm at five eight and a half. I'm around 170. I bench press 315 around four times. I'm squatting 405. My 40 is at a 448. My vertical is at a, a 32 right now. And okay. those are my test results right now. Okay. Obviously, you are in that sort of Leonard Johnson, you know, Dre Bly, sort of the people talk about sort of the, the slot corner, things like that. Yes, sir. Um, what are some of the things you're working on? What are some of the things you're, you're trying to do to give yourself a chance uh, if you do decide you want to play at the next level? I'm just, you know, working on uh, my explosion, you know, being more physical, you know, uh, standing out in film, you know, trying to make a play on, on the ball as much as I can and doing anything to help my team win. Okay. And for you, Mr. Milhouse, same question. What's your your current height, weight, and what testing numbers might you have? Right now, I'm currently 6 feet 2. I weigh 300 pounds. Um, bench number is 420. Squat number 500, uh, 40, 49. <coughs> um, uh, other testing numbers. That's pretty much it. Well, that'll, that'll do. That's not bad at all for a man your size. So you yes, you legitimately ran a four nine, huh? Yes, sir. 
In high school, I was a lot faster, but, I mean, with the weight and everything. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of us were faster in high school, Greg. You, know, you have to, <laughs> you have to, yes, you have to somehow fight, fight through that. But still, if you're if you're packing three bills worth of groceries and you're running in the four nine range, that 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 opens people's eyes. Yes, sir. Okay. And you play with a, Greg. You play a lot of different teammates at different places. Uh, tell me about how you sort of introduced yourself. You know how how you sort of got to be part of these different teams because it's different. It's a different cultures, different guys, different everything. As you mentioned, different teams. How, how tell me about how you adapt. To making these changes. Um, when I first got to app, of course I was a freshman, so it was kind of just play a role type of thing, um, and earn your respect. So uh, it wasn't really talking in front of everybody and all that up there. Because I mean, you're a freshman, so um, I just earned my respect on the field. Uh, once I seen that I was going to be playing as a true freshman, the guys kind of opened up to me more. And I mean, it was history after that. Just I started being myself. At Campbell, when I got to Campbell, um, everybody kind of knew who I was because I was like their first uh, big prospect that was going to transfer to their school. So here it was a little bit more easier. Um, I just, people kind of just attracted to me. And again, just being myself. Uh, I have one question real quick. How um, how did you uh, find your way to App State? Can, can you repeat that? How did you find your way to App State in the beginning? How did I find my way to App State? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he kind of talked about his recruitment already, but uh, yeah, could you recap it, that again? I think Isaiah missed it the first time. Um, I was recruited by Coach Blaylock. Um, he was a defensive line coach there. Um, it was, a, I mean, they recruited me normally. Um, at, after I committed to Elon, I, uh, I told Coach Blaylock that in the uh, the next week, they were uh, the whole coaching staff was at my house, and that's when I met Coach Moore. And pretty much after I met Coach Moore, I knew that I was going to play at State. He was just such a genuine guy. He cared about your family and stuff like that. And I just I wanted to play for him. And uh, that's how I ended up at App State. Yeah, I look forward to seeing Coach Moore get inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He's one of the great coaches of the last quarter century. Is there one more question? Um, who do you pin your game after? Uh, who's the guy on Sunday you like to watch and you like to emulate into your play? Uh, that would be Sheldon Richardson from the uh, New York Jets. Um, that's an athletic big big guy that I, um, I like to compare myself to. Um, he makes a lot of plays, pro bowling. And I just like to model my game after him. Jamel, since... Uh... That question has been asked of Mr. Milhouse. I asked the same question of, of Jamel. You obviously have to go to a smaller corner. Who are some of the guys that, that maybe you look up to or you, you see parts of your game in or maybe guys that you're trying to learn from who are in the league? Uh, I like to model my game after uh, Tim Jennings, you know, a 
Mm-hmm. He's also a, a former pro bowler in the NFL. You know, a recent stop was at the Chicago Bears. Now he's at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, also like Tyron Matthews. You know, guys like that are, are the ones that stand out to me. You know, play with a lot of heart and just just, just have a knack for making a play on the ball. So it would be those two. Okay. And, Jamel, what was your, your welcome to college football moment, the moment you realized, okay, I'm not in high school anymore, this is a different kind of football? <laughs> when I was on a, a kickoff my freshman year, and uh, I believe we was playing New Mexico Highlands, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I came down thinking I was going to make a play on a t- or make a play on the ball or a tackle, and then I'm getting uh, my ear hole peeled back. Ooh. Yeah, got cracked that pretty bad. Yeah, that that that's one way to to realize you're gonna keep, as I say, your head on a swivel. Yes, sir. Uh, it woke me up. Uh, same question for you, Greg. What was your your sort of your welcome to football moment, college football moment, the one where you realized, okay, this is I'm playing a different game now. Um, it was probably when we went out to, I mean, our first game of the season, my freshman year at, um. I got in first quarter, and um, I was looking at the offensive lineman, and I had to look up, like actually look up to him, and I was like, "Whoa, this dude's pretty big." That was kind of my welcome to college football moment. Okay, I'll say one thing about you, Greg. One of the first things I noticed is how well you carry your weight. A lot of people probably are surprised when they find out how much you weigh. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming you, you probably are pretty good about what you eat. What, what, how do you – has someone else worked with you in terms of your diet or, or what sort of helped you to figure out how to, you know, keep that packed in there kind of tight as opposed to being more, more fluffy 300-plus pounds? Yes, sir. Um, well, definitely I do, I do watch what I eat. My, um, our strength coach here at Campbell does a good job of letting us know what's good and what's bad. And um, – Especially during the season, um, during during the season, uh, during the week, I only uh, I only drink water and like Powerade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat anything fried until probably one time a week, maybe like Sunday after the game. That's your cheat day. Yeah, that's my. I have one cheat day where I'll get something that's not really healthy. But other than that, I try to eat grilled chicken, fish, and stuff like that. And just um, that way, I can eat a lot of it, but it's still not not really messing up my body. And then I actually just feel better when I'm on the field. I feel better energy, not so sluggish and stuff like that. So it's just one of those mm-hmm. things I kept doing. Okay, got it. Now, Jamel, you're sort of on the other side of the the ledger. You're not you're not worried about losing weight or 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 even like that, you're probably worried about maintaining. Uh, what are you doing in terms of diet and nutrition to, you know, make sure that you're a, a tight 180 or so? Uh, definitely staying away from fast food. You know, uh, I know how, how much that can hurt the body. So, you know, I just try to eat as, as much oatmeal, chicken breast, mashed potatoes, white rice, uh, tilapia, some things like that to keep me, to keep the weight on there. Okay. Janelle, what's the drill that if if you were made, you know, the football czar of all football and you could outlaw one drill, get rid of it, it was just gone, this, we'll never do it again, 
What drill would you pick? Just get rid of it. It's gone. Uh, hmm. I, I really like them all. I don't. I don't have nothing against any drill. You don't have a least favorite drill? Look at you. You're a coach's dream. <laughs> no, you know, I just I, I enjoy it all. You know, I don't have anything against any drills. You know, I believe it all gets us better. So. Okay. Either either you're very well coached to just give a give a you know classic uh, football grinder answers, or you you like I said, you're a coach's dream. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll try the big man. See if he'll be completely honest with me. Okay, <laughs> Greg, same question. If you if you could just one drill, you just pick one. Just draw a line through that. What you can do? It, you have to do it. Just gone. Never has to be done again. What drill would you pick? Um, it'd definitely probably be the uh, the cut drill. Um, huh. I don't like anybody around my feet. Nobody does. Big guy. I mean, hey, Warren Sapp. That was the thing that I mean. He, he was a guy that put up a lot, but you died, you went in his feet. It was fight time. It was fight night every time somebody went at Sapp's leg. Yeah, so I don't like anybody around my feet. Uh, I don't like doing it in practice. So I'd get rid of that drill. Okay, got it. Uh, what's your favorite? Which one do you enjoy the most? Do you feel like you get the most out of all the drills that you do? Uh, my favorite drill would probably be going through the gauntlet. Or you just go through oh, the dash nice. and you're working on your pass rush moves. I think I get right. the most out of that is because you're working on your pass rush moves, but you're also working on opening your hips. And I mean, of course, you know, playing D line, your hips are critical. So I think that part yeah. is my favorite. Okay. And uh, since Jamel likes them all, uh, then which one do you like the most, Jamel? Which one do you get the most excited about? Uh, you know, me being a corner. You know, I love one on ones. And compete there you with go. Receivers. You know, uh, I love to be in press coverage, uh, being off man, you know, and challenging the receiver on the ball. So I think that's my favorite choice. Okay. I'm going to open it up to uh, some of my co-hosts. Gentlemen, what questions might you have for either Jamel Major of Oklahoma Panhandle State University or our local Campbell Camel, uh, Mr. Uh, Greg Milhouse, by way of Appalachia State? Jim, do you have any, or uh, Donovan? Donovan, do you have any questions? Did I lose Donovan? Uh, Donovan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I thought you said Jim, sorry. <laughs> no, I did at first, and then I realized uh, it was actually your turn, Donovan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I guess for uh, Jamil Major, um, good talking to you, good having you on. For, I know we follow each other on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> first you. time I actually got a chance to talk to you. Um. I think you mentioned some of your favorite corners and everything like that. Who who's the best uh receiver or tight end I guess you've gone up against? Um, either at the high school or college level? Well at the high school level, you know, I've been up against Philadorset, who's currently at the Indianapolis coach. He's a former first round pick. And uh Rashad Green, he's a receiver at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And those are some good receivers I went up against in high school. And I've also went up against some some pretty good receivers from the University of Montana and Lamar University. Okay, so you went yeah, up against those guys. Uh, you went up against St. Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas, in high school. Yes, I'm they, guessing that's what. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. We we were in the same district, so that, that was okay. that was the deciding factor who made the playoffs. Oh wow! And yeah. and how'd you do, Jamel, against them? How'd you do? No, I made I made some good plays. You know, uh, it was a learning experience, but I think I, I held my own against the best. Okay. 
That's all, you know, sometimes that's that's all you can be. I mean, yeah, and, you, uh, I mean that's <laughs> no. I mean, I was just saying. I mean, that they 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 destroy people, man. I mean, let's be honest. So you holding your own is good. That's that's solid. You know, they that whole program just wins a lot. So yes, I mean, yeah, but you know. You, those guys are great, great guys. But yeah, you you kind of you ever get compared to maybe like Tyron Matthew a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been yeah, he mentioned him as well. he mentioned Tyron Matthew is one of his favorite guys. Okay, makes sense. Definitely strong, strong honey badger. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Millhouse, same question. Who would you say are the best guys you've ever, whether it be high school, college? practice anytime. Who are the guys that most impressed you that you've ever played with or against? Um well I started practice when I was at App State. Uh I practiced against Kendall Lamb. He's with Houston, Texas right now. He was a big athletic kid. Um he was he was pretty good. Uh Will Corbin. He was a tackle on the other side. He um he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. And he was solid, another big, huge kid. And Jesse Chapman, he played center for them actually this year. Mm-hmm. And um, he's on the uh, Remington watch list or something like that this year. And um, he, had, he had really strong hands, and he was a solid center. Uh, some of the guys I played against, the, um, we played against Georgia at State. That that one was solid. The center, I can't remember his name, but he was – he was really solid. Um, Montana had some solid offensive linemen. Um, and so did East Carolina. So um, that's some of the guys I played against as far as the mm-hmm. offensive line. Got it. Those are some, both of you have faced some pretty solid competition, obviously, in your careers. Yes, sir. Greg, give me a guy that you're playing with now, a teammate, that you think people maybe aren't giving enough recognition, a guy that's better than people realize, a sleeper or whatever you want to call it, a guy that's on your team that's better than people realize. Um, It'll probably have to be uh, Brandon Mobley. Um, Mo, as we call him, he plays corner. Uh, He's a little undersized. So, um... When the when the when the NFL teams come through our school and stuff like that, I mean, he's on the list, but it's kind of he doesn't really pass the eye test so much. But I mean, everybody knows he's a solid corner. Uh, last year, he led the nation in pick sixes. Um, I don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves. I mean, last game, he had one ball caught on him for about ten yards, and uh, he's just a really solid corner, solid teammate. Um, solid friend, so that's one I feel like doesn't get enough credit. Okay. I can understand that. Uh, same question for you, Jamel. Who, give me a guy that I mean, obviously there's a lot of talent. A surpri- I mean, surprising to people who don't follow OPSU, there's there's some dudes that can play there. I've I've been watching a lot more OPSU the last couple of years, a lot more uh, tape from there. Give us a guy that's on your team that you'll think enough people know about. Uh, we have an under well, we have an underclassman. You know, uh, his name is Devin Williams. He plays receiver. He actually ran the kick return back uh, last night for like 92 yards, but uh, 
he's he's a solid player. He's quick, fast, solid hands, good route, you know. So his potential is sky high. And, you know, he's challenging me. He's challenging me every, all routes. So, you know, I have much respect for him. Okay. Okay. I'm going to open it back up to my uh, co-host. Any other questions for either Greg Millhouse or for Jamel Major? Well, then I, I yeah, have, I got. Oh, go ahead. I got one. I got one. This is for both guys. I mean, you guys are both out here. What the, the preparation you guys do in the film room? I mean, I know I've talked to a lot of players. Uh, so be honest, man. I know it's boring sometimes, but you know how much how much time are you guys? How many hours are you guys filming? Um, either by yourself or you know with the coaches, position coaches, you know, things like that. How long are you guys in the room for watching tape? Uh, well, normally, you know, I'm watching film. You know, I try to get in at least 45 minutes to an hour a day just watching film. Or with, with our coaches, you know, we have film, you know, before every practice on uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So, of course, he's going to make sure we watch film with him. But, you know, I try to do the work on my own, you know, uh, look at route tendencies and the quarterback's three-step drop. You know, I try to try to find the little things that can help me out. Okay. Same question for you, Greg. Um, for me, uh, like Jamel said, we watch film as a team or as a defensive line before practice. But other than that, I'll get in there and I'll watch the film. The first time I watch it, I'll get the tendencies on the offensive linemen, um, how they block, uh, uh, how they shoot their hands and stuff like that. And then after that, I'll watch the same game and my coach, he gives me a sheet, you know, where they, the offensive linemen already pretty much drew up. And I'll draw up the blocking schemes and how they run their run plays. And I'll figure out which way to slide in the pass detection. And after that, I'm pretty, I'm done. I'm done for the week. So once I figure out all that, I'll, I'll go over what I've wrote down, not necessarily watch the film over and over and over. Okay. And, Greg, tell me about a play that you made in your career because of something you spotted on, on film. Tell me about a play that you made maybe because of a tendency or maybe because of something that you spotted there. Um, well, just this week, on Thursday, um, I knew that they were going to slide away from the back. Um, so I tightened down my alignment. On the um, on the center, because I knew that he wasn't going to be. Um, I knew that he wasn't even going to be looking right away because the protection was going the other way. Uh, the ball was snapped. It was quick game, so the quarterback got it off. But I got a pretty good shot on him, and I wasn't even touched. Hmm. Okay. And Greg, who are some of the guys you you sort of? learn from when you watch them on tape? Who's your favorite players to watch and pick up things from? Um, well, in our, uh, in our film, with our film, the software we got, we got other college teams, like uh, bigger D1 teams. So uh, during the off season, I spent, some, uh, spent a lot of time watching some clips and stuff. Uh, Grady Jarrett, uh, he got drafted by the Falcons. Hmm. 
He was a, mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch the film, he, he, he's always making a play. Um, at times, he looks a lot better than Vic, even Vic Beasley did. I mean, he's a solid player. He's a little Thank undersized, you. though. Thank you. He was a little undersized, though, so, I mean, that's probably what, um, what held him back. But, I mean, he's one of the most active d I've ever seen. Uh, he's always, if he's in the game, more than likely he's going to make a play. So I spent a lot of time watching him this off season. Um, also, we can watch, we can watch um, NFL teams. Uh, I watched a lot of the Seahawks with um, Michael Bennett and that defensive line. And pretty much, I mean, I just, I, I'll take a move from him. I'll take a move from him. I'll just take moves from different people and just try to work it out all in my game. So that's how, that's what I'm all, uh, whatever. How you ever you say that? Okay. Great. And looking forward, uh, Jamel, what are some of your goals that you set for yourself? What are some of the things you you want to accomplish this year? Well, you know, one of the goals this year that I wanted to accomplish is I want to have at least six interceptions by the end of the season. I, I had an interception last night, so I'm starting out pretty pretty good. Uh, I want to improve within every week. You know, week by week, I want to, you know, become a better player. You know, and do anything to help my team win. You know, I want to have, you know, I want to make the tackles. You know, uh, every down of the play, you know, I want to be around the field. You know, and do anything just to help my team win. That's pretty much my goal. Got it. Same question for you, um, Greg. What what are some of the the uh, goals you set for yourself? Um, well, first goal is I want to do whatever it takes to help my team win a conference championship. Oh, we're pretty close last year. Uh, this year we got some more transfers and we we got a pretty solid team. So whatever it takes, as far as that. Um, the other thing is just uh, what. What the scouts been telling me that I need to work on is just improving on um, some more power moves, uh, just running to the ball even when it's not on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, continue doing that. Better footwork. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, of course, you want to have a big year as far as stats, but um, I just feel like I don't want to press that. So um, when, it, when, my, when it's my turn to make a play, in the defense, and as long as I'm doing my assignment and more of my film translating into the next level than just stats. So just having great film, dominating the person in front of me, uh, those are my goals this year. Hmm. Okay. And thinking about the play or game. I guess you can pick a play or a game. If you're thinking about the – if you had to sort of say this is the play, you had to show a scout or you had to show somebody one play or even one game. You can pick a one game if you prefer that you think best exhibits your talent, best shows people who you are. Which one would you pull? Which one would you tell them to watch? Um, uh. It would probably 
Um, oh, this, this is a tough one. I'm trying to go over the games in my head. Um, I'll go with just in a game. A game in general, general will be the Davidson game from last year. Uh, I had like I had eleven stops. I had um, three TSLs, um, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and that was probably my most solid game. Um, before a play, uh, any any. Any play with that would um any play that would show me redirecting my movement or just moving in general and show them showing them how how fast I can move I'll take any play like that. Hmm, okay. Okay. And same question for you, Jamel. What do you think if you had to show somebody a particular play or a particular game? You had to pull some tape and say, "This is me. This represents what I bring to the table as an athlete." Which would what would you choose? Uh, you know, this is also a difficult one for me. But uh, even at just the play from last night, you know, uh, they tried to fade me up on a on a route in the goal line. We're by the goal line, within like the thirty yard line or so, and I was able to squeeze the receiver out and put myself in better position to make a play on the ball. And that that would show the scout, you know, uh, how good my cover skills are, and, you know, how well I can control my body from an undersized corner and be in control of the receiver. Okay. Got it. Got it. I'm going to open back one more time for one last question. Uh, any other questions that anyone of us might have for either Jamel Major of Oklahoma Panhandle State University or for the Campbell Camel? Mr. Greg no, I, I don't have any questions, but uh, I just want to thank you, you all for the opportunity. Uh, I'm truly blessed. Thank you. Oh, uh, same for me. I just thank you all for the opportunity to um, get my name out there and speak on your well, show. Well, you're, you're deserving of it. I have a couple of questions before you guys go, and I'll, I'll just sort of hit, hit them both real quick. Um, so, Jamel, obviously you know what it's like to face bigger, stronger, faster athletes on a regular basis. You face some of the best athletes on the field. Very often, the guy that you're running off across from is the best athlete the other team has, <laughs> you know, and you have to deal with that week in, week out. Uh, what do you think are the things that allow you, despite the fact that you sometimes have some some pure athletic ability adva- disadvantages sometimes when you take the field, how do you overcome those things when somebody is just a better pure athlete? Uh, well, you know, I like to think, you know, uh, I have great technique, you know, uh, good feet work. So uh, mm-hmm. how, how I would say it is, you know, uh, it's my feet versus your feet, you know, and uh, I'll take my feet work on any given day. So, you know, I just, okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big player on technique. You know, I believe if I'm technically sound and, you know, I, I'm doing my job, you know, then there's no way he could beat me in one-on-one. Okay. Got it. Now, Obviously, Greg, in your case, you you are a lot of times as big or as powerful, and sometimes bigger and more powerful than a lot of guys you line up across. 
There's a, what things do you what things are you doing to make sure that you don't end up sort of coasting on that? Like just beating guys with talent. What are things that you continue to work on and continue to want to do so that when you do take the next step, when you're now facing, you know, you can't get away with some of those same things when JJ Watts, you know, well, actually you you won't have to face JJ Watt, lucky for you. But I mean when you're but when you're trying to line up with guys like that or when you're lining up across from guys like, you know, Dwayne Brown or lining across from guys like uh, Nick Mangold, what are the things that you're doing to try to prepare yourself to face guys who do have talent like that? Um, thing I, uh, footsteps and pad levels. Uh, so still every play is just focusing on the, taking the right steps, making sure my feet don't get too narrow um, and pad level, of course, because even though I probably could stand straight up and just sling the offensive lineman, I mean, it doesn't prove anything. So doing it with the right pad level. And even though I can it, – it'd be easy for me to just do maybe a push-pull all game on the offensive lineman and it work every time, still trying to work my moves, my clubs, my ribs, um, and moves like that. So just still being active with my moves, pad level, and my footwork. Hmm. Okay. Okay, got it. Got it. Well, first of all, I do want to thank both of you for your time, your talent, and your attention. And just so you know, um, I will be following up. So what I'll be doing is uh, you've received an email from me, and what I'll be doing is when you guys send me the answers to the questions there, I'll be using that to build out a profile, and I'm writing an article on my um, my All Under Appreciated and my All Emerging teams, and both of you guys are on my All Under Appreciated team. And then also I'll have closer to draft season, I'll have the uh, what I call my Blue Light Special, and there'll be some profile information else that you uh, also use that to help complete as well. I want both of you to know that I, I want to keep up with you. So as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, end of your collegiate careers and things like that, I uh, expect to hear from you again as well. Thank you. Thank you. Hear from you. I'll sure. My pleasure. Really appreciate it. Certainly. Well, thank you both. So Jamel Major, cornerback from Oklahoma Panel State University, my second OPSU guy I've had on this year, and I think the fourth OPSU athlete I've had on, on the show altogether. So th- there's some things going on down at Oklahoma Panhandle State University. And, of course, uh, Campbell's actually a school that I almost attended at one point. Uh, I am very familiar with Campbell. And a very, I, I wrestled in high school and played football, but not well enough to play college football, really. Uh, but I would have been able to wrestle at Campbell and consider it. Uh, going going there. Did I think they drop? Did they drop there? Well, I guess you would know. Do they still have a wrestling program, or they dropped it? They still have uh, a wrestling club. Okay, cool, good, 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 good. Okay, <laughs> so many schools have dropped the wrestling programs. Uh, I mean, it, I'm just you know disappointed, shocked, whatever. Uh, how many schools have dropped their program, including some big schools? I mean, I remember Tennessee yeah. dropped there. It's like Tennessee. What are you yeah. doing dropping your wrestling program, Tennessee? But um, you know. I, I shed a tear that night. But, uh, gentlemen, I want to make sure that I let you know that I have enjoyed watching your careers to this point. I will continue to watch you. 
I wish you the very, very best. And if it is your goal, your dream, and your aspiration to play professionally, I hope that you get, first of all, just a fair chance. That's the first thing. I hope that people will not look at the name of the school or look at other things so much so that they're blinded to what your talent says. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, so I think both Thank of you, if you're given a fair chance, are going to give somebody a heck of a fight when it comes down to, to get down a 53-man roster if someone gives you a, a legitimate shot. So I thank you both. Once again, Jamel Major, Corner yes, Matt, Oklahoma Candle State University, thank you once again. I will definitely be keeping in contact with you. And Greg, uh, it's been fun. Your, your tape is fun to watch as well. You, you clearly have a little, a little as you said, you jump out your hips. you got some wiggle. You're probably a pretty good dancer for a big man. You're one of those guys who might be on, um, see, you know, on, um, on Dancing with the Stars one day or something. You got some moves for a big guy. Yes, uh, So I will definitely be looking forward to keeping up with you and watching your career as well. Thank you both for your time. And please, uh, like I said, thank you. And you know, best of luck this season. There we go. Excellent. Thank you. Best of luck to you too. Thank you. Thank you, young yes. man. I will look forward to speaking to you both in the future. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. I would urge you, if you haven't checked out their tape, to do so. Um, Both guys are very interesting, but the guy that has probably the easier path, just because his athletic ability and size is Greg. Uh, Greg Milhouse is a guy that some of the things that attracted people, he's not the super disruptive to see a guy like Will Sutton was, but he's bigger, and he's, he's definitely solid against the run, but he has some pass rush ability. He's a, you know, guy who's probably right on 300 on the nose and has some legitimate pass rush ability. He can legitimately give you some trouble uh, working upfield as a pass rusher. So I, I hope that he gets a legitimate shot to get, honestly, uh, really scouting. And I hope he gets to it. For both those guys, all-star games are going to be big. That's going to be a big thing for those guys. I got some news. Uh, Mike Williams just suffered a... Neck injury looks serious. He's been rushed to the hospital. Oh. 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 Yeah, that was that was scary. I saw that. So, if, depending on how serious it is, it might jeopardize his career. Well, we'll see. Uh, I don't like yeah. to... It did not look good. I got you. No, I, I don't like to speculate about, well, frankly, anything like that. So, my hope is that he'll be fine. But... Most, more importantly, I hope he, you know, beyond football, I hope that his his health is restored if he is if he had suffered some sort of injury. That's and, the thing that I mostly. Sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I mean, like I said, mostly I want him to be okay as a person. Um, you know, beyond his so prospects. Well, mm-hmm. so far it looks like uh, Archibald Scott and Sean Watson have finished their rapport. Uh, that mentioned pretty well. Wayne Dolman's already in for four today. Good times, except for the injury. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, also, Matt, Matt Flynn being released, he released a picture on Twitter. Uh, he said, for now, it's Bloody Mary time. He has a picture of the drink. I started laughing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And Nick Chubb looks fantastic. Yeah. People are already speculating he's better than Todd Gurley, and I'm like, I'm, I've am i been on this train. Well, well, 
uh, what did they say, too soon? That would fall under that category. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, you've got to – let's see how he looks in week three versus uh, mighty, mighty Alabama at home. That's going to be Georgia's game, man. Like, to me, they got two cupcakes, but play out. that might be called game day for in Athens week three. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. you know, it just depends, but um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really surprised how bad Kansas looks. I know South Dakota State's a <laughs> program, but I mean, this can, it's, it, I mean, come on, Bill. Bill, come on, man. You, you watch Kansas football. You know, we've been, we've I've been, been watching for a long, long time. And guess yeah, what? I mean, it, the high water mark man. for Kansas in the last 30 years was a 7 and 5 season. I mean, they're, no, they had the, the Orange Bowl team. No, I'm kidding. Team. I'm kidding. I know. Oh, um, okay. Actually, Mangino yeah. the Hutt. I mean, people talked about how he looked and made lots of, lots of memes, early internet memes about him, but the guy had a great run. They went 10 and 2, in fact, with Todd Reeling, of all people, at quarterback, you know, and uh, Dez Briscoe and Tlaib. Uh, and, I mean, they had a decent little squad. Yeah. Here's the real Meyer, Kerry, Kerry Meyer. Kerry Meyer, yes, the quarterback <laughs> slash Washington. But here's the. Here's Did the, you guys speak about Kansas? Uh, Montel Cosar's injured. Now they have to put their rookie in. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I should say it doesn't matter, but they've got a they've got a bigger problem than that. This is a team that cannot legitimately would not be a contender to win the Missouri Valley Conference. They would be like third in the Missouri Valley Conference. They would they would be struggling to finish probably around that same spot in, like, the Big Sky Conference. This is a team that would not win the FCS National Championship. In fact, Prop might not even be a playoff team in the FCS. That's the issue. It's bad, man. It's bad. I mean, I'm not saying Kansas is going to go. Somebody asked me on Twitter, though, did they went 2-10. and ten? I know they went 2-10. and ten. It's not the point. The point is that they just hired – New staff, you know, David Beatty, and they're still paying Charlie White for the next few years. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah, they got to win. <laughs> like, they got to beat this team. I mean, I understand they finished last Big 12. Oh, well, you know, I mean, that, that, that's probably going to happen. The deep conference and new players, new system. But losing at like, at home like this is just embarrassing to the to, to Kansas Jayhawks program. Um I mean, there's nothing else to say. You know, I, I've known a couple of players that played on Kansas. Um, they're, you know, proud school. Um, you see how proud they are with the basketball team. I mean, they want their football team to do good. That's why it's so bad and disappointing is that they, they, they're putting a lot of effort and time and, and uh, money into the football program this offseason, and it's just this, you know, this, that's it, you know. <laughs> it's the first game. It's only one. He's not going to get fired, but, I mean, still – Bad luck um, to get blown out at home by South Dakota State. It's just horrible. Well, today it's time to shut down Twitter now. I can't, you know, keep on up on any of the other games uh, through that because everything is Kibo, Kibo being released. Oh, my God. I have to shut down Twitter. Well, I think, like I said, the main thing in some of the – talent evaluations that people want to do after a week or two. I mean, 
obviously, if you have come to a conclusion based on the guy's tape over the last couple of years, you saw him as a sophomore and then as a junior, and now you're seeing him as a senior. You saw him as a redshirt freshman, and then you saw him as a redshirt sophomore, and now you see him as a redshirt junior. And you're confirming certain things. That's not a not a bad thing to do. But a lot of people are sort of being introduced to players that they didn't really focus on previously, and then they see one really great or one really terrible performance by that guy, and all of a sudden it's, well, you know, so-and-so is sliding down the board, you know. Now, yeah, that's, that's one of the most <laughs> annoying things um, as part of draft Twitter, to be honest, is that these, these, these knee-jerk reactions and these skyrocketing my, the boards could be a so, <laughs> I don't get this. I, know, I never understood why, you know, people are just, ah, oh, man, he's play, he played bad today. I'm done with him, you know. Sophomore, you know Ryan Finley. You know this guy told me he was done with Ryan Finley last night. He's trash. He's done, man. I don't you know, mean to see any more mistakes. I know he's got three years of college left, but you know, you know, over thirty starts, but he's just done already. You know, <laughs> it's and, a young you know, people's thing. You don't you don't see grown folks doing that. No, you don't, and that's why you know I tend to you know talk to some of the older uh, guys uh, on Twitter sometimes. That, uh, I get. I'm not gonna be a part of Young Jack Twitter anymore um, on Monday because yeah, I'll be 20. Right. I'll be 20. I'll be 26. So um, now right. I'm just a, just you just, a you just plain old draft Twitter. <laughs> just plain old draft Twitter. Not part of you. I have to retire my jersey. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna allow me to finish out the season as a Young Draft Twitter guy. Well, I mean, I guess oh. you started the season, right? It's like it's sort of like in in relegation in soccer or whatever. I guess you'll. Unless you're claimed by, I guess it depends on you know if you clear waivers. But I think I think you probably will finish out the season with Young Draft Twitter, and then we'll open the new season with you okay. amongst us in in, in like a, just regular Draft Twitter. This is like a but yeah, if like somebody a, submits a, a waiver claim, if like if like somebody you know, hey, we'll see if somebody submits a claim for you, then I guess you might be reclassified. I guess I, mean, I guess I'm like a grad. Dude, you know the the transfer, you know, with his last year mm-hmm. that can go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm that guy this year. You know, um, but no, I mean, really, yeah, I, I don't understand that. But I mean, it's, I, you know, there's nothing changing that. You know, um, that's just social media, Twitter, and all that <laughs> stuff. And it, it is what it is. No, there's no change in it. Just, it was breaking it. news. It's a breaking news. Uh, people has been released. Uh, well, who cares? He's a third string quarterback. Well, that's not really breaking news. <laughs> First of exactly all, exactly my point. <laughs> and it's ESPN and all these sports center stuff. Is breaking one, news. One, one. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that hours ago. Um, uh, exactly. I, I probably heard that around eight, eight o'clock in the morning. I do that. But as you pointed out, Isaiah, even if it weren't true, even that didn't happen. Big bleeping deal. But as you know, we live in a car crash you know, three-legged dog, whatever culture where, hey, look at that, you know. So I don't look at that. You know, hey, great, let's move on to talk about real football things. We're talking about guys that are going to the NFL, maybe. Well, I mean, it's a a microwave society. Bruce Feldman, I stole that from him in his book. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's true. He's right, though, you know. Yeah, Bruce is kind of – I know Bruce is an older guy, but he's got a – you know, he's kind of a young guy at heart sometimes, but um, (laughs) – You know, mm-hmm. it's true. Microwave society is, I mean, you know, knee-jerk reaction. So I, I, you know what I would say, Bill? I know it's like, it's not really off topic. We're talking about college football. Hawaii. <laughs> I know that game was late as hell. 
Yeah, super, super <laughs> late. It was, it was very late. But, you know, I am happy for, for uh, Norm Chow and Max Hawaii Clinic. program. Yes. And yes. Ma- yeah, Max Clinic, too. I mean, I know it was one win, but, hey, they only had two um, in the past two years. So well, Max Clinic mean, is rocketing <laughs> up the draft boards as we speak, just yeah, so you know. Yeah. He's right. He's right. Uh, he, yeah, he was okay. He played okay. You know, he's rusty, of course, you know. But, uh, yeah, I haven't played in a while, like two years. So yeah, not just for Norman the Hawaii program mainly just because you know you know either they have some financial issues they they're doing better now they're going to um, keep their program they're playing a really hard schedule on purpose obviously so they can get money um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the program right mm-hmm. hey it's but, to get money for 2015 for the Hawaii yeah. Warriors that's exactly what it is well they're fine uh, or, I'm not fine but you know they're they're steady. Is, is what I'm hearing, so that's good for that program. And just to get them back on the map, at least in bowl games, you know, they could play in the Hawaii Bowl every year, and you know, I'm sure they'll be content with that. You know, <laughs> but this, you know, 0 and 12, 1 and 11 stuff is just yeah, I, I embarrassing. Do. You know, what I mean, another program that they take pride over there, you know, um, in Hawaii in their football. Um, well, think about it. I mean, how many other states can you name where? They are literally the only game in town in terms of college football. Yeah, exactly. That's the pro team, and well, they were rocking with June Jones, man. He had them going really well. They sold out every night, and you know they even got to play some games that weren't at you know one in the morning. So, <laughs> yeah. I just want, yeah, I would like to see the the bounce back. Maybe this is a year of the bounce back for some team. Not do not bouncing back to the national championship or anything like that, or Sugar Bowl, but. Bowl games, you know, programs that are just Charlotte guy wins. Yes, one for one, right? <laughs> Jim Jim Coburn took loads of shots at the Forty ers but look out! <laughs> I mean, Georgia State's the worst team in SBS, but I mean, <laughs> true. Maybe that I don't know. True. Kansas. Well, I mean, one of them. Yeah. Kansas is gonna make it a race for They didn't win a game last year, but that was their first year. But Charlotte, you know, that's a you know, he got that first W. I mean, that was that's big that's all, uh, because you can't run the table unless you win your first game. I don't know about Charlotte doing that, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, you never know. Never know. I don't know who they play. They do. I doubt they're going to defeat it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. That was Hawaii, Charlotte, those programs, I and mean, East South Dakota State. Those are big wins. Win. Kansas just scored, so maybe they'll come back. I don't know. But, I mean, it was a big one. Well, let's just leave my mind. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago with David. Uh, one night we had him on, uh, talking Broncos. Uh, it just it looks like uh, Simon, or whatever his name is, the third quarterback they drafted from Northwestern this year, had made the team. Surprising. I for me, he wasn't even really a good quarterback. He wasn't even the best on his team. I'm just surprised the Broncos are keeping him. I'm kind of surprised by that as well, because they had Zach Dicer to Miami, Ohio. They had Brock Osweiler, and they had Peyton Manning. And maybe they cut Dicer. I don't know if they have... No, he's in the Bears now. Okay, so... They waved him. Yes, yeah, so he outdid Dicer, which is good, but 
Osweiler's got an expiring contract after this season, and if Peyton Manning decides to return following 20, for 2016, Osweiler will end up going to another team because he be, he'll believe he's ready to start by now. And then they'll, they'll have to give the Northwestern quarterback the keys to being Peyton Manning's successor, and that's a worst-case scenario because there were guys in this draft that were undrafted that just provided better value. There were small school guys. I think Brandon Bridge was one of those guys. Wes Saxton out of South Alabama. There was a, this one guy from uh, Idaho State that we had on our podcast that would have been a better value pick, Justin Arias. So there were just I thought there were better guys in the draft that Denver could have selected, but they passed on for some reason. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots just cut Jonas Gray. Yeah, the Patriots uh, can play with two quarterbacks. They just cut Ryan Lindley yesterday. That's not surprising. I mean, Lindley's not that good. You're telling a Cardinals fan that, who had to watch the playoff game, him starting versus Panthers. One of the ugliest performances I have ever seen. Well, they got Matt Barkley, and I mean, the irony is I honestly could see Barkley starting at third string over Logan Thomas, and then in a year from now, if he develops and he learns under Carson Palmer, another former Trojan, I could see him beating out Stanton for the backup job. I think Arizona is a perfect place for Matt Barkley. For some reason, that feels right. He can't be any worse than Matt Leinard. Okay, and uh, Bill, uh, another guy, we talked about Kevin White earlier, uh, a few months ago or something, or maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, well, the cornerback been released. What was your scouting on him? The TCU uh, corner, Kevin White. Bill. You were asking Bill, correct? Bill? You mean Bill Carroll or William? Or you were asking them their take on this, right? Yeah, on uh, they're scouting on uh, TCU cornerback uh, Kevin White, not the wide receiver, but the corner. It looks like Henry Anderson returned to Stanford for his senior year. Stanford's losing 10-3 to Northwestern right now. Yeah. I, that would be an Stanford's 21st and Northwestern's unranked. Yeah, Sanford, they returned too many starters to be playing like this uh, the first game of the season. Kevin you know, is back. Anderson's back on the defense. Wayne Lyons returned to school at corner. And they have Barry Sanders Jr., even though they lost Andres Pete. So this performance is unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, Christian Sorry, McCaffrey's there, too. Um, McCaffrey's a good player. Well, Lyons is gone, and, and, right? He went to Michigan? Yeah, that I was going to ask you about – I was going to ask you about Stanford, actually. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Don't ask me. <laughs> oh, it's awful. We at halftime. Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, man, I, it's, they Stanford no, has I mean, been it's, awful. It's it's bad. Yeah, you don't play. You don't bring that many guys and play like that. I can understand the new team, new system, or something. No, I mean, you got got you know Kevin Hogan has the most stars in college football um, out of any quarterback well, in the country. Well, yeah, um, but. Yeah, and, I mean, mm. <laughs> uh, 
That's more a testament to how quickly they dropped off at getting really amazing quarterback prospects. Remember when Stanford – I mean, obviously that was a slightly different era, but that was going to become a destination school for, you know, top quarterback prospects. And now – I think I mean they just they just they they're okay they got they got um Paul Chris's um nephew Keller yep um yep and they got KJ Costello coming in so I think they'll be okay um Kevin Hogan was just kind of you know a guy they were gonna hold bench hold, him, the, hold know, the place for him keeping it warm is that what you say keeping it warm yeah keeping it warm keeping holding it down. I mean you know he doesn't really lose them games sometimes and sometimes he just does I mean he doesn't he doesn't win them <laughs> no, there's, lose a, them. there's a there's a ring endorsement. He sometimes doesn't lose his game. That's our guy. I mean, he's won them games. I mean, he hasn't been. Oh, not, not by himself. He's not the, he's not no. the person uh, having <laughs> helping them win. He's not. He's not saying it's Cam Newton. It's <laughs> no, Auburn exactly. Newton, but I mean, <laughs> they've been so good around him that it kind of hasn't mattered until like more recently, like last year. Like the yeah, first what are their playmakers? Yeah, I mean, they well, won. But that's the whole, that's the whole problem with having a guy like him is it doesn't matter until it matters. But when it matters, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. I mean, but Stanford really in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, what, what's trouble for them? I don't I mean, you know, like, it's, it's still Stanford in a lot of people's eyes. Like, they just have to make a bowl game. Some people hold, hold them to a higher standard now. But, I mean, some people don't. It just depends who you ask. I mean, I'm sure if you ask a Stanford fan, they want, they think they can go to the national championships with their rosters, with all the NFL guys they have. But you know, I mean, it's still Stanford. I mean, out west sometimes it's still Stanford. I mean, I was going to be honest, they're still just Stanford. Like they're those are Stanford. You know, they're they're still not the sexy team. You know, um, especially the back of North. You know, no, no, um, the South. Not, is, not the with Oregon South. right up the road a piece. With all their crazy get-ups and all their, yeah. you know, I mean, Stanford's wacky... done a hell of a job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they've done a great job. I mean, they that's yeah. one of the most premier programs in the country. It's a very but... consistent program. Even when consistent. they changed coaches, they didn't change. You know what I mean? Like, it felt pretty – I'm sure the guys barely noticed. You know, I mean, like, Harbaugh's obviously a more colorful personality, but the team – Look, so that game was ugly yesterday. The same in terms of how yeah. they approach playing football. What was it you like to say? We're going to win with class and cruelty. Right. Yeah. I mean, they. You know, they're down by seven. They're playing really bad, and they're down by seven. So I mean, you know, they 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 win this game fourteen ten or whatever seventeen ten. It's okay. You know, they they play they played like floppy last year a lot of games. They won. They're one of those teams that win those floppy games. Some some teams can't win them like that. You know, they're one of the teams that can. And David Shaw is one of the top, whatever, coaches in the country, 25, 20. Did they play against USC and lose that game? They did. They did. Um, they did lose that game. But that was, that was uh, thank you, number six on USC, um, <laughs> for throwing a few good passes that last drive. I remember that game. Talking, sure, but, uh, but, yeah. You're talking I mean, Stanford. Um. I believe they really missed Toby Gerhardt, and it was wrong wrong for uh, everybody to pick Mark Ingram. He's still Toby, Ge- Toby Gerhardt's type, I believe, in my opinion. 
I think that was born 30 years too late to be a great NFL prospect. Uh, the era of, you know, Larry Zonka and Marv Van Egan, I mean, Mark Van Egan and Marv Hubbard, he would have been one of those guys. Even Allstott, you know, he would have been one of those guys. But that era has passed. And the kind of guy he is being great at the next level, that time is gone. Yeah. That that might be a reason why Stanford struggles this year. I mean, because, you know, Hogan's been hit or miss, of course, but now he doesn't have that running back, a, a Gerhard or a Gaffney, you know, because Gaffney is really good too. Um, or they have Stephon Taylor, I believe, that plays in the Cardinals now. Um, so they don't have that guy. Christian McCaffrey's good, but I don't know if he's good as those guys. Um, and same with Sanders. You know, they're a good combo, but McCaffrey's more of a do-it-all. But like, he catches right, as well. He right, could probably right. be a receiver. He's got, little, yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got a little Danny Woodhead to him. One guy yeah, has, like, a bigger bigger version. Uh, bigger, uh, bigger, right. Not, he's not that yeah. small, but he's similar. Right, exactly. They are very similar. But, you know, he he won't get compared to him because people are like, oh, they're not the same size. But, actually, they're actually the same player. So, you're right. And that's how we know yeah. Bill Carroll's good at scouting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's a larger version of it, but yes. And then, you know, Barry Sanders, unfortunately, takes more after his, his uncle than his father as a player, but he's still a good player. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. I saw Byron Sanders play in person, and he was a good player. The guy had a thousand-yard season playing for Northwestern when Northwestern was terrible. But he wasn't Barry. But he was right. a good player. Yeah, and, you know, Christian, I, I know it, their line's amazing, obviously, all the time, and that's what helps that program out is that, you know, you, you, they might not get that program. Top, that's top their program. Team. You've described yeah, their, their program. program. <laughs> if all the top linemen, you know, they, they don't want to go to Stanford because they this is set, man. You know, and they, they, they smash mouth football out west, and it's a different thing to play in the Pac-12 with smash mouth. So it's uh, it's good, but, you know, as far as the running the ball, I don't think they're going to be able to run as effectively as they have. You know, those three, you know, they hit on those running backs. Obviously, Toby was, you know. Absolutely. I, I saw Toby in high school. We're from the same area. That kid has the most rushing yards in the state of California ever. He's amazing. I mean, he's throwing up 250 yards a game in high school. And he's obviously a Heisman candidate, uh, All-American baseball player. He's super athletic. I mean, I wish, I wish he had a better NFL career. But, I mean, like Bill said, you know, he's probably born a little bit too, <laughs> too late. But, uh. And then Taylor was good, like I said. And obviously, I love Tyler Gaffney, another baseball guy. Um, but a lot, they have a lot of baseball guys in Stanford. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but uh, no, I mean, that's a good program still. I mean, I wasn't knocking them saying that. This is the perception is what I'm saying out west is that it's still – they're still second tier in the Pac-12. They're still not at the top. And that's debatable. I think they're at the top because of the consistency. Consistency, excuse me. But um, And their recruiting is good. For what they have, I mean, it's hard to get into Stanford. Can't just get into uh-huh. Stanford. So <laughs> no. I know what it takes. No, I've talked to guys that um, you got to take four AP classes at least to get in to Stanford. You got to be have a you know your three point six. Um, they dropped it to three point five. Whoa! I know, <laughs> but I mean, still tough. So. Yeah, and you can take their courses, Stanford's online courses online. Like, they have an how to design an iPhone app course and online at Stanford. You can take it on YouTube. They are definitely far ahead of everybody in technology, so, yeah. They, they are one of, still one of the great uh, STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math 
schools in the country. They're, they compete successfully or keep up with schools like Carnegie Mellon and, you know, MIT and uh, Caltech academically, and then they manage to be pretty darn good in pretty much across the board in sports, baseball, basketball, football, uh, water polo, the name of sports, uh, soccer, golf. They're one of the better all-around schools for oh, everything yeah. that mm-hmm. exists, period. <laughs> you know, yeah, the Capital period. One Cup, they're always top ten in the Capital they're One always, Cup. Just, right, they're always yeah. a threat to win that thing every year. Yeah, Always. my cousin goes to Arizona State. He's majoring in engineering, and they do some robotics competitions with other Pac-12 schools. And the one school they can never beat in his two years there, Stanford. That's all I can say, engineering. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it, it was a brain farm long before it was a whatever else farm. Now, they've got Ron good football. They've got, yeah, they've got good football going back to the Ernie Devers days. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they've been playing good football for a long time out there, but that was when there was a very different structure to college football. Ernie Nevers didn't have to uh, have a 3.6 in order to play football at Stanford those days. But the, the, the way that they go about their business, and that's why I keep saying if people say if I had to pick one college coach to start my NFL franchise as their first coach, I would probably pick David Shaw or any college coach I can think of. That guy, first of all, he gets – pretty much everything out of whatever he has to work with. He's really good at maximizing guys. Two, he's good at developing. Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but... He, he rebuilt Stanford. Don't get me wrong. He rebuilt Stanford and... and before that, that it was be a hard horrible. Uh, David Shaw college football playoff game at some point in the future. Even though I dislike Michigan and love Ohio State, I think it'd be cool to see Harbaugh versus David Shaw in a playoff game. That would be kind of awesome. That actually. would be awesome. I'd be, I would, I, you could convince me to watch that game. <laughs> I if they find a quarterback worth watching. Now, both teams have a little bit of a struggle. Here, ironically, these quarterback whisperers we're talking about, both have had kind of a struggle at that one position um, of, of recent, most recent vintage, which, once again, points out, it's hard to find quarterbacks. It's never been easy, and it's harder in some ways than it's been most of the time. When you have to... Okay, Stanford is sort of contrarian, right? I mean, they're still sort of doing it the way that, well, you know, I grew up watching teams do it. You know, I formation, baby. Okay, you know, like, hey, you know, I mean, when I was a baby practically watching football with my dad, it was I formation and wing T that was everywhere in those days. So they're doing, you know, I formation football. They're doing it, you know, your, your grandpa's way. And so what they look for in a quarterback is different from what almost every high school kid is doing now. There's a handful of high schools that do it that way nowadays, and not, not many of them. They've got to pick and choose. They've got to look hard. Yeah. And, it's, and, and when you do find that guy, you know, you're not, you're not, get, you're not getting that five-star kid from uh, South Lake Carroll or whatever, South Lake Carroll, or, I mean, you know, look at where these kids go now to go to – you know, you're, you know, you're the recruiting guru. The Elite 11 kids, was any one of them not from a spread offense this year? 
Um, ironically, Brandon Peter, that has committed to Michigan. <laughs> was, oh, okay. There you go. Uh, I There's one. KJ Costello, um, it was sort of a mixed offensive yeah, game, right? He's a mix. Yeah, it's pro style. They, it's you know, they do like half and half. Um, it, so right. there was some pro style elements, a little bit of air raid for flavor. It seemed like from raid, what I could yeah. see on tape. Yeah, exactly. And Malik Henry is now in a pro style offense. That one, open through plays, in double coverage, almost but, picked. Two guys dropped the pass. Well, that that doesn't really qualify as news where I grew up. I mean, if you tell me he threw a beautiful. Save ball that landed right where it's supposed to. That's me. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the these guys are struggling. Like, yeah. Most of the kids are spread. Yeah, most of the kids are spread. Like I, said, I mean, those two. And then Malik is in a, in a pro now with um, Antonio Pierce, is the, the head coach of Long Beach Poly. So, you know, he runs, oh. obviously, you know, yeah. that's a good, good coach. I'm with Antonio Pierce. <laughs> yeah, we all remember that guy. Great. Great guy, you know, great player. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's the head coach of Poly now. They have a pro style, um, system. But yeah, I mean, most of the guys are spread. You know, if I if I looked at my top twenty five, I put out, I would probably say eighteen, nineteen spread. Um, okay. like some of these guys don't get under center at all. Um, right, like Jay Browning, he never took a snap under center until last night. Until right, exactly. The first one he so. took in a game in his life. We saw it. We witnessed the first time he'd ever taken a snap under center in a game in his life. You could tell. Yeah, it just wasn't comfortable with that, like, <laughs> dropping back, uh-huh. like, five steps. Oh, this, feels, like, this feels so wrong. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, There is a distinct discomfort for most of these kids with three-step, five-step, seven-step footwork and and the, the routes being tied to your footwork and all that stuff. And those, those are concepts that are somewhat foreign to most of these guys. So when they do get to, you know, East-West or Senior Bowl, NFLPA game, whatever, the, the quarterback coaches are working harder than, than they used to at these all-star games. You're not just giving them a, basically a very stripped-down version of a pro-style playbook and saying, you know, learn this and come to practice tomorrow. You're saying, okay, uh, here's how far back you need to, oh, no, no, no. Okay, your thumb, no, that thumb over, yeah, like that. You're, you're teaching them the whole deal. Here's how you take a snap. You know, okay, now here's where the ball goes from there. Now, right. here's what you do next. Your elbow, oh, your elbow's too far out. You know, I mean, that's just stuff that kids knew when they were 9 or 10 years old in my day, if they played football and they played quarterback. Even if they didn't throw the ball much, they they knew how to, you know, take a snap. We were a veer. You know, I was running veer. When I was, I said last, last I played quarterback, I was 13, and we were a veer team. So we didn't throw the ball hardly ever. But I knew the mechanics. I knew where spray my thumb was supposed to go. I knew how to get the get the laces when I came out. I do all that stuff mechanically speaking. Even though we threw the ball like probably twenty times in a get a season. <laughs> you know, as opposed to <laughs> Oh man, I mean, come on, Bill. Bill I'm not Bill, kidding when I say that. Dude, we were dude, we were putting the veer in gear, baby. We were it was it was yeah. all about You did go to high school in the South too, I guess, so that makes it even Yeah, no, by the know. time I got to high school, I was a defensive back by the time I got to high school. And I told you the when I left there, the school record for passing in a season was 1,156 yards in a 10 game season. So that gave you an idea. Of wow. What, yeah. Yeah. Bill, <laughs> if that was at my high school, we, you know, my head coach would have maybe been under the hot seat. If that was all the time. <laughs> I'm saying that is yeah. a different world. Is what I'm trying exactly. to say. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that the guy I'm talking about who set that record, who sadly got murdered later, but he broke some of um, Roger Staubach's records at the Naval Academy out in Grizzard. Uh, who okay, yeah. Was, uh, was, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was that was good enough to get, you know, like I said, Naval Academy and a bunch of other, what they been called, one, top 1AA programs were sniffing around based on that performance. So that's how different a world we're talking about. Uh, when when that would be enough for people to, I mean, you know, nowadays if you put up that kind of performance, people say, did you get hurt? You know, <laughs> did you miss some games? Did you miss half the season what, or more? You know, what, what happened? So right. we now live in an era. I was saying to somebody, you know, the, the kids, it's not that they're, they're, they know less football. I mean, they know more about certain parts of the game than ever. I mean, these high school kids in Texas in the first four games of the season will throw the ball more than Joe Namath did in the whole season when he was in Alabama with room to spare, you know? <laughs> you know? So they've, they've done more of certain types of things than ever. But these catch-and-release offenses don't force you to develop certain skills. You don't have to know how to do certain things. And so if a kid does, and you pointed out, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about the, the role of the private quarterback coach. That's what some of these kids are doing is they do want to be ready for the time when someone says, you know, I need to see three-step, five-step, seven-step. And they're, if their family has the means, they're hiring these private guys and saying, okay, we don't do this in our office. My son hasn't had the opportunity to do this. Teach it. And mm-hmm. that's the other sort of innovation. You know, since Vinny Friedman opened the first, once again, out in Southern California, obviously, the first, you know, sort of, QB camp, whatever you want to call it, private QB coaching, uh, I think starting originally in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, it's obviously exploded since then. And Southern California is still the epicenter, but it's everywhere now. Right. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, we talked about quarterback coaches, I think, um, well, last week on the show, and, every, you know, everyone doesn't have them, but, I mean, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of the top quarterbacks, you know, you can go back and look over the past, you know, decade or whatever. They usually probably had a private quarterback coach um, for the most part. Honestly, all of them, to be honest, <laughs> all the top. Yeah. The only one I can think of that did was Josh Rosen. Um, him and probably uh, Deshaun Watson. So, because Deshaun didn't have a, a, a guy like that. Um, right. Well, he, really. his family situation is pretty different from yeah. Mr. Rosen, I would guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, Rosen's Almost is, off his he, he could afford it. His family like, could afford it. Oh, well, it yeah. It's not a money <laughs> situation with the Rosen, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Josh just likes to do stuff himself, man. Like, he just likes to. Huh. He, he's kind of, yeah, he just, he just, that's just how he is. He, and some people, you know, say he's aloof or whatever. He's not. He just, he just likes to do it himself. He, he's one of those guys that wants to, he's stubborn, <laughs> you know, and that's why him and Moore are, are I think that's a match between uh, heaven. Not, you know, other people say, I don't know if it's going to last. I love – that's more like that. He likes it. He does. You know, he might not say it right now, but when you hear him talk about Josh when he's a senior or whatever and graduates, he's going to be a guy. I remember we got into – this kid was testing me at 18, 17 years old. Coaches <laughs> like that a little bit. You know, they might not admit it at first, but they do. <laughs> Yeah, this this fine line with quarterbacks and coaches when it comes to, we talked about some of the legendary, you know, Phil Simms, Bill Parcells, you know, audio from back in the day. Not safe for work, some of it. And, of course, obviously the the Rich Gannon, 
definitely not safe work, which gathered Joe, uh, John Gruden uh, comfortable talks that sometimes would take place. If you're a lip reader, whoo, you your eyes will get a workout when those two were going at it uh, by the sidelines. If Gannon had made a you know a change to a play and Gruden didn't think it was the right you know situation, thought he should have run the play that he called, he would he would let him know. Yeah, he would. And Jim Moore's the same. I mean, now Jim Moore, obviously, he's had, you know, he's been in NFL. He's been around for a while. Obviously, you know, his dad's one of the best coaches. Um, He was one of the best coaches in NFL. But I thought this is kind of his baby, UCLA, the roster, uh, especially this year. I feel like it's, you know, most of the new high school guys are gone. Um, this is mostly his guys now. His quarterback, his his, uh, his offensive scheme, you know, they're, they're top 10, top 15 teams. So, um, yeah, he gets in this guys though. A third string or not, whoever. I mean, he got into Hunley. Hunley's one of the nicest guys, you know, I kept hearing about. <laughs> but they, they got into it a little bit. Morris just demands a lot of his quarterback. So that's a good, it's okay, you know. Um, Brett, you know, Hunley and Josh Rosen have different demeanors, of course. But, you know, I think it's good for competition. Um, put a fire into their butt <laughs> a little bit. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, it's a guy that was – I mean, he took his team to the NFC Championship, you know. It's not a bad coach at all. I mean, I know he got, you know, he got axed in Atlanta or whatever, but still a good coach to me. One of the best coaches in the uh, – I know you mentioned David Shaw. No, I mean, Jim Moore, I mean, I think that's a guy that might end up going back to the NFL. Um, I don't think he's going to be at UCLA forever. <laughs> I, 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 don't think, I don't think either Mora or Shaw are guys who are going to be college football lifers. No, I, I think more – he could be. He could be. I mean, I don't know what he wants to do, but, I mean, I think he'll give, be there for maybe five more years. Yeah. I I could see that. I could even see 10, you know, if things break the right way. But these are both fairly young guys. These are guys who will still be in their late 50s, you know, uh, after, you know, several years have gone by. And like I said, I – I think one of them, I mean, I think Morris still feels like he has unfinished business in the NFL, sort of like with Pete Carroll, right? And then in the case of, um, in the case of, um, uh, uh, Shaw, I think he wants to prove to people, or more importantly, he doesn't have the experience of having been an NFL head coach. He's already yeah, been exactly. a, an assistant coach at the NFL level. He comes from, I mean, his dad's Willie Shaw. You know, he clearly grew up around NFL football. Right. Yeah, more could have a some. I'm not saying now the same same type of success as Pete did, but he could be. You know, he could win a national title at UCLA um, in the next few years, and then um, you know they both had the same kind of head coaching career. They they started off pretty. I mean, I think more was a little bit better than Pete in his first stint. You know, because he took his team pretty deep, but. Yeah, you know, they both got axed from the job. I mean, Moore got fired twice, I guess, the Seattle job, and then, um, you know, success at the, at the college level, and then go back. I think Moore is uh, like fifty-one years old, something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, they're both. Yeah. they're both. Shaw's in his so like forty-six or forty-seven, I think. Right. I think Moore yeah. is just yeah, he's fifty or fifty-one. I think he might be fifty-one now. But they're he's both young, young enough. He's a young fifty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like Pete Carroll's a young 63 or whatever the heck he I, is. I four. can't believe that guy. That whole, I can't believe he's <laughs> yeah, I, know. I I always forget. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. He's on. What is he, second oldest coach in football, right? Yes. In, in Something like the NFL, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's one of the oldest coaches in the NFL, second oldest, yeah. So, yes, people forget that yeah. because he's the guy that still warms up the wide receivers. I mean, he's still, you know, sometimes he'll threaten to try to return punts. I mean, he's, you know, he's Pete Carroll. Right. He still thinks he can take guys and pick up basketball. Yeah, and the guy you always talk about, Coriel, Don Coriel, I know Jim Moore, all, that's what, you know, that's what he coached under first. I think that's who he got his first job under um, yeah. in San Diego. I know he talked yeah. about him. I was reading out. You know, it was interesting watching that. I don't know if you saw that Rick Neuheisel interview with Jim Moore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was fascinating. It These was. guys have known each other for, yeah. what, 30 years or something? Yeah, and Neuheisel's an honest guy. You know, obviously he's on the other side now. He's, he's in the media. Which he does a really good job at, but um, you know, obviously he was at UCLA right before, and then more got there. But he, they were—he was honest, you know. He was just like, "You're doing a better job than me, basically." You know what I mean? You're doing what I couldn't do. Um, and I think, like I think, I'm more. If he's just, you know, New will try to rah rah too much. I feel like he was really loose, and he was taking shots. You know, at COI, Jamor is just winning, quiet. Really right. You don't hear him much. saying. You don't hear him taking out ads in the newspaper saying the era of USC dominance is over. <laughs> no, he just recruits and right. <laughs> has a good staff and wins football games and beats USC threes in a row. Um, as far as right now, and keeps guys intact, keeping guys there, man. I know they had some guys leave early last year. Um, Ellis McCarthy, why? But um, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so the most part, he's keeping guys there, too, and graduating them, which is big. Yeah. You know, because they probably thought they were going to lose a few more guys than they lost last year. They kept pretty much everybody except Ellis. I think they lost Ellis early. And, um, and Hunley. Brett, obviously, obviously, Brett Hunley left early, too. But, you know, he's a guy that's um, actually about to get his degree anyway. So he's still going to graduate. Right. right. Yeah, I mean – you talk about the, some of these offensive lines like Stanford and Wisconsin, those are pipeline locations, but I actually think the best offensive lineman individual NFL prospect in this game is Brandon Vitabell of Northwestern. When he's been in the game, he looked good, but he had a play where he fumbled a snap, and he also left the game injured before returning. So those are really the only two red flags I'd have with him, but I don't know if he's done anything to hurt his stock, but with you, you look at those two plays, him leaving the game injured and fumbling a bad snap, that those red flags make you think he's he's still in that fourth round range until he beats someone better. Well, the, the, the thing that you you worry about with any of these guys that come out of offensive lines where you don't do NFL things, we always talk about quarterbacks and how it affects them. I don't think we talk enough about how different it is when you get to the NFL level for, I mean, that's how we get to the whole Danny Watkins and, you know, situation where these guys, once again, not done NFL things. So I want to see a guy execute NFL-style scoop block, NFL-style reach block, NFL-style drive block. And a lot of times when everything's so perimeter-oriented and things like that, you don't get to see the things you want to see. And I like, you know, the Kappa as much as you do. I, I, once again, I live in Chicago. I get to a couple of Northwestern games each year. My sister's a, an alum. I'm a big fan of Coach Fitzgerald, another guy that I, I 
I'm a little surprised doesn't get more attention from other schools when, when jobs come open because he's managed to win consistently with a lot of the same restrictions we talked about. I mean, once again, you know, we used to joke about the SAT Bowl. With Stanford and um, Northwestern were both bad in the 80s, uh, late 80s and early 90s. We used to joke about being on the SAT Bowl. And that was, you know, the only thing those guys had going for them for the most part. But now, you know, these are, once again, these, they're legitimate talents on both teams. Guys who are legitimate shot to play at the next level on both teams. Obviously, Stanford has more of them than Northwestern. A testament to, yes, what Harbaugh did, but also, like I said, David Shaw is a heck of a coach, a great administrator, a great developer of talent. There was, like I said, barely a ripple past that program. I mean, if Harbaugh, if a guy like Harbaugh leaves most programs, it makes an impact. If Saban leaves Alabama, I promise you, they won't have such a seamless transition as Harbaugh and Shaw have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's being a different type of team that helps. I really do think do think that helps. They're not a spread team. It was alternative alternative um, program basically because who who who's a power team in the Pac-12? Them. Oh, they're the, yeah. they're the standard out west. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, SC's still a team that, you know, runs the ball, but, you know. Right. But they're not a quarterback. Power team. No, they're not a power has, team. They're a team that has the ability to use power. There's a difference. Exactly. Um, you know, Washington now, spread. Spread E and not spread. They do. They're kind of a weird offense. They're, like, balanced, I guess. Like, they still throw a lot, but they run two if they need to, you know. But – no power team in that conference except them. So, right. you know, I think that's a, obviously their rival is just a air raid team now, Cal. So, <laughs> um, doing a little different up there. But, yeah, there's only one. Colorado switched. You know, they used to be a team that ran the ball a lot, but, you know, they're throwing swinging all, all the time now. So, I think that helps them out in the conference, to be honest. Right. Well, they're, they're differentiated. That's what – that's the whole point of being contrarian. If you do it well, if you do it mm-hmm. well, if you have a differentiated. Now, if you do it poorly, then people just look at you like, oh, what's wrong with those right. guys? But if you do yeah. it well, if you, do, you know, Wisconsin you has their thing and you do it well. Consi- yeah, consistent. Those are those consistent teams um, that are not splashy, but they're, they're consistent. And, you know, I, I know, you know, people – UCLA is not a power team. They run the football really well, but I, I got in kind of a debate over that because I know somebody was saying, well, they're a power team. No, I mean, they're not a power team, but they run the ball really well, um, whether it was Jonathan Franklin or, or Paul Perkins or, or whoever they run the rock. They've all been over 1,000 yards um, each year. Moore has been there, but um, still a team that's, you know, going to throw it. Now, this year they might be a little bit more power, you know, with their with the backs and the new quarterback, but – Arizona was a spread power. I don't know what they were. That year they had to team carry the junior. They were a spread team, but they ran the ball all the time. Right, right. But once again, you don't have to spread the throw. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not on. They throw the ball, but they're spreading the run, and they throw off of it. And it's a similar deal with them. They'll, they'll throw the ball if they have to, but they're spreading the run. They're going to try yeah. to make you tackle in space, and they want you 
you want your safety. We talked about this sort of with um, with um, Chip Kelly. We want your safeties to prove they can tackle our best running back in space. If your safeties right. cannot tackle our best running back in space consistently, we're going to gas you repeatedly. Same with yeah, or I mean, Oregon's still doing that now. You know, they're they're a spread team that runs the football first. Um, same with Arizona. Well, I mean, Arizona's doing it now with a new Solomon, but you know, um, they're just trying to run plays. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's really their goal. Just yeah. volume of play. That's what we care about. Were they 89 on uh, – they played uh, UTSA on Friday or Thursday night? Yeah. 89 plays. Yeah. Which, I, I like that UTSA program. I think they're going to be okay with Larry Coker. Um, yeah. You know, nobody likes Larry Coker anymore. You know, they used to 10 years ago. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, I know it's UTSA. It's a new, new program. But I like what they're doing. They put a lot of money into that program, and they're competitive. Um Every time they play, they play Arizona two years in a row. They've lost by ten points both times. So, yeah. And um, the Roadrunners, bowl game last the year. Roadrunners, the Roadrunners there have a couple things going for them. One is you said Larry Coker. Two, it's in San Antonio, Texas. There's football players in San Antonio, Texas. Son, in case you didn't hear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of those guys would go someplace else, but not all of them. Some of these guys who used to go to these powerhouse, you know, F. CS programs like Sam Houston State or Stephen F. Austin, you can, you can now say, you don't have to go there. You don't have to go to Sam Houston State. You don't have to go to Stephen F. Austin. You can stay right here close to home and play FBS football, even though these other big schools may not want you. You know, okay, you got turned down by Texas. Rice was lukewarm even, but you got a home right here. See, I think they can surpass Rice and they can keep up with SMU. Um I mean, I think they're already past Rice right now. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the team going. And then Blake uh, Bogenschultz is only a sophomore, I think. Yes. He's not, he's not a bad quarterback at all. He held his own in that game on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, and that's that's all you can expect or all you can ask, let's put it that way, in that kind of situation. They're building something there, and I, I think they're going to be a winning program long term. You give them another year or two. Yeah, Coker is um, quietly doing some things there, recruiting too. Um, although they're not getting a top twenty-five class anytime soon, but I mean he's doing all right. You know, he's getting a couple guys in. I've got JUCO. He's doing the JUCO route today, you know, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, you, you want to hit the JUCOs. You want to hit you know, those guys that people were hot on, but they got hurt, or you know, whatever things happened that senior year that sort of tarnish them in other people's eyes, you want to run in there and scoop those kids up. Exactly. You know, that's 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 the kind of – that's how you build a program. That's how Chris Peterson or whoever you want to name, when even – I mean, and, and still to some extent now um, out there in, in Kansas State, they still get a lot of guys that other people cooled on and JUCO guys. That's still basically how they're doing it. Snyder is still – have they have they ever had a five star in the history of their program? I don't think they have. We they had uh, no wait 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 I think Bryce, about it. I think about it. Arthur Brown. Arthur Bryce Brown right, right 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 yeah. Did he ever play? <laughs> I know he uh, signed there. I don't think he ever played. Did he? I don't think so. But yeah, okay. So. They signed. It is a signed one. You're right. They signed a five star. I don't think he ever played, but at least he signed a five star. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the that's the thing. It's 
it's there's you don't have to do it the same way. There's lots of different ways to build a, a you know a winning program. Yeah, you don't you know Kansas State is is the best at that um, to me. You know those guys. Getting now, the, uh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say if if indeed uh Northwestern holds on and, and, and pulls out a victory against uh against Stanford, beyond it being a really cool thing for Northwestern, do you think it has more more meaning than that? Was it the kind of thing that, that lets people think that Stanford is down this year? Yeah. It does. That's not you can't lose this game. Um, Northwest is a, a solid program. I love Pat Fitzgerald, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He always finds a yep. way. Uh, sometimes I don't know what players are on his team. Um, they're not highly rated <laughs> coming out. No. They're not household names. Uh, not even Big Ten. No. Um, talk all you know, all Big Ten players. But um, that being said, Stanford, you, you got no business. Cal won in in, uh, in uh, Evanston. They won last year. They came in and won. Um, and that's a Cal team that didn't make a bowl game last year. They they won by seven. Yeah. Um, you should be able to come in Northwestern and get a W with all those returning guys. Um, that's the thing I've taught uh, when I talk to guys that are in college football. When you're bringing that many guys back, you should be ahead of the game in the beginning of the season. There's no need for three points um, on the board. Or, you know, the defense is playing fine, you know, always. But <laughs> the offense should be playing like this. And I'm not saying David Shaw's in a hot seat or anything, but yeah, I mean I know David Shaw's a senior and everything, and they they like him. He's one of the his dad passed away like, but, last year, sadly. But but, but uh, their backup, Keller Christ, might play if he continues to play this average. He's not playing bad. I mean, he's not doing horrible. <laughs> he's just so average. <laughs> and Keller Christ, I mean, you might go with Keller Christ. I mean, you might have to. You know, they start um, off. If, I'm, if I'm Coach Shaw, I'm going to at least want to kick the tires on some of the other guys on my quarterback depth chart. I'm going to put it that way. Yeah, Keller's a guy. I mean, find out what you have from Keller. Um, he's a guy that was a you know four and a half, five star for some guys, quarterback. Um, big guy, you know, pocket guy, 6'4", 230. Um, let's see what you have in him, possibly. Uh, or Ryan yeah. Burns too. Ryan Burns is there. Uh, Ryan Burns isn't bad either. Um, a guy from Virginia as well, just like Kevin Hogan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm aware. He's basically from DC almost. He's from the northern part of the state. Um, yeah. But Connor Mitch. Yeah, how about how about how about what Northwestern's offensive line has done at points in this game? Everyone talks about Stanford's offensive line. And oh, yeah, yeah. Park and Thomas have put put it on some people. I mean, it's interesting to watch a team that people don't talk about much. I mean, Northwestern, during that run they had under Gary Barnett, you know, was a public interest story. And, you know, on Good Morning America, they would mention it. Wow, this tournament that was so horrible for so long is made the Rose Bowl. But then people kind of forgot after that. They had uh, moved on to other things, but, you know, now, even after, you know, Barnett gave way to Randy Walker, Randy Walker gives way now to, uh, you know, to to one of, like I said, Coach Fitz, uh, who is, as you just said, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's more than maybe 25 better coaches in all of college football. He really does a lot with what he gets, as you pointed out. Um, 
the only way they get four stars is if they transfer from someplace else, like Kyle Prater. Yeah, and even then, he kind of never... Well, yeah, unfortunately, he was... Right. Yeah. <laughs> By yeah, the time so. they got him, he wasn't really Kyle Prater anymore. Yeah, and they almost got Ty Isaac, but... Uh... Yeah, that would have been awesome, actually. That would have been great. Yeah, that Ty would have been. That would have been awesome if Ty Isaac maybe, you know, just stay one more year. But um, <laughs> that would have been cool, too, you know. We wouldn't mind having him at RB. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that. Like, yeah, I mean, he's an underrated coach. He's a, he's a good X's and those guys. He can recruit good. You know, just because you don't get five and four. So, I mean, I don't You know, people are like, oh, he can't recruit. But he can recruit. He just—he's not gonna waste his time on. I mean, you know, I mean, you're just gonna be in a recruiting battle and waste your time, basically. You know, you can't do that. That's not how recruiting works. You know, recruiting is—you know—let me get my guys from Illinois. Let let me dominate Illinois at recruiting and Northern Illinois. You know, let me fight them in state and hit my region, and then we're gonna hit some some guys that uh wanna do the right thing, play the right way. You know, he plays a different brand of football out there. You know, hard-nosed, tough guy. And, you know, the players love him. Seems like, you know, I've never heard anything yeah. bad said about oh, him. Oh, he is a beloved figure. The the only time you ever heard a peep, well, obviously it was when we talked about sort of the, the King Coulter and the, you know, the union movement and things like that. Right. That was kind of tough. But that wasn't – but even then, the players were saying it's nothing personal against Coach Fitz. You know, they loved him. But – they were trying to change the entire system. Yeah, well, yeah, that's not that's not his control, you know. So yeah, and I know there was a writer in your area. Um, can't think of his name. I know we talked about him last year. That one. Um, I don't know if he had something against Tiger Joe personally or something, but he was talking about getting him fired last year. Oh, I mean, I God. don't. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I forgot. I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good coach. But yeah, this says a lot about Stanford to me, still more so. Um, to lose this game. Uh, even if they win, you know, the struggle is real, I guess. And Montel is here, that's what he would say. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure he's happy about this score, though. Since, you know, he, he likes Northwestern a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. But, yeah, it, Northwestern, good job. I mean, definitely, especially with Illinois, with all their stuff going on. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, it's time to definitely put a stamp down and be a constant bowl team, you know. And maybe right. they can keep their guys for longer than everybody else. You know, they'll have the four and five years, you know, those guys. So they can maybe once every four or five years go to a – compete for a Rose Bowl and compete for a um, championship. Last year was just – you know, when they had that game, they hosted um, college game day two years ago. Right. I mean, that, that was kind of like yeah. really bad for them or something. Like they lost a lot of games after that. But I think now, you know, that's over with totally new players in here, so they'll turn it around. Look good today, um, especially up front, like you said. Man, I mean, uh, Stanford is, is whew, that's a big line. You know, I thought, you know, they were giving up 46 pounds to them. Yep. You know, so um, they're holding holding, holding their own, though, um, in, in this game. You know, we're still in the appetizer mode, though, I guess, right, Bill? Because these games aren't that, you know, they're, we're gonna get one today. We're gonna to get. I mean, we're gonna get some. You know, obviously oh, yeah. college football. We're gonna get oh, some. Yeah. We're gonna get the. <laughs> get some. Right what now, it's still kind of slow mo blowouts going on early on. Clemson's you know destroying their opponent. Rutgers is is overcoming their adversity, taking it out on your Virginia guys. <laughs> who 
frankly, you know, the goal is not to get embarrassed. They're not getting embarrassed. So behold mm. the green and gold. Um, oh, nor, nor, uh, nor, nor State. State. Yeah, they're not getting embarrassed. They're not getting, you no. know, no. stuffed in the trunk, you know. They're not getting shoved in a wood chipper. Mm, not at all. And Hayden Red looks pretty good. Uh, finally get to see him play. This is what I'm happy about, Bill. Man, we've been talking about these guys for a while. These yes, Hayden Reddicks and the, the whoever, you know, these guys. Three years, you know. <laughs> yeah. Finally get yep. to see these guys play um, actual football. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. He looks pretty good. Great. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I know George is playing a, a cupcake, but I, I'm liking that they win when Grayson Lambert is the starter um, over Bryce Ramsey. So, because he has that experience. And um, he won't mess up the game <laughs> for them. Run the football. Run, run, run. Just keep running. I wouldn't even throw if I didn't need to. Just don't even do it. <laughs> Those three running backs are just, you know, possibly the best three in the country you know, on, on one team, maybe outside of Oregon. So, I mean, And, so, you know, Chad Kelly, too, obviously, you know. Oh, yes, there you go. There's a story. Finally, well. finally, <laughs> finally, you know, it's been a long time since Watson play. Yeah, it's been, yes. <laughs> it's been, so, yes. Somebody said he spent more time in jail than on the football field, but. Oh. I know, Ow. man, low blow, low blow. But he's all right now, you know. He's all right. Right. And then look, okay. looking at Nebraska and BYU, oh. who are some of the guys you're excited about there? Um, Tommy Armstrong, I'm sorry, the quarterback. Um, this team now, man, you know, you got you got uh, the whole team to yourself. You won the job. Um, you even got Johnny Stan to transfer out, you know, a uh, top recruited guy. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of – let's see what he's got. You know, there's been a lot of hype about him. Um, obviously, you know, them being a South Florida guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I'm excited to see the X's and O's part. This is a new head coach, a new scheme, Mike Riley up in Nebraska. Um, I, a lot of people thought it was kind of a weird hire. I liked it. I, I love Mike Riley. Um, I think he's a really good coach. Um, you know, I'm excited. Like I said, Tommy Armstrong, oh, Andy Janovich, the fullback. Yes, I'm giving fullbacks some love. Um, yeah. They still have a fullback, so I'm happy. Um, he's a he's a he's just a blocker. You know, he probably won't ever touch the football, but I think he'll be a guy that makes the NFL team and he can get drafted. Maybe like uh, reminds me of the um, running back Rapowski from uh, Oklahoma last year. Similar right. to him, um, just a neck roll guy. Yeah, the neck roll <laughs> society. I love the neck roll. Yeah. Guy. Six one two forty five, just <laughs> big, strong. Get out of the way. You know, and Nebraska didn't run the football, you know. Uh, I'm not – they lost, you know, Amir Abdullah. That's like, you know, <laughs> you know, funeral almost, like <laughs> losing somebody mm-hmm. like him. But um, Terrell Newby and Imani Croft are a solid running back. Adam Taylor's there too. So I guess they're doing running back by committee right now. We'll see who gets to start. Um, most of these are quarterback battles, but Nebraska kind of has a running back battle on their hand a little bit with those three. Um, and I, I do like um, Ryan Reeves, the center. Um, he's a senior. He's a little smaller of a guy, undersized, but uh, I think he's a really good um, – I think he can long snap, which is huge. You always talk about that when you have guys on. He Man, can long snap. Long snap. <laughs> yeah, he can long snap, and he's, you know, the starting center. 
Um, he's, I know he's only six two, uh, so I know he's undersized a little bit, but um, that's okay. You know, pro style offense. You know, they're gonna run the football and everything. And during Western camp, you know, I want to see more of him. Like he's he's solid receiver. I mean, I just want to see more of him. Um, a lot of people like him, um, a lot. So yeah, I do want to see him on, on that side of the um, ball offense uh, defense. I'm worried about Nebraska's defense, honestly. I'm not sure if they're going to hold up um, today. I actually think BYU's going to win the game, um, even though I'd like to see uh, – I kind of want to see – I would love to see Nebraska, you know, be Nebraska again. I think that would be great for the Midwest and college football and everything, but uh, I, I just don't see that happening as of today. So, um, and then Taysom Hill, guy that's coming off an of injury. Um, Heisman candidate and uh, probably humanitarian award in college football or whatever it's called. Um, that makes a good work team. Yeah, you know he helped out a lot um, this off season with with, with, with cancer patients at hospital in Utah, Salt Lake, and and going overseas to the Philippines and stuff like that. And that's good stuff, man. I mean, I know like stuff gets under the rug, doesn't matter to some people, but he's a really seems like a really solid guy. You know, also the guy's been married for three years. And, you know, he's got a baby. He's got a different lifestyle than a lot of the college quarterbacks. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Six or seven years older than some of the guys on the team. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that team, before they lost Jamal Williams at running back, I thought that's a team that could, that could uh, knock on the door of being, a, a, I guess, a bust, not a BCS buster anymore, but a college football playoff buster. Um, right. They play Boise State next week. They have a tough schedule. They play everybody from every, every conference all over the country. Um, right. Yeah. They play out in the country, play with everybody. Yeah, I think they can win on the road at Nebraska. That will be really, really good victory. And then they can go next week and beat Boise. That's kind of – I think those two teams are the best two teams outside the Power Five, not named Notre Dame. Um, yeah. And BYU plays Notre Dame too. So they're going to have – if they won the table, if they run Well, if they won the table, it would be, be hard to keep them out, yes. It would be hard to keep a, a team out with a star quarterback. What do we like in college football stars? And we like good stories. That's going to be a good one. You know, uh, a 25-year-old beat-up <laughs> quarterback um, that still took his team undefeated. It's going to be hard without Jamal Williams, though. Um, we're still unsure why Jamal Williams transferred. No one really knows. Um, I, I, Code of Ethics, I, I think, was some of it or something like that. But that's a big loss. He was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. But I think um, Devin Blackman and Mitch Matthews, um, Nick Kurtz, all three of those receivers are really well good. Um, another Matthews, Riker. They never stop. Never. <laughs> another one. Um, so <laughs> Riker Matthews up front um, at left tackle starting the day. Uh, wow. He's a good, good kid up front. They got a big line this year, man, of BYU. So that's going to help out Taysom and keep them upright. I think they're going to. I think they're going to run Taysom a lot. Um, yeah. Even more than he already did, um, I think. I, now, it's, it's, I, don't, I want to see what they do with him. I think they're going to run. I've been hearing he's just been throwing the ball a lot, been dropping back, trying to be more of a pocket guy. Um, maybe mm. that's kind of NFL for the NFL, maybe. Um, mm. But I think it's – you know what? I like to keep it honest, Bill. If you yeah. got a running quarterback, let him run. Is Taysom yeah. going to just all of a sudden be a, a thrower? <laughs> At 20, you know, right now, at his, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't right. buy into it. You know, I right. think at the end of the day, Bronco like Minnesota knows. 
What was that? Yeah, like poof, like magic, all of a sudden he transforms. Yeah. I mean, the kid can't, I mean, he's not a horrible thrower or anything. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's, you know, 55, 60% thrower. You know, um, sometimes lower than that. Um, just depends. But yeah, run, let him run. Let him run. And definitely, you know, they've got to get receivers, so let him throw it a little bit too. But at the end of the day, let him run. Um, Bronson Kafuzi, who love. <laughs> I'm a big love. fan. I'm a big Kafuzi fan. Yeah, yeah, I love do. Him. I, I like him. I dig him. Dig him. Um, you know, um, six seven, two eight eight, or six six. I don't know if he's six seven. I mean, he's listed six seven, but I mean, he's tall. I mean, you know, power four on the basketball team too, backup power four. But uh, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's a guy I like a lot. I think he's a top fifty guy. You know. Um, he probably won't kill it at the combines. He probably drop once he gets there. But I mean, as far as just being a college football player, all American, you know, um, sack machine could have a huge year. You know, a Nate Orchard type of year possibly. I really do think he can lead the um, SBS in sacks. As a matter of fact, Ooh. I'm going to say I'm going to say he is going to lead the SBS in sacks. I like um, it. I like <laughs> bold prediction number two. I think uh, he can lead the. I think he wait, can. I know he's gonna, what, is, what, is, what does Jim think? <laughs> uh nothing, nothing. I'm just at the balcony. Yeah, I think he can can do that this year. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's gonna be a good matchup. Those are some guys I'm looking for. Um, in the game, and I think BYU wins it. Uh, really close, like nail nail biter. But I think uh, they find a way to win it with those receivers on the outside um, versus a kind of weaker secondary in Nebraska. I think Taysom and Mitch Matthews and Devin Black can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Huh. So we just uh, had a bit of a conversation. Uh, getting back to um, to BYU, obviously, and Nebraska. Of course, on the prospects, you're looking forward to seeing Jim in that game. BYU Nebraska. Hmm. Well, I mean, the running back that's there is kind of interesting. He's a little old, but he's interesting. Um, I think Joe Williams. I think, or maybe not Joe Williams. Something like that. He's uh, Kafusi is. Oh, Jamal Williams. Uh, what? Oh yeah, yeah, Jamal. 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 Yeah. He's he's gone. He's gone. He's he's uh he's not in the program anymore. But okay, uh, then I don't know whoever the heck the running back is. Uh, <laughs> whoever that guy is, I want to see that guy. Thanks <laughs> to hell, the uh, uh, I want to see what he kind of does uh, coming back from stuff. Um, I mean, Kafusi. Okay, all right, Kafusi. He's a big frame guy, stuff like that. But there's not much else to him, at least to me. Um, like, could he, is he going to get, like, four or five sacks this year? Sure. But I don't see him ever being, like, a double-digit sack guy in the college football or even in the NFL. Um, kind of guy. Just a guy that has a big body, big frame, and uh, just kind of, you know, hangs out and does his thing. Um yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I just don't really see a ton of I'm not that excited about him. Um on Nebraska, 
they have a couple pass rushers. The guy that was opposite of Randy Gregory kind of showed some stuff last year. Uh, I liked the... I think it was their safeties. I confuse Wisconsin's defensive players with Nebraska at times. So, um, just keep that in mind uh, at times. But uh, Nebraska, I remember they had a couple safeties that were kind of interesting. Um, offensive, I want to check out Nebraska's offensive line, see if there's anything there. But I think the real uh, story that's here, guys, is you know, we had a, another show on Monday, and, uh, you know, we brought up uh, Stanford uh, Northwestern, I, th- I think it was. And, yeah. uh, you know, Donovan, I asked him the question. Donovan's like, oh, Stanford is going to beat them 35 to 10. Uh, this, <laughs> they're going to do. Uh, Stanford's defense is the great, greatest in the land. They've been top 10 consistently every year. Uh, Blake, uh, I think it's Blake Barnett. I believe, or something like that. Blake Martinez. Yeah, Blake Martinez is gonna. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's gonna <clears throat> shut them down. They can't do nothing. Then I went to Steve, and Steve, of course, had a another sort of like uh, they're gonna pound the rock. They're gonna pound <laughs> the rock, guys. They're gonna they're gonna turn Northwestern into mush. You know, and all that other kind of stuff, and like they you know, they're gonna they have like. 200, 200 pounds on them on that line. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Bill came in. He's like, well, you know, I wouldn't say exactly what Steve said, but, you no. know, yeah, it's going to lean on them. Um, and it's going to be a thing. I thought it would yeah. be, be a close game. Right, you thought it would be a close game. And, but you took Stafford. I did, <laughs> but I thought it'd be about a you know a, a close me, game. Yeah, and I do a lot of times when I make my predictions that are correct. Yes, I normally don't yes. go into a ton of detail, but <laughs> <laughs> I picked Northwestern, and only because Northwestern is this team, guys, that, like you said, coaching wise, is coached a little bit better than you think they are. Great right? coaching, they have great it coaching. Is that you think they shouldn't have any shot at. I mean, Montel was throwing shade at Northwestern last year for good reason. They were playing Wisconsin. There's no way Northwestern should beat Wisconsin, but they beat Wisconsin. Um, they, they get into games where this kind of stuff happens. And I thought to myself, here's Stanford. Here's a team that lost a lot of really good offensive weapons. Like Tom Montgomery was their most explosive wide receiver last year, and they really had nobody else. Um, the one guy that came into this year that I thought was interesting was Austin Hooper at tight end, but then again, he was that was that's it. Interesting. Let's see if he can be more consistent. Obviously, he hasn't showed up much in this, in this game yet. Uh, a little bit, but not a ton. The offensive line, I think, is massively overrated, except for Josh Garnett, uh, who mm-hmm. I think is one of the better guards. Number two, maybe the number two guard in the country, probably. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, and Andres Pete is a you know he he became a first round pick largely because of well, Josh Garnett. Because um, anytime Andres Pete got beat inside, Josh Garnett is like, I got you, I got you, man. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I'm helping. I'm helping. Um, you know, really big guy, powerful, good. You know, really good movement ability. Not too stiff. Um, and the defense of Stanford. 
is a lot like the Alabama defense, but to a worse extent, because this defense was great. Don't get me wrong. Stanford's defense a couple years ago, about two years ago, awesome defense. Stanford's defense now, guys, when it comes to the linebacker play, the defensive line play, the secondary play too, uh, safety play, which safety play was never really the greatest ever, but at least it was okay for college football standard. Um, you know, now, could it be that they're young and they're learning? Sure. But I don't think that they they have as many readily immediate impact defensive players as you think they, they have. But the bottom line is this. I thought opportunity for Northwestern to win a football game and it looks like they're going to do it, and I'm just uh, happy that I get to enjoy a victory this week where everyone else saw loss. So don't always bet on Northwestern because you might lose, but on certain certain occasions, guys, you need to really think hard. What would what would uh, what Fitzgerald do? Because you know what, sometimes you got to plan, guys. Yeah. And no, I, I, that... I told people it was going to be a dogfight because that doesn't mean, obviously, you know, bossy, scrappy, whatever term you want to use. They got loads of that stuff at Northwestern. Those guys play hard against everybody. Yeah, they do play hard against everybody. Um, but Stanford, of course, has to match that. And Kevin Hogan is not known to match that. So, that's say he doesn't play hard. He just doesn't always complete passes as much as he probably should. So, I don't know. Hope, hopefully this game will get people to wake up about Kevin Hogan. I hope a lot of games this week. Get I hope. I hope that maybe it's Connor Cook and Kevin Hogan. They need to play like the way that Connor Cook and Kevin Hogan play. People will abandon yep. them. And look at Zach Terrell. Oh, <laughs> Maybe Carson Wentz isn't that bad. And sure, he has some stuff to him, but he's better than Kevin Hogan, better than Connor Cook. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to go call Carson Wentz on you guys, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you got these 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 certain guys here that it's like, eh, really? But um, yeah, yeah, no, I I just I just. Wanted to throw that out there, guys. That you know, you guys were firm. You were firm, cardinal red wall, and one guy was like, "No, I think, uh, I think the, you know, I think Huskies. I think the purple, the purple." Yeah. Well, like I said, I I I predict it's a very close game, and obviously, it could still you know turn. But I I love Northwestern, and I love seeing them win. And I think they're as, as you remember, I said they were a seven or eight win team, and I still believe that. I think that Northwestern's going to find a way to seven or eight wins. The question is, will will Stanford find a way to seven or eight wins? Yeah, that's a bigger question because you know if there is that nested on offense, that's yeah. Um, and that's the other thing too is running back at Stanford. You'd be surprised they invest all that money and recruiting and and. Uh, 
all that stuff into an offensive line, you'd think they would get a pretty good running back, but they haven't really – they've done a very Dallas Cowboys-esque approach to their running back situation, uh, which I think is kind of – I don't know if that will hurt them or not. It kind of is now to a certain extent when the line isn't going as well as it needs to go. Yeah, it caught up with them a little bit. Like we were both saying, we we both like um, you know Christian McCaffrey, but you know he's more of a do it all guy than just you know run thirty times a game. He can't do that. Uh, they can do a lot of other things. He's got a utility guy, punt return, kick return. Um, he's not a guy that Jim Harbaugh is going to grab by the face before a game and say, "Feed him your pads, feed him your pads." Which he used to do with Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> Yeah, Toby, uh, Taylor, and then, um, 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 gosh, Gap, Tyler Gaffney. Tyler Gaffney. Yeah. Yeah. Who ever thought we'd be going, man, if only they had a Tyler Gaffney. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shows you don't know what you've got to look gone. Yeah. I mean, he runs between the tackles well. They don't have a guy that can. Well, I mean, Ramon Wright. I thought could run a little bit better between the tackles than he's doing today, but been struggling. Um, like I said, McCaffrey and those guys are outside guys, you know. So definitely missing that running back that can run it inside the, um, the hole. Okay. Then I guess UV- news, uh, you know, James Con- James Conner, running back to Pittsburgh, left the game with a knee uh, sort of issue. So we'll see what happens there. I was going to ask you guys about UVA and UCLA. Obviously, uh, Jim Moore got some love earlier from, from Donovan. How did you see that game playing out? And who are some of the prospects you're excited about? Oh man, <laughs> there's so oh, many. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, receiver. Um, I like Jordan Payton a lot. Um, Jordan Payton is, is a possession typical possession receiver, but he's a guy I do like a lot. Uh, him and Jake Brindle, uh, you know, captains of the team, uh, well deserved captains. Um, Devin Fuller and Thomas Doherty as well. Um, you know, Doherty's kind of a you know a, a why. Peyton's X, he's a Y. Um, Devin Fuller is a Z, but, you know, I like those guys a lot. Um, even Eldridge and uh, Massington, excuse me, um, at the slot, he's going to be pretty effective today, too. Um, their line's solid now. It took a while. Um, Connor McDermott, Jake Brindle, um, Alex Redmond, and uh, Caleb uh, Benowich, um, all good. Um, Kenny Lacey's okay, you know, <laughs> but uh, he might share some time with uh, um, Perry Lulu. Um, as a left guard, I don't know who's going to start there. But uh, yeah, the line's solid. Um, they bring eleven or ten guys back, and the new guy would be Josh Rosen. So, and Chris Clark starting at tight end, actually true, true freshman. Him and Alize Jones. So um, they're going to use a lot of tight end this year, actually more than they did in the past few. So um, yeah, I like what they can do. Uh, I'm looking at their running back Perkins, of course, uh, one of my favorite running backs, Nate Starks, um, Soso Jambeo. They're loaded. I mean. Sad to say it, you know, I'm giving them a lot of love. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a fan of the other team across town, but they're loaded, man. They got a lot of good things going on on offense. Um, 
even like their their fullback Aisi, um, Nate Aisi, their fullback there. So um, looking at those guys, looking at Kenny Clark, guy I like a lot. Eddie Vander does is one of my favorite defensive tackles in the country. Um, then a linebacker, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Miles Jack, you know, he's you know one of my favorite linebackers in the country. Um, do it all type of guy. Um, Deion Hollins Jr., Kenny Young. Um, another good player, and uh, Marcus Rios and Randall Goforth. I mean, those are good, some good guys too. Um, um, on defense for them, I think that's just a. This team is a. You know, I think they're. I think they're the best team in the Pac-12. UCLA. Um, I think they. I would go with them to win, win the conference, at least win the South right now. That's uh, a pick. So I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. On the Virginia side, um, Quinn Blanding, man. I mean. Of course, duh. I mean, <laughs> I know he's not eligible to come out this year, um, but he's one of the better safeties in the country. Um, Zach Bradshaw is a guy I want to see at the world linebacker. Um, Coven Rainey is a safety next to him, blending at strong safety. He's good, too. Heavy hitter. Um, you know, I, I like Connor Wingo Reeves, another fullback, uh, H-back type of guy. A little tight end work, too. Um, Taquan Mazzell. I know you like him a lot, Bill, the running back there um, for them. And Matt Johns, you know, uh, I, I wasn't. I, I thought Grayson Lander was better than Matt Johns. Um, I, I really wish Grayson Lander had got the start instead. But, you know, he's at Georgia now. He's in a better situation anyway. So, plus <laughs> like he won. But uh, Matt Johns, you know, we'll see what he can do. I, I think he might struggle today versus that he's still a decent man. I don't, I don't know. Mazel's going to have to do a lot of work. 30 carries. I know he's not a big back, but he's going to have to do a lot of the work. Um, Virginia's offense isn't very good. Um, don't like their line too much. Don't really have guys that excite me on the outside too much, but I do like their defense, especially the secondary. And um, we'll see what Matt Johnson can do. You know, he did, he did a few good things last year. And uh, Mike London, obviously, Mike London and Jim Moore are in two different paths right now. <laughs> you know, Mike London probably on the hottest seat in the country. Um, he, not, he might not make it to the season. Um, some people, you know, don't even want him there right now. But, you know, he's still there. He's still fighting um, to get in the bowl game. So we'll see what he can do. It's going to be tough. And then Jim Morris trying to get in the college football playoffs, trying to win Pac-12 title. So um, he can do that this year, definitely. So it's going to be a good game. I mean, we're all excited to see um, the Rosen one get his first start, you know, um, the high machine. Which I kind of helped, I guess, <laughs> in the media a little bit. But yeah, I'm excited to see that Virginia UCLA game. UCLA just loaded; they got all types of guys. Seven, I count seven um, prospects on that defense, and maybe five on offense. A lot of thirteen players right there. Twelve, thirteen guys. And you, Jim, who who are you excited about? Oh, with UCLA, um, Jordan Payton's all right. He's a pretty solid wide receiver. Um, Paul Perkins is uh, a tough little back. But um, that's about it. Um, Thomas Duarte is pretty good. I like him. Um, when it comes, I mean, when it comes to UCLA, it really comes to Josh Rosen on the offense. 
I don't think the offense is really that talented across the board. I mean, it's good. It's solid. It's a it's a Pac-12 offensive unit, but I don't really see anybody who really sticks out as being really um, extreme, extremely dynamic as a player on offense. And uh, that'll that'll be kind of up to Rosen to kind of spread the ball around to get people involved and that sort of stuff, um, which is a lot to ask of a young guy. Um, but you know we'll see, and I and I do want to see Josh Rosen because you know he's been hyped a lot. Uh, you know, Donovan's obviously talked a lot about him, um, interviewed him, and everything else, whole nine yards. So I kind of want to see. Uh, plus, he's the chosen Rosen, right? I mean, you yeah. know, you got to check the chosen Rosen. Jim, yeah. if you died without seeing Josh Rosen play, you could count your life as a life that <laughs> was not well lived. Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of want to see what it's kind of like, you know, people like, you know, uh, you want to see a dead body and be like, eh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I got to check it out. Yeah, I've never seen one of those, so I've never seen a rope before. So, there you go. Um, uh, Kenny Clark. Oh, sorry. Oh, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to ask you and Bill, uh, do you guys remember the last time a quarterback of a true freshman had this much expectation <laughs> um, coming in as a true freshman? I mean, most true freshmen don't even start, you know, let alone have Nike ads about them as 18-year-olds. So, I mean. Nike ads? Yeah, you didn't see the Nike ad this morning, the Rosen one? They made the little, like. Yeah. Or not Nike, Adidas, sorry. So, Adidas, yeah. Adidas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adidas. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Clausen, I mean, he had a lot of height, but that's, I, think that, I think that's he's the most hot quarterback. Yeah, he has a limo. What's his name? Um, who'd you say? You mean Hummer limo, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stretch Hummer. Five ring or four ring. Mink coat wearing. Spiky <laughs> <laughs> <Mikey> hair having. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Sherrod Pryor had a certain amount of height coming in, obviously, but nothing yeah. quite like this, probably now. Social media. I don't know. I, I think I think it, social media has a lot to do with that. I'd have to do a study on the height. You know, how many, how much his name was was mentioned for endorsement, stuff like that. I don't know. He's just a very hyped quarterback. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Um, the funny thing about him being hyped is that he's never on Twitter. He doesn't really hype himself. Like Jimmy Clausen, Troy Pryor hypes himself, especially Jimmy. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. this guy doesn't really care about that. I mean, he doesn't. Josh Rosen does not care at all about any hype. He just wants to win every football game that he plays for four years. If he can go 42-0 and 0 or whatever, <laughs> that's what he wants to do. Yeah, but he's doing the – it's a good approach to doing the opposite. He's basically, like – showing stuff off and not talking, so he's like a mystery now, you know? He's like, who is this? He doesn't speak much, does he? Well, we got to go see, you know, we got to go see, you know, it's like a different uh, strategy, you know? Instead of showing the monster, you just show parts of the monster, you know, uh, a little bit, trickle, trickle out sort of approach to uh, unveiling yourself, um, which, of course, is probably just his personality, but um, I'm just, anyways, um, no, I, I don't he, he is definitely a very hyped quarterback, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know where he stacks up with other sort of 
guys. We'll just have to see what he ends up becoming. I mean, you know, Ron Paulus arrived at Notre Dame with, you know, uh, uh, someone say, oh, well, not someone, Lou Holtz saying he was going to win four Heisman trophies. I mean, there have been guys with that hype before. But, yeah, I think the difference, is, as Donald pointed out, one is, you know, they televise these QB camps. They televise these things. And their social media. Those are probably the two different things. But, yeah, there's been, you know, ludicrous hype around guys in the past who just didn't have as many different ways to be hyped. Uh, right. Yeah, that's all right. And he, play, he did play in the greatest game of high in history. You know, that most hyped game, too, last year on TV. So. Oh. That helps. Yeah. Was it really so the greatest game of high school football history? It, uh, it wasn't the greatest, but it was the most it was the most watched game <laughs> in high school football history. I mean, you know, Gorman and um and, and Bosco last year. Which it was fun, man. There was it was it felt like I was at an NFL game almost with the celebrities there. So <laughs> he was a part of that. You know, they lost, but yeah. he played good. Yeah. That's how you know you had a really good game if Eva Longoria is there and you know, oh look, there's you know. Imagine, Imagine Dragons plays the halftime show. They're like a Grammy oh, nominated band. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the, the, so you know, you might have moved some guys up, another star, some some guys might be uh, going to like a two star to a three star, a three to a four because of Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons. I don't know. It's a good band. They're solid. Not, not a bad band at all. Pretty good. They went to Bishop Gorman, though, so that's why. I mean, <laughs> so. They're just alumni, you know. They could have had the Killers, you know. They went there too, so that's that's one of my favorite bands. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That has, you know, social media though, social media. It's uh, sure. and like Jim, Jim said, mystery. I didn't think of it that way. Definitely, um, him not really being active on Twitter and having a, he doesn't have an Instagram or a Facebook or anything like that, and he doesn't really talk that much. So, um, you know, when he does, it's kind of about like not football. So <laughs> yeah, let's talk about. Science and like <laughs> not not football that's stuff. That's the legend, Josh Rose, before the legend even began. You know, I talked to a quarterback that changed my life, and he never <laughs> talked about football. Never talked, and he didn't have a quarterback coach. No private quarterback coach. See, that's to the hype as well. That's like you know Matthew Staffording it up, as they like to say. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, other other UCLA defense. I mean, Kitty Clark. I definitely am interested to see what he does. Um, Eddie Vanderdose. Sure. Uh, Miles Jack is probably their best defensive player coming in. Um, I still really want him to bump up his solo tackle market share. That's the only big thing. Tape wise, he's extremely athletic. Uh, he can play a variety of positions. He can play safety for crying out loud. Really wanted him to, because um, yep. uh, he's just that athletic. But he just hasn't really had the elite pursuit linebacker type of uh, impact that, which could happen this year definitely. I mean, the other thing too is Eric Kendrick. Yeah, last year was the one who was kind of racking up, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, Miles Jack can kind of do this year. It's just sort of like you know, okay, confirmation that you you can you can be a the primary pursuit linebacker of a team and and take on all that stuff um, as an elite player. Because uh, there's lots of guys that are very athletic that don't really do that. They end up being good NFL players, but they're not really elite ones. I just want kind of confirmation that 
he's as special of a player as possible. And that really happens when you show on the field that, hey, I'm the I'm the guy, you know, as a as a pursuit linebacker. Um, Fabian Moreau, I kind of want to watch because I'm not a big fan of his. I've seen him in the top fives of people cornerback ratings, and I don't really understand why from all the stuff I've seen. So I kind of want to go back and watch some more of him, see if there's something I'm missing or not. Um, I mean, he's not a bad corner. I just think that there's better corners than him, you know, um, that people, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing. Let's um, kind of see what he does. And... Um, and just check out the, the secondary, too. Uh, I know they got a, a freshman se- se- uh, safety um, and Jaleel uh, Wudu. So, I don't know. I just kind of want to see what they do overall at UCLA. But um, I don't think they're going to win. I don't know. It, it, they have a chance, definitely. But I just don't think that the, the offensive talent is as good um, as it probably like for a college offense, there's not a ton of really di- really dynamic players on it, so it's really going to have to be a team team, a very team based offense, which can happen. It's just I just uh, you know when you have a freshman quarterback coming in, even if he is a chosen one, um, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be answered, and which won't really be answered until he plays uh, football. So um, that's that's the biggest thing for me at least is UCLA. Um, in that particular game, I'll be uh, wanting to see that. And Virginia, it's just Quinn Blanding, and that's about, you know, that's all there, really. Uh, I know that there's other people there, and they probably are going to have an offense, and they're probably going to have some corners and some linebackers and uh, some wide receivers. You know, they're going to be a quarterback there. But uh, I'm really going to be looking at Quinn Blanding. That's really all I'm really – you know, and if, if somebody else pops out while watching Clint Blanding, you know, or watching a UCLA player, then I'll be, oh, oh, oh that guy, interesting. But other than that, no, not really. What, what, do you, what, do you got, what do you think about uh, Ismail Adams' um, suspension, um, Jim? Oh, Adams, uh, Ismail Adams? Yeah. Oh, why did he get suspended? <laughs> um, he stole an iPhone from an Uber driver. Oh. Yeah, so I don't he know really, when he's going to. Yeah, allegedly, of course. Got to use that word. Yeah, it's pretty stupid to steal an iPhone. They can track iPhones these days, so you guys know. Um, I, You know, I don't know. He's a young guy. Um, so, hmm. He's a corner I like a lot, even though I know he's he's small. He's only five eight, but um, I thought he was really kind of the heart and soul. I mean, he was a, um, you know, one of the local leaders the past couple of years on that team. So I thought, you know, I mean, this stealing, is a big loss. I don't think it hurt him yeah, today, but stealing is a lot better than you know violence. So there's that. Yeah. I guess. On a, on a tier of of bad things you could do, stealing is kind of like here. Violence is kind of like here, so and it's allegedly stealing too. I don't know. That just sounds kind of odd. You steal an iPhone from an Uber driver? I don't know. Yeah, a, I don't know. 
weird. Yeah, he's, he, you know, got arrested and kind of has a robbery charge now, so I don't know. He's suspended indefinitely, so I'm not sure. So he, like, yeah. took the phone and ran, or? I guess that's what happened. Now, I don't want to speculate these things, Jim, you know. I, know. I, mean, I, know, some, I know some people at UCLA, you know what I mean? There's some, some different, there's, there's conflicting stories, so I don't know, but. Uh, it's just when you say, like, you say robbery, you're you're implying that he basically was like, "Hey, give me that phone, or I'm kick you." Yeah, ass. well, that's what the Uselated Police Department said that he t- used force to take the cell yes. phone from the Uber driver. Um, his bail was a hundred thousand dollars. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a that was an All Pac-12 guy last year, and you know, he actually had a really bad off season. You know, he he was All Pac-12, but um. He got outplayed by by Fabian um, Monroe, I guess I say his last name, and then uh, Marco Marcos uh, Marcus Rios, who came back from you know he, he had was scared, off- health scare what? last year. He was all so, packed twelve this year. He was all packed twelve, or his second team all packed twelve. Yeah, he was. Oh. As well. and I was like, that's why I liked him a lot. I mean, I know he's undersized, but uh, you know he was going to be the nickel guy this year because Rios came back. Uh, Rios had the meningitis. He lost so much weight. But he's back yeah. and he's, he's healthy now. Um, I know uh, Rich Manila did an interview with him. It was really good. He went down. He dropped uh, 37 pounds um, and was just really sick, man. That's a tough thing to come, you know, overcome, obviously. Um, but he's back and he looks really good. He outplayed um, um, Adams. And I think Adams is going to move to the nickel. They play three corners anyway. He is a, he's a starter still, even though he's a third corner. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that's a big loss as far as the season goes. Maybe not this Virginia game, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how Mora handles off the field stuff. I mean, they've had a lot of things happen this year. <laughs> you feel like so? Um, seems like they're doing a pretty good job of handling it, though. Yeah. Also, unfortunate news, but uh, Trey McBride has been cut by the Tennessee Titans. Well, it's unfortunate news for the Titans. It's great news for some quarterback-starved team. I mean, not quarterback, wide receiver-starved team Panthers, um, who should probably be on the phone with his agent already. So they cut Trey McBride and they keep Justin Hunter. Mm-hmm. Which money, is fine. Money, money, Yep. Once again, if I'm the <laughs> Panthers, I'm already on the phone with Trey McBride's agent. The the pants, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be. <laughs> I don't know about that though. I mean, Trey McBride's not six foot five and ran a four seven forty, and uh, he didn't do any of that stuff. You know, he actually ran like four four, and you know. So what you're implying is he's not ponderous enough for their offense. I guess. I don't know. I just that's crazy. Why would the hell would you do that? Hmm. They kept they kept quitting spin though. That's the only thing I'm happy about. Oh yeah, that's good news. Yeah. That's weird. Because I thought spin was gonna get cut. But anyway, because uh, everybody kept saying he's struggling, he's struggling. Goes in the preseason game and he's out running the running back on a pull pulling play. It's like yeah, duh, you know. 
That's how fast he moves on the run, you know, on the move, on the hoof. But anyways, yeah. Do you guys see Jim Moore, like, running up the freaking, like, stadium stairs? Well, this guy is so in shape. Sorry, I had to throw that in there, but we were just talking about he was 51 or whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, Jim Mora, Charlie Shane, Strong, man. and Larry Fedora, <laughs> if there's ever, like, a coach, like, superstars competition for coaches in the FBS, I'm thinking he's going to be in the top three. He, Fedora, and um, and Charlie Strong are going to be in that competition tight. I think I give a slight edge to Mora in some of the things that are endurance-based. Fedora is extremely nimble. And uh, in very good shape. He's competed in triathlons, in fact. And, of course, Charlie Strong is, well, he's Charlie Strong. I mean, that's kind of reason he's, I mean, he's Charlie Strong for a reason. He is, Charlie is strong. He's strong. I hey, mean, they, don't, don't, count out, uh, don't count out my guy, uh, Coach Hanson, too, man. He's a younger guy. He can, he can hang. That's true. <laughs> I know he's not right. that he's not right. super athletic. I mean, but you know, <laughs> no, but his age helps, I guess. <laughs> yeah, how tall? How tall is Charlie Charlie Strong anyway? Well, Short. despite what you may have seen, he's he's like five nine and change. Oh, he's not a five, midget. Nine? I thought he was like five six with that picture. Like, <laughs> no, that's. I don't know if they've been altered or people are just making fun or something, but no, he's not fine. I think it's I think it's altered. I think it's altered because I saw another photo of him on the podium. No, no assistance needed. So I don't know. I just saw that. Uh, like, some Oklahoma that? fan. Some Oklahoma fan did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Well, yeah. they have Mayfield, so they're the real laughing stock. Oh, he's better than Tyrone Swoops, but I mean, you can have him <laughs> if you want. Mm. Or draw Hurd. I mean, he hasn't played yet. So I don't know how good he is, but he'll, okay. he'll, he'll play. To, he'll play today. Hurd, they're gonna play both. Yeah, that's true. I want to see Hurd. I mean, I, I like I was telling Bill earlier. I want to see. I want to see these guys, man. You know, the, you talk about them yeah. for a while. Either the transfers or or the Rosen one or or whoever. You know, I want to see him. Tape, now you want to see him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, uh, Hayden Re- saw Hayden Reddick and then Chad Kelly earlier today. Um, mm-hmm. Both guys haven't played in a while, so they look pretty good versus the um, SDS schools. But, uh, yeah, I want to see him too. Uh, let's see, is there any other games worth mentioning in terms of prospects. Uh, Let's see. I left one out. Uh, Oh, Penn State Temple. Is that game coming on right now at the 1230 spot? Not quite, but soon. Soon, yeah. Or 330 Eastern. Okay. Soon, yeah, I mean. Now, obviously, there's one extremely discussed player who will be in that game. Oh, you mean Anthony Zettel? Exactly. P.J. Walker. Yes, those guys. <laughs> they were. Yeah. Um, 
no big tall white people, right? Not none of those. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine who you could mean. I don't know. Um, choir boy sort of looking people, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, Christian Hagenberg playing Temple, if he plays well, is that really going to prove anything? Is Temple really the he's, – he's back? Because if he gets back – because this is the thing. If, if the misconceptions that Hackenberg had a freshman season – to where you you as an NFL evaluator just go, you know, you, you take off all your clothes, you go, embrace me, Hackenberg. Like, he didn't have that type of freshman season. He had a promising freshman season um, where he made some good throws here and there. He also had really bad interceptions at times, which people kind of forgave him for because of the fact that, well, you know, he was trying to make a play here and there. Um, it's just that when he the talent diminished and everything else, and then he kept doing the same thing, it, you know, bad things happened. Um, but I mean, sure, I want to see if Hackenberg has improved in terms of just consistency with his accuracy and stuff like that, and all that other kind of stuff. But I, I don't know if Temple is really going to uh, change my mind on 100. percent I want to see him play a couple other games. Um, and P.J. Walker is definitely a big-time player. Struggled last year, uh, played better the year before, but he's de- but he is a fun player to watch, though. Um, he, he has a lot of tools, as I like to say, that are kind of interesting. Okay, so... Same question to you, Donovan. Uh, in that Penn State Temple matchup, who are some of the guys that you have on your list? Um, yeah, both quarterbacks. Um, PJ Walker, Christian Hackenberg, of course, um, are, are good, you know, players. Uh, I want to see more PJ Walker. I didn't get a chance to watch too much Temple, so I want to tell you list. Um, Colin Thompson, um, the tight end there. I want to see um, Kyle Friend is a senior um, center um, that I want to see as well play. Uh, I like the center class this year a lot. It's a really good class. I think the best center I actually about to play, Jake Brindle, uh, I think he's a really good center too. He kinda, they're kind of similar, but, I mean, he's like a poor man's Jake Brindle, <laughs> um, Kyle Friend. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then, yeah, on the Penn State side, um, you know, they have Deshaun Hamilton at receiver. Um, they have a running back, um, gosh, uh, uh, Kill Lynch, can think of his name, Kill Lynch, that, that's solid. Uh, he has a better supporting cast around him this year. Uh, the line's still, um, not good, <laughs> but, I mean, Kyle Carter and Adam Brenneman's finally back, a tight end I want to see. Um, he was the number one tight end in the country a couple of years ago. He's finally going to get a chance to play. He, he had an ACL last year, but, um, yeah, I want to see him. Um, Geno Lewis, Greg Garrity, that's a pretty solid, you know, three wide receivers right there. Like I said, both tight ends are solid. Kakar is a little bit more than solid. He's a good tight end. And Akil Lynch is good. So, I mean, yeah, this is my year for to, to watch Hack. Yeah, he doesn't have uh, any excuses this year. Um, he plays good like he did in that bowl game. Um, he can feed off that, and then he'll be all right. If he goes back to 
the old bad hack, then, you know, that's it is what it is, I guess, you know. <laughs> it's not, not going to hurt my feelings too much. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's a good quarterback. But uh, he's got better sportcast this year. Um, Anthony Zettel, of course, um, is, you know, a uh, great defensive tackle. And um, Jordan Lucas, you know, the captain of, of, the, of the squad in the backfield. I want to see how good he can play. And uh, I, I do like um, Grant Haley and Trevor Williams. They're okay. They're solid. Uh, Trevor Williams is a, only a sophomore, but um, I think he's a pretty solid um, corner. So there's, there's a few guys I want to see um, in this game, for sure, especially on Penn State side. Um, both tight ends. I really do want to see how they use two tight ends this year. Yeah, I'm interested to see how both teams' linebacker cores and secondaries hold up. So PJ Walker is not, you know, a top prospect to be well, to be anything probably at the next level. He's a handful at times in college, and sometimes even good defenses struggle. I mean, you know, obviously see you know, see USC, Texas, a, a truly excellent mobile quarterback to make even good defenses look bad. At least you can see just how they handle P.J. Walker. And, you know, obviously they, they're a downhill. Or they wanted to be, I mean, once again, it's, it's a spread, downhill yet spread, uh, whatever you want to observe. Uh, spread downhill run. I don't know what the term to use is, but they want to run the football uh, a lot, as often as humanly possible. If you saw how Tyler Murphy was used by Coach Adazio, even they have a new coach. I mean, Adazio is no longer at Temple, but the same kind of thing that BC did with Tyler Murphy is the kind of thing they'd like to do if they could uh, with P.J. Walker with Temple. And if they're able to get their running game going, they'll be able to pass some off of it and make this an interesting game. Okay. Any games that we missed that have... Well, I was asked. Any games that we didn't mention that you have prospects that intrigue you, Jim, or... uh... Or Donovan? Have we even discussed us yet? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton, but I mean, I know show for time. Other games about to and everything, but uh, I mean, the ASU, ASU A&M. Game oh, that's the one. God, that's the one I went to respect. Thank you for yeah. reminding me. Good I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people. Have, you know, we were talking a lot of discussion. You know, this is the start of the football season. What, what do you want to see the most? That's the game. Um, I mean, the player I want to see the most was Josh, and then probably. Um, Monday night, you know, Ohio State, but um, as far as just game, uh, not just one player, one storyline, everything is, is ASU versus um, A&M. Um, some of it is just honestly recruiting. Uh, this is a neutral site, and then neutral site with quotations. It's in Houston. Um, going to be a pro A&M crowd <laughs> at the Reliance Stadium. But, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's recruits down there in Texas. Um, Todd Graham's actually obviously from Texas. He does a really good job of recruiting there. Um, and he's going up against um, guys that are killing it in Texas at recruiting, um, Coach Spaz and, and uh, Coach Sumlin. Um, 
Kyle Allen going up against a uh, school that recruited him heavy because he's from Arizona. Um, one of Mike Bar- Barakovici, um, starting that quarterback, DJ Foster, Demario Rashard. Guys all over the field, man. I mean, loaded. <laughs> you know, uh, those receivers at A&M are, uh, you know, I talked about the Baylor receivers. I mean, the A&M guys are right there with them, um, I believe. So, uh, Speedy Noel is um, a guy I want to see. Him and Kyle Allen look really good at, at spring ball. They're roommates. Um, you know, they've been friends since um, – guy, you know, that's how this recruiting is right now. They've been friends since um, middle school. They're at the same camp <laughs> in eighth grade, and they're from totally different parts of the country. But um, social media and camps really help out, help that out, and they've been throwing um, – or he's been throwing a speed well for a, for a while um, now because he was a seven-on-seven teammate as well. And Josh Reynolds, Speedy Noel, Christian Kirk, a true freshman that's going to get a start, and Ricky Seals Jones. Um, and you still got Sabian Holmes and Edward Pope as the five and six wide receivers. I mean, you're loaded there. Uh, Mike Matthews, another Matthews <laughs> um, at center. Uh, one of the, I think he's the second best center in the country behind Brindle. Uh, Trey Carson is the best running back they've had in a long time at A&M. Um, not deep at running back, but just Trey Carson's enough. Um, and, you know, they got the, the freak, Miles Garrett, uh, on the line. And uh, improving secondary with John Chavis, still going to be weak a little bit. But I do like Brandon Williams and Devontae Harris, who's a fourth-year starter. Um, Justin Dunning, I get playing time, the true freshman. So this is a, a team that uh, I like, Drew, Drew Kayser. Um, he's a punter, but um, he's probably one of the better punters in the uh, uh, not not name uh, what's the kid from Utah? I think mean, he's probably the best player in the, in the college football. But uh, Drew Cage is really good too. So yeah, I mean this is a, a really intriguing matchup. Um, uh, so many points. <laughs> we'll probably yeah. score this game. Um, all the points. <laughs> all the points. And they're doing it different. You know they're going to run the ball more. Um, you're going to get the, the run game going if you're Arizona State. Um, you know, I think A&M's going to run a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's a four-wide receiver set. They got the receiver to do it. Um, Speedy and Noel is doing kick return, punt return, everything. Um, <laughs> and I want to see how they use D.J. Foster this year. Um, he's going to be a receiver now. So, um, you know, that's a new thing. Devin Lucian transferred from UCLA, um, graduate student, transferred from UCLA to Arizona State. So he's going to be a guy that gets some playing time. Um, big, big role. Um yeah, man. I mean, that defense, though, uh, they lost to the Juco guy. Um, he's out, you know, he has a rape charge, so he's not on the team anymore. But um, it's pretty serious stuff, you know, stuff going on right now with that. But uh, he's kicked off the team. DJ Calhoun, though, is great. And I like Lloyd Carrington. I think Lloyd Carrington uh, is going to lead the Pac 12 in interception. Um, is he the best corner? No, but he finds the ball really well up in the air. And he's got hops. He's, he's, a, he's a hurdle guy on the ASU track team. So, uh, you know, this guy is a, reportedly has like a 39, 40 inch vertical. Um, skinny guy, but, you know, 6'1 can find the ball in the air. So I like Lloyd Carrington a lot, too. And uh, we'll see. You know, I think AM gets the W. So just being at home pretty much and just think their defense is better. John Chavis is going to find a way to kind of shut down uh, Mike Viravici today, I think. Uh, I think he'll throw for a lot of yards, but um, kind of just, you know, not effective. Yards really. Got it. Okay, Jim, who? 
Who are you excited about seeing? Um, you mean in the uh, Arizona uh, State a- and Texas A&M? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all all the wide receivers. Um, all of them. I can't give you all the names. I could just have to say all of them. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Miles Garrett, definitely on defense. See where he's at. See if he's added some. That's the only thing I want Miles Garrett to do is to not pull a Randy Gregory. Get some freaking weight on you, man. Uh, I know it's nice. He can squat and do all sorts of crazy, ridiculous things in the gym, but add some, you know, add some mass to you, you know. Just get to get to about 260, 255, somewhere around there. Um, that way Lyle Collins doesn't do what he did to you at LSU again. Um, you don't want that to happen to you, Miles Garrett, so put, put some freaking weight on. Um the safety at Texas A and M too. Forgot his name, but uh he's a guy that also I want to see what he kinda of does. Um he was kind of a half half involved, half not. <clears throat> um the offensive line um center center wise at A and M Mike Matthews kinda of wanna see what he does. And German Fetty at right tackle is a guy that I've been kind of watching and uh, wondering, you know, what's going to happen with him. Um, the safety, by the way, is Armani Watts. So um, he's the guy that I want to see what he does. Um, this year, Arizona State. Mm, not a lot of guys. Um, that I'm really excited to see. Um, there's a lot of new faces there. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot of new faces at Arizona State. But there wasn't a ton of guys last year that really impressed me on their defense or their offense. So I kind of i am going in a, on a blank slate. Um, other than DJ Foster, who's now a wide receiver, so, yeah, um, and we'll kind of see how that kind of goes. Probably most likely we'll be in the, maybe in the slot or some, something like that, um, kind of be the primary slot receiver boundary, something like that, I guess, is something that's possible for him. But uh, it's really all uh, on A&M, you know. I mean, A&M has invested tons of resources as Donovan could probably say in recruiting wide receivers and uh, keeping keeping on getting them, you know. Why stop now? Let's get another one type sort of mentality. I kind of really want to see what the what the what they do with that, you know, with that fireworks show, you know. Uh, so <laughs> that's really what I want to see. What 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 which quarterback would you rather have in this game? You take the veteran or the or the young guy? Oh, you mean with uh, Allen? Yeah, Allen and uh, Berkovici. Yeah, I'd go Kyle Allen. I mean, Allen wasn't terrible last year, um, and yeah, you'd have to go with the veteran guy. You know, 
Um, but this, of course, would mean not having seen the other guy. So I haven't really seen the other guy. I just okay, feel yeah. like, you know, I just feel like, hey, he played last year, developed chemistry with the guys coming in this year, carrying over. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. And besides that, Donovan, again, it's not a hard – not a hard offense, really. I mean, other than getting, you know, the hand signals down and understanding the route concept. Um, so, um, I think, and, and when you have that many wide receivers, too, um, to pick from, uh, you should do well. So, I, I don't expect him to be struggling or anything else like that um, in that offense if he really gets everything down 100%. So, I think they'll be fine with him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I say Kyle and too. I like both quarterbacks. You know, Bruce Vici had some time last year when um, Taylor Kelly went down. Um, I mean, he looked better than him um, sometimes when he was playing when he had to come in. But uh, oh yeah, Allen's just got the supporting cast by far. <laughs> it's not really close. You know, I know Arizona State is a team that has gotten a lot of dark horse buzz as far as being a college football playoff team. I just mm-hmm. I'm not really buying it right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love Todd Graham um, and what he's doing um, because he's doing a little bit of everything. He's got his JUCO guys, he's getting in-state guys, and he's he's getting he's getting even five star, not so much, but five, four star guys. He's getting um, and he's got a bunch of quarterbacks, so he's doing it right. But you know, I'm still dude, they're a little bit away from just being a college football playoff team. Um, even though I guess you know last year they were. Right there. I mean, the last two years I've been right there. So, I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it this year. I don't know. Uh, just not the defense, like you said, Jim. Defense kind of not. DJ eh. Calhoun, like I said, I like him. But other than that, and Lloyd Carrington, but so that's enough to get to the, you know, the top. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so it sounds like everybody is pretty solidly on Texas A&M in that game. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I feel like a lot of people want to pick Arizona State and win, but they're just going with Texas Nobody, nobody <laughs> can do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, no one <laughs> yeah, no one's out of Tempe is picking them. You lose a lot with, of money. If you need. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, they're like the, the, the out west here. I mean, I don't know – What's going on up in gym up in the Fresno area? But out here, I was going to say it's kind of the the sexy dark horse team to the alternate uh, training team to win the, the Pac-12. Um, a lot of people are picking UCLA or Oregon or USC, those three. But uh, the fourth team I keep hearing is definitely Arizona State. Hmm. Well, I mean, Arizona State. From what I know about that program, they're going to be a solid program. They're going to win some games, including maybe some games that might surprise you. But I just can't see them playing for a Pac-12 championship. Not not this year. I can't see it. Too young on defense. What's such as that? They have to – what Graham's done, which I admire, is – He's taken a very money ball approach to recruiting in that, you know, we're not going to get the six foot five 
six-foot-six guys defense-wise on our team. We're going to have to get shorter guys, but that were productive in high school or, you know. Super, were, super productive, right. Yeah, super productive in high or or were really intelligent or, you know, whatever. Basically, like if Vernon Adams was around, I, you know, when he was thing, I would not be surprised if he took a chance on him. If he really you know. for getting a thing, because that's what he's kind of going for. He's trying to go for like the the misfits, the 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 people who nobody else wanted, but are actually good football players. And that can work. The, the problem though is, I you know you have to keep it up. You have to keep doing that. And even when you hit and you do the highest level as possible with getting those guys, they do have limitations, which you already knew about when you got those guys. You know, um, like you knew they had limitations coming in, but you thought these things would make up for it, and you found success because of it. But it, but then you go up against that six foot five guy who is as good as your guy, and unfortunately, the six foot five guy usually wins. If he's as good as your guy, so, um, but I do admire what he does. Um, I just think this year there's a lot of unknowns. Like I think that's kind of what Donovan's really kind of getting at is, um, I don't really. There's, there's a lot of things to this defense and the offense too that are just unknowns to me. You know, so he may have got this really sick JUCO guy, or he may have got this really sick high school recruit somewhere, you know, something. He might have got something really interesting, but he hasn't unboxed it and let it roam around and, you know, do anything yet. So, which obviously is what this game is going to be all about. It's unboxing some of those things, and hopefully they show up, you know. If they don't show up, then they're going to have problems. But as far as winning a Pac-12 championship, they would just need to have everything go right. They'd have to be at the top of their game when it came to recruiting, um, getting getting the getting the gold where everybody else saw trash, and uh, that is tough to do, you know. It's tough to do, but he's been doing a really good job. But he has to do better, and I'm pretty sure he probably worked his ass off just to get to the good. So that's the thing. That's the only thing is how much harder can you work when you're working as hard as you basically can. Um, it's the only worry I have in terms of a program like that because uh, you just need a little luck to really do something like that. But it's only, but it's only going to be a one-time thing, though. That's the other thing, too. It's only going to be a one-time thing. You're not going to keep that up forever because you need a little luck involved when you're trying to build a program to win, you know, win a championship that way. Yeah. yeah I agree. I, I, uh, right. That's, and that's the thing we talk about with a lot of these programs. You know, I fall in love with Boise. I fall in love with certain programs, but there is sort of a, a cap that it's hard to, to break through when you can't get the best of the best. I mean, as much as I love the two stars and the one stars and the zero stars, and some of those guys end up being better football players than the four and five stars we talk about, but when you – there's a an effect that – these guys draw each other. I mean, um, uh, Donna talks about it, how the guys recruit each other. And if you're getting great guys and then getting other great guys, and they play with other great guys and they know these guys from camp, blah, blah, blah. You start building a culture of getting these, you know, awesome Goliaths and 
you build, you know, a Alabama, USC, whatever kind of monster flagship program. But if you can't do that, you've got to be, as we explained, you've got to work harder and be smarter and you've got to do all these, you know, extra special, amazing things. You've got to out-coach people and out-scheme them and trick them and horn-swaggle them and all these other things to make up for what you can't just do by lining up and just bashing people's heads in or, you know, going being faster or being whatever. I mean, Baylor goes out there and it's like, okay, um, we're going to see if you have good enough athletes at these positions to match up with these extremely explosive dudes we're going to line up across from you with. And good luck. If you've got the guys who can do it, you've got a chance to beat us. But they know that 98 times out of 100, somebody on the other team is not going to be a good enough athlete to stay with, you know, Kendall Wright that, or Coleman. That's a good example for, for Arizona State because Baylor program that, you know, is similar. And, I mean, Baylor is starting to win battles in state. And that's what's yes, making Baylor Baylor. Uh, Arizona State, this was supposed to be their year where they got – because Arizona, this was uh, – you know, Arizona's a solid high school state, but they're, they're really, really good at high school football, Arizona, especially that Chandler, uh, Arizona, oh, and uh, yeah. uh, Phoenix suburb region. Um, they're losing right. battles in state still. Once they stop doing that – I mean, this year was supposed to be so big for them. Everyone was saying they might have a top five, top ten class. Uh, ended up not being top 25. They lost a lot of battles. Um, they lost Kyle Allen, Christian Kirk, to A&M. Um, um, two guys in state. They thought they were going to get Kyle Allen, which they thought they were going to get Speedy Noel because that was a package deal, and they didn't get any of them. So uh, Christian Kirk, they're all A&M. You know, A&M's dipping into their state. Arizona, they're fighting with them, the Wildcats. Uh, they got a new Solomon. That was the guy they wanted. Um, the Nevada, you know, Bishop Corbin <laughs> Centennial, so, those two high schools. What you're saying, Donovan, is there's a little bit of Arizona State wanting to payback. Is that what you're trying to say? They do want payback, yeah. They, they, you know, they just stole. I mean, Kyle Allen and, and Christian Kirker. Yeah, they stole two guys basically. You know, you know, Kyle Allen. I, I won't say that was, you know, he had A and M and Arizona on his list too. But um, yeah, they're going against three guys that they put a lot of investment in. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of investment in. So it, it's tough. Him. You lose recruiting battles with in that. state. Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just said that makes this game a little bit more interesting, Donovan. Um, mm-hmm. Put it that way. You got a jersey with your name yeah. on it, mate. It's, uh, it's the guys, like you said, uh, the outcasts. They're not the rejects. I'm not going to say that. They, you know, they're not <laughs> that. They're not like two stars, one star. I mean, they're the guy, Mike Veravici, you know, he's from San Diego. Um, we were originally from Calabasas, but, you know, he transferred out there um, as a junior high school, and he got into recruiting. No, that was the only. This is the only power five school that gave him a scholarship. You know, he was going to go to SDSU, but um, he he wanted to choose uh this this school. Um, um, the, the big loss for them is um for me is Devon uh, Durant. That was a, they finally got the one four star five star guy, and he is kicked off the team his first year. So <laughs> um, he was a JUCO <laughs> guy um that got in trouble um out of high school. He turned it around a little bit when he went to Butler in Kansas Community College. He was the number one defensive player uh, at JUCO. Um, you know, he signed with Arizona State, got kicked off the team like three weeks later. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of had bad luck. He would have been a really impactful linebacker with uh, DJ Calhoun, but he lost. 
that battle. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, there's a little rivalry going on today, though, a little bit, just in the high school ranks. They've got four of the top players from Arizona on A&M. So, trying to get a little bit of payback, I guess. Well, makes sense. Maybe they maybe they do it. Um, I doubt it, though, but we'll see. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it, too. <laughs> and then what I, especially with Chavis um, running the show on defense now instead of Snyder. Um, well, it, makes a, it makes a world of difference. No disrespect to Mark Snyder. Yeah. But, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, as a defensive coordinator, I mean, I do like what they're doing there. I hope they keep building on it. That's what I – that's honestly the other thing I want to see Texas A&M do. They have Miles Garrett. They have Armani Watts. But could you get Garrett a tag team guy, right? Could you get him something on the other side of him and maybe something on the inside? Like, just fill the rest out, I guess. Right. I want to see that stuff yeah. happen. Yeah. I do. Yeah, hey, I want to see him build off of it, too. That's a promising program. Um, they're probably the program that's still not a, a five-star program. Yeah, I would say they're a four-star program, but they're on that springboard to being a – this could be the year. Maybe – I think they're one year away. I don't think this is the year for them to to do it. But next year, man, that team's going to be – they have a lot of true sophomores. You know what I mean? So um, a lot of true sophomores. Um, Todd Graham, you know, someone lets this guy play early. You know, Todd Graham is the king of redshirt. So <laughs> he loves the redshirt players. Even if they're top-rated guys, he just likes to redshirt them. Because, you know, he, he doesn't get as many guys like that. So he has to keep them around for longer. Yeah. By the way, Bill, these yeah. Virginia helmets are amazingly <laughs> sick. <laughs> That's all I have yeah. to say. The kids are going to yeah. like these Virginia helmets a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the kids are going to enjoy nice, them. They're nice, man. They're nice. They're not quite Oregon yet, but, yes, they've got a little flavor. A little bit, yeah, yeah a little bit. The Matt Johns era begins. Yes, it does. And once again, it's a place where kids can get a good, solid education. Yeah, I, I hope my I hope my London get the six wins or seven or whatever he needs to do. I mean, I think he just needs to get the six in a bowl game. But I hope so, yeah. man. Cause he 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 he's had some tough breaks. Um, as far as just losing close games in the beginning, and now he's starting to get his class in. But is, is it too late? You know, I think this might be a situation where whoever comes in next might take Virginia to like the ACC title with Mike London's <laughs> players because <laughs> his recruiting class is good, man, the past few years, especially the, the blinding class. That was a class that, that that's considered the best Virginia class um, in the past, you know, whatever years, 20 years or whatever. So maybe ever. I don't know. You would know more than me, but they got one of their three. better recruiting classes now. Yeah. Back when recruiting was a little more, I don't know, primitive or whatever, they had a class they brought in, um, Patrick Kearney, Aaron Brooks, uh, the Barber Brothers. Uh, Didn't you also have James uh, Ferrier, too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, that was yeah. class might have been better than, than this. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So, yeah, I did back in the George Welsh right. case, they had a couple of pretty good classes. <laughs> Yeah, you lead, you lead with Patrick Kearney, and then you finish the deal with James Ferrier, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of pretty good dudes on that team, yeah. 
Um, the crazy thing was that the top-rated guy in that class was actually a running back named Terry Kirby, who ah. didn't end up becoming as awesome as people were expecting. He right. was the five-star in that class, actually. Most of those guys we just named were three- and four-star. Right. Yeah, and that class, star was Terry good. that class had on both sides of the ball. This, this one what was the 2014 class. They only had really defensive guys. They didn't have an offensive um, top guy. Yeah. Yeah, so like you said, so it's interesting how the whole, you know, star thing works out. You know, the the guy that everybody's all talking about, you know, had a decent college career, a good college career, and then had a, you know, short, somewhat uneventful professional career. But he was a Raider for a while, if I remember correctly. Is that correct, Jim? I think he was spent some time with the Raiders. Redskins, uh, too. Yeah, them, too. Uh, who was the guy? Terry Kirby from UC Virginia, running back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I could have sworn he spent a couple of years with the Raiders. For yeah, I think he did. I think, yeah. He was like the Redskins first and then the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost certain he spent at least two years with the Raiders. Probably did. And then, and then Justin Vargas came in and won yeah, the well, job yeah. after that. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of uh, Justin Vargas was sort of our spirit animal for a while. Well, you know, when that guy was was physically right, he was a woof. Oh, he was an awesome running back. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from Huggy Bear. I'm just saying that that he was a guy that I don't think got every opportunity he probably should have got to really, you know, do his thing. Because uh, that was when they were doing the, the free running back attack where we had Michael Bush, Darren McFadden, oh. Oh, you know. Yeah. And Derek McFadden was a high pick and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then he got hurt, and then Michael Bush got hurt, and then it's like, oh, Justin Fargus carried the team, and he's like, all right, I'll do this, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> you're only a shot till now, okay. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he definitely was a big, um, you know, contributor on offense for a while. Um, but we didn't win that many football games. But um, That's true. But uh, he was uh, – but we probably won some of them, possibly, because of his contributions, I guess. Uh, another guy I want to throw out, um, Jeremy Sprinkle, my guy, starting to show oh, up. Oh, yeah. UTEP, Arkansas. Uh, yep. So all you Hunter Henry fans are probably going to move to the side because here comes Jeremy <laughs> Sprinkle. Well, I'm assuming they're both going to see a fair amount of playing time. Probably going to see That's a fair what... amount of play. Dustin School is not afraid to play two tight ends. I Jeremy Sprinkle. I can advertise, promote Jeremy Sprinkle a lot better than Hunter Henry, you know. That's also true because he has another cool name. Yeah. Cool name, Jeremy Sprinkle. Have him, like, have, uh, like, I don't know, confetti or something in a bottle, and like, in his shoe or something, and then when he scores the touchdown, pulls it out. Bust out your Jeremy Sprinkles. Yeah, sprinkles it on the field. Yep, Jeremy Sprinkle. You've been sprinkled, and then everybody's like, "Oh, you know, type of thing." See, like it sounds funny, you know. You laugh at it, but you're like, "Oh, okay, 
I, I get it. I get right. It, yeah. And of Hunter course, Henry, you know, Hunter Henry's not a bad name. But no, it's not. Sort of professional wrestler ish. Uh, yeah. And then in the, obviously we, you know, the the running back by committee or whatever you want to call it, they had going in Arkansas has been shortened a bit. All Alex Collins, and I'm actually, um, kind of. I mean, of course, I never want to say ill of any running back, but. Now it's Alex Collins' show. I'm kind of a little happy. It's just him. Um, no more committee business, as I I don't like committee. So, um, so I I again I don't want to speak ill. I don't want to like say oh I'm happy that somebody was injured, but I'm just a little like yay no more busting in and busting out those guys. Just have one guy get all the snaps and then see what he does. You know. Right. I, I like both running backs, obviously. And I'm hoping that Williams will get his chance. And if he's able to come back 100% healthy next year, I suppose that'll be a chance for him to be, hopefully, the guy that gets the uh, he majority of the snaps. We don't know if that'll happen yet, but he's um, he might do that. So just to keep that in mind. Well, I guess there's that. I keep forgetting that. Guys don't care what kind of draft pick they get. I'll go ahead and declare anyway. Uh, of course, that's just right now, by the way. that's It can be totally different six months from now, you know. Um, when he when he goes, I want to declare early, then the NFL goes, who are you? I'm, I'm Jonathan Allen. I'm the running back at Arkansas. Arkansas. Alex Collins is the running back at Arkansas. I don't know who you are. You know, which can happen, by the way. So, um, I would suggest he stay in school, but he, you know, under kind of under you know, a little. I don't know. He got injured, and he's a little kind of bummed because he wanted to get to the NFL right away. So after this year, is that some inside information? A little bit or no? <laughs> no, that's that's uh, some, some James reading minds. Okay. My, <laughs> mind reader technology which is not real information and also from some he in interviews they he kind of I don't have like the actual transcripts of the interviews but he he said some statements when he was asked about stuff that made you go huh all right you know but he's thinking about uh, he's contemplating it I guess without outwardly saying it I guess so um, yeah the Rosen one is on the field. He's on. Call it the <laughs> The Rosen one. Yeah, I, people have also talked about Skipper. Now, you're the metrics guy. I'm assuming that once you get to a certain height, there's a sort of, I mean, height is an amazing thing and all that stuff, but at some point, it's a point of diminishing returns. If a guy is, I mean, a skipper too tall? I don't know. I don't know how tall he is. Um, the last time we had a guy who was six foot eight who was really good at alpha tackle was, uh, and I don't know. If, if Ogden, really, I'm assuming. <laughs> Whoa. The guy that's six foot eight. Uh, UCLA tackle, actually. Um, he. 
Herb Eaton? No. Um, <laughs> Recently. Um, UCLA offensive tackle was drafted in 1995. Oh, the guy that went to film school. Um, I know who you're talking about now. He was uh, Kay McNown's favorite offensive lineman. Um, gosh, I can see him now. I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. He, he was always, he back, yeah, he, he went to film school after. Um, Ravens. All right, this will be pretty easy. Ravens, Hall of Fame, OT. And his name is Jonathan Ogden. Now, I did say Jonathan. I said Jonathan Ogden already. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Sorry, I, I guess I'm not. <laughs> oh, he, he legit six foot eight though, right? Like when he yeah, had... he was legit six foot eight. There haven't been many okay. that really were legitimately six foot eight, but he he was for real. Um, well, through all the stuff that I do, there's been some six foot seven guys. This is a six foot eight, who's the only guy I have. That's as far back as I went, at least with trustworthy numbers I got, at least trustish numbers, because it's you know from newspaper articles and stuff like that, um, from that time period. But uh, yeah, I mean, six nine is pretty tall. That's all I can say. Uh, but again, uh, height, which as I've kind of already said, arm length is not is blah, trash. If you're basing everything on height, on on arm length, you're doing it wrong. It's height, mainly because of the leverage advantage. You know, if you can bend and you're tall, and you can bend as low as a guy six foot five, you have the leverage advantage there. And um, that's just well, is what it is. I don't see him as a six. I don't see the thing I would say is I don't see Skipper as a six foot nine guy that can bend as low as a shorter guy. And that's usually what these the 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 really tall offensive tackles they're failing usually is whether they can bend or not bend. So if they can bend, they usually do well. If they don't bend, they end up being kind of a bust, you know, to a certain extent because they can't, um, you know, because guys kind of can outmaneuver them, and really short guys give them a ton of trouble too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Dwight Freeney. And uh, that was all those guys really do well against the tall guys. James, James Harrison. Right, right, because they don't really know where they are 100%. <laughs> it's kind of a – they can't see them. They're so short they can't really see them. So, um, you know, so they kind of have issues with that uh, sort of stuff. Uh, and, move, and moving with those guys because, you know, you only have so mm-hmm. much movability. But um, I, don't, I don't know if Skipper's too tall. We'll, we'll see what happens. He was the combine. He's six foot nine. We haven't had any starters that were six foot nine offensive tackle in the last twenty years. But um, if he's six foot eight or six foot seven, then I think that's fine. That's you know, that's solid. Um, but um, and Skipper's a guy definitely I want to watch more stuff on um, at tackle. Because this is going to be an interesting tackle class anyways, I think, because there's a lot of talent. There's also a lot of stuff where because of the – it's interesting, though, because so far 
all the tackles the NFL liked had drafted high have turned out to be kind of eh. And and a lot of the guys that they've drafted to have kind of struggled when it comes to that. So I just kind of I really want to figure out how to do it the best. And I know and I get I've talked to offensive line coaches and, and stuff like that um, to really get a feel for stuff. But then again, there was offensive line coaches that loved Andres P. So I couldn't get behind them. <laughs> like I tried. I tried, I tried to see the Your love the is all wrong. Your love is misdirected. Kind of. You know, and if Andres P. ends up being a, a phenomenal player, okay. I don't think so. But it's just it's that sort of situation where I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as possible on a position, which I'm not – like weak at evaluating. It's just a. It's just I have lots of questions about it, and I've talked to a lot of different people about it. And usually, they some of them give really good advice. Some of them give kind of mm, advice, and then there's other guys who give advice that I I just don't trust, hundred um, percent. I think they're. It, it's a lot like focusing mm-hmm. on the beautiful technique, like Cyrus Quanja, right? You know. Oh, look at the beautiful technique. He's he's so. You know this, or or he's not, you know that that kind of stuff. So, but um, but all all that I know is that when it comes to offensive linemen in general, being taller is better if you can mm. bend and get the leverage advantage. Um, so that's that's the basic that's base points bet really, you know. Right. So where you get into trouble with tall guys is that they're essentially the same problem you have with lots of guys, that they're, that they're too stiff to execute certain things. And being super tall, I guess, exacerbates some of the apparent stiffness because you're exposed more easily. There's more of you to move, and so your stiffness is multiplied by the largeness of your frame. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, so there's there's drawbacks to both. If you're a six foot four tackle, does, can you be successful? Absolutely, but the ones who have are super duper athletes. You know, Jason mm-hmm. Peters, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Brown, um, all those guys, super crazy, ridiculous athletes. Um, but as a six foot four guy, when you go up against a guy who's taller than you, they're going to have the leverage advantage. So that's basically what happened to David Bakhtiari. He's six foot four. Went up against Trey Flowers. Is about six foot six, or you know, tall. He's basically taller than him. And uh, there you go. Uh, I, I I say it like this: If you want to have fun, watch Julius Peppers go up against Alan Bailey. You know, oh, <laughs> um, you had a little six foot three, six foot four, little offensive lineman going up against Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers has been course because Julius Peppers got the leverage advantage and it was over you know he was like a little insect bug getting you know swatted away um but the but the other thing too is there's not a lot of Julius Peppers too so that's that's how it is that quarterbacks have managed to survive to this point in history that there's not a lot of Julius Peppers exactly exactly but that just shows you the the point of height I guess um is when you have that type of height, that gives you those advantages on the football field, um, depending on, you know, who you are and that sort of stuff. 
but it does have a drop. It's like anything else, man. It's like short wide receivers and tall wide receivers. Tall wide receivers can be good. Short wide receivers can be good. It's just there's definitely disadvantages and advantages to that that you kind of have to be aware of and kind of look for when you when you're scouting to kind of see whether or not it's going to work or not. With Skipper, I don't know. I've seen a little bit of him. He's kind of a better run blocker than pass protector, from what I've seen. But um, but there definitely is the worry that he might be too tall. Especially like Zach Banner, you know. That's what some people worry about with Zach Banner too at USC is that he might be too tall or too big. He's huge. He's a giant human being, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, I, I do think he, he has enough bend. He just has to do it more consistently to uh, do stuff. Mm. Excellent. Um, you have any other guys you want to mention, Donovan? Um, no, that's all. You know, looking at the Auburn-Louisville game, too, of course. We already talked about that, and there's tons of guys on that field for both sides. And, you know, um, Louisville's quarterback situation just kind of holds them down. Obviously, they already threw a pick, and Jeremy Johnson scored off of it. But um, I'm looking at all those guys. There's just tons of guys on that field. And then, you know, UCLA, Virginia, just watching both of those. <laughs> um, I, I had to clear my TiVo, man, because, <laughs> I don't have enough room for all these games because you know I'm just every year. I know I just I have to record. I, I just man, it's tough. It's a rough world out there. Third, third, our first world problem, right? Like just, it's know. the first world problem. That's the problem I have every single year, Donovan. Is yeah. I have to. I literally have to choose which games I I'm going to record <laughs> and what. Yeah. There's like five. Which, what you get an iPad and here. That kind of solves your problem. I'm not. I mean, I know it's getting iPads. That doesn't sound easier. I mean, I don't know how much money you have, but <laughs> I mean, an iPad it makes stuff easier. That's what I'm gonna do. I think. I think that's what the the, the people are doing right now. So I need to catch up in times instead of just recording everything on my TV. I can record stuff on my on my iPad too. So maybe I need to do that because there's not enough room. So many games. I can only watch so much. You know. Um, <laughs> So much stuff, you know, with the high school stuff, I have to watch Friday nights too. And this, you know. By the way, no um, it's Gorman, man. I mean, I know I talk about that program a lot. They're just doing stuff that helps recruiting guys out because they have a t- they have they don't have a TV contract. They have a streaming contract where you can watch all their games now. <laughs> so that's awesome, you know. But that that they're the first program to do that, so um, that's cool. I thought that was pretty cool. And they actually show games on that same streaming of former players from Gorman, like Lonnie Stanley, even though he plays on TV every week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and New Solomon and all those guys. But, yeah, it's cool. But there's a lot of stuff. There's, there's, no, there's too much on, but, you know, I, I'm just glued to those two games. Auburn Louisville has more talent. Um, and, you know, I got to. You know, I run the the Auburn site for for fan side, and so of course I, I do that. But um, yeah, the UCLA Virginia game too, though. So I watch both. But yeah, that's it. I mean, it's finally here, man. I'm just happy. It's like um, this is my favorite time of the year. The first yeah. week, um, you know, I get to stay in and just sit there and watch football all day. What's better than that? <laughs> Hard to sit in any day. Hard to sit. It's always my. It's always. I was gonna say it's always yeah. my birthday the first week of the season, so that helps. 
Oh, that does <laughs> That's right. I forgot we're both Virgos. Yes, yes. We awesome. are. Yes. Well, my um, birthday was on Friday, too. So. Oh, oh, wow, really? Wait, what? <laughs> this yeah. Friday? Like yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, yeah. Whoa, yeah. happy birthday, man. You got to you gotta uh, tell us, dude. <laughs> okay, gonna, we gotta do yeah. something. Yeah, man, I gotta say, you Fresno State won, so that's a. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.